Right, this is going to be the special one-off episode of Some of the Insight, where we celebrate 200 episodes. This isn't the 200th episode, but if Prince can put out <laughs> a song called Let's Party Like It's 1999, so many years early, that by the time it is 1999, he no longer is associated with that record label and now regrets even making it, then we can just be like two or three weeks late for doing the 200th episode. Spoiler, me and Monty are here, but also we've obviously got our first guest already, so we'll just introduce him now and then we can get into all the jazz, because don't worry, it's not going to be an episode about like worlds the meta lcs we're just gonna I, talk about old stories etc i uh, before we before we start just and we we introduced our guest i have to say guys that in the spirit of the walkout which if you want to learn more about we did an episode on the four horsemen because a lot of you guys are going to be keen to hear about that we're still kind of waiting to see how that pans out but as you guys know, Riot has now dropped the ranked requirement for competing in the LCS. So in celebration of that, we'll be dropping the requirement that you be a professional player uh, on this show for this week. And indeed, we're going to drop the requirement that you're still maybe invested in the scene at all, as you're going to see with some of these old school guests. So that's our, our homage to Riot's actions. Well, much like the walkout. You'll still be watching anyway. I know I will. I'll have my popcorn. Usually check the VODs out, but might just catch it live, you know, to see what's going on. Mainly because I don't want to sabotage the entire scene and kill all the people who are actually paying money for this game. Make Paul Meek crazy, eh? I'm not in a 1980s movie trying to brainwash you that, like, the people who are the, the small guy is the good guy. Not always. But anyway, here is a good guy, and that is Edward. <laughs> I know you him personally as Gosu Pepper, but you plebs probably just know him as Edward from Gambit, you know. Interesting detail, especially in the modern day, worth mentioning. Not actually Russian, Armenian. People always got that wrong. They used to say it was a Russian team. He is technically Armenian. Correct, Edward? Yes, hello. I mean, I live yeah. in Russia my whole life, basically, besides yeah. first few years, but I'm originally Armenian. My whole family is Armenian. Always speak Armenian as my first language, but, but yeah, I live in Russia. Yeah, fair enough. Right, what do you do at the moment? Because I saw like the last year or so you were trying to get like another coaching job or something. You were coaching after you finished playing, right? Yeah, I mean, once in 2019, I after Worlds, I moved to coaching one time. Um, I mean, it was before the Worlds, actually. I went to Rogue in LEC to coach. I tried it once. I realized I still wanted to play because I still had this fire. I was watching my LEC Rogue team to play. I was like, holy shit, I can do a lot better than these guys. And then I went to back, back to play again. I went to Worlds with Unicorns of Love. After this, I went to coaching in one year in Brazil, in CBLOL. Went back to play in uh, LCL, but then war happened. LCL got cancelled, like League, Valorant, all these LCL things got cancelled, Russian things, Russian leaks. And then now I'm coaching in MENA region. MENA is a Middle East region, new region in, ah, right. EMA, in EMA. And I'm coaching there for last split and continuing with this, this split as well in the team. Okay. Now, obviously, the premise of this show isn't to talk just about modern league. I said that we'll talk about some old stories. So if people don't know, one of the episodes that's going to hold up the best from the old days is the first time Edward appeared on Summoning Insight years and years and years ago, because yes. that was where I'd already talked to Edward and done an interview with him. So I knew behind the scenes a bunch of the stories. But the famous thing that happened was Monty, as he is wont to do, because he's watching Korean League of Legends, and he's watched like the highest level macro. He made that classic mistake where he watched what Mac <laughs> 
Moscow Five did, and he thought, right, <laughs> this must be genius. What they've done is they've calculated, like, they understand the way the lane works and the way. And what we discovered on the episode, it was my joy to bring this to Monty, was things <laughs> like in a world where the whole meta in like season three and four was about like TP, who had it and who didn't, Darian just wouldn't even tell people if he had his TP up. And they would group and be like, Darian, quick TP in. And he'd be like, I don't have TP now. <laughs> Edward famously wasn't even timing the flashes because, as he famously iconically said, if they come to lane, I will shit on them. And then if they come again when I don't have flash, I will just shit on them. Which I have to say, that's a, that's a kind of counter logic. You actually had an experience before, Monty, wasn't it? Yeah, it's fresh. <laughs> it was a refreshing new mindset of the way to play the League of Legends. And by the way, you guys have to remember that during this period, you know, Moscow 5 uh, was one of, if not the dominant team, like we've, we've talked about many times on this show, yeah. was the favorite heading into season two worlds among most experts within the scene. Um, and then, you know, also was straight up just dumpstering Korean teams at international tournaments, especially the IEM events where they would travel, travel over to, to Europe. And then uh, they would be, you know, pretty convincingly beaten a lot of the time. Here's a piece of trivia. Aside from, it was actually the last time they played together was in the season four spring split of LC, LEC, EULCS. That was the only time ever that to that lineup finished below top four in a LAN. So you can imagine, like, essentially a bad LAN for them was come, like, fourth, guys. That's how outrageously good this deal. By the way, Edward, along those lines, look, it's obviously a bit of a wound that we're opening here, but you could, you could have been the season two champion, right? You could have won Worlds. Oh, don't you mind me. Season two was like so bad. It was the time we were supposed to play the day uh, the World Elite and CLG match was getting DDoSed. Oh, the one that lasted like a we, day we, and a half. We were, yeah. we, we were supposed to play this exact day after their match, but right. it was got so delayed and our match got delayed for one week. And during this week... <laughs> for uh, one week? Okay. Yes. And we had no team to practice and during this week... Uh, Genja got a flu. I don't know, is it correct word to say? Like Hello? Inf yes. tooth, 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 tooth infection? And his like oh. face, uh, oh, okay. two, his face got like uh, twice bigger on one one of the sides. He he couldn't really speak, and he was like not playing good after this. Uh, wow! But obviously, like it, it affects us a lot. Obviously, the team also we had to play was more prepared into, into it as well. I, I think we lost the momentum uh, during this tournament as well during this break. I'm pretty sure if we would play that exact day, we should play. We would like two zero TPA and then easily win the finals because the final team we were supposed to play. I think it was Azubu or... Yeah, Frost. Azubu, Frost, yeah. Or uh, CLG, CLG, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. They're both like super shit uh, compared to TPA or us. <laughs> they were obviously very good teams. We know how Edward talks. That's kind of... No, like yeah. back then, back then, I mean, oh, compared to... Come on. I mean, compared to normal people, like, of course, they were like good players, but compared to TPA or us, they were like way below level. I've told the story before because sometimes fans ask questions at the end of these episodes, Edward. Like, if you can go back, you can do one thing. And I always say, all I would do is I wouldn't change anything else in history. I would just go back to that day during the semi-final and I would just come up to you guys and in Russian, I would just say to you, basically, ban Nidalee. That's all I'll tell you. And I'd yeah. just disappear into a time machine. You'd, no one would ever know yeah. what I did. That's that, the dream, was, right? by, by, that, that was Darian special as well. After first game uh, that we lost to Nidalee, we're like asking Darren, is Nidalee a problem? He's like, no, no, this champ is so shit. Like, uh, I will just play something else. And I will win. <laughs> we will do better. Next game, next game, same things happen. And unfortunately, it was best of three, not best of five. So it That's was true. Over. It was just yes, semi-finals. You yes. should be best of three back then, yes. believe it or not, guys. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Um, 
Uh, so, Edward, you said that the uh, the WE versus CLGU match was DDoSed. I can actually tell you what happened that day if you okay. it's like if we're revealing things. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So this is this is this is a very funny riot story. So remember on that stage, the stage rotated. It like yes. spun around. So the idea behind this, guys, was that the teams would be able to because this was before you had like hot swappable uh, you know, solid state drives. And so the teams would have to set up and there was a lot of time it took to set up for the next game because you'd have to put in all your settings because the game was super janky. Right, Edward. So it took like 10 or 15 minutes to get ready for a match. Right. Is that fair to say? That would. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, the idea was two teams would be playing and then on the opposite side of this wall, two teams would be setting up back to back and then the stage would rotate and reveal the new teams to First off, it was supposed to look cool, obviously. And second off, it was just supposed to reduce the setup time on stage so there'd be less downtime between games. So, Edward, what actually happened was it wasn't a DDoS. They okay. couldn't figure out what the problem was that day because all of a sudden they lost internet connectivity to the stage. As oh. I have been told, what happened was because the stage rotated, it severed the internet cables underneath the stage and so the PCs no longer had access to the internet because they built this stupid rotating stage. <laughs> and then they couldn't figure out the problem. Okay. It's, uh, you shouldn't have told me. I, I feel worse now. Not the first time Riot Spin <laughs> fucked up a bunch of their events, is it? You know, so there you go. By the way, I actually just looked it up now. Edward appeared on the 18th episode of Summoning Insight. We're over 200 now, guys. And that was in August of 2014. So that was seven years ago. We're all still alive. Yes. Good, good job, everyone. I wouldn't necessarily know that all three people in that call would be alive ten years later, but we all made it. We're all looking good still. All still doing things in League of Legends, shockingly. Indeed. By the way, Edward, we obviously we were just telling those funny stories there. Now, someone wouldn't imagine a player like that. Like you were a very aggressive support player. You essentially just wanted to go in and fight and fuck up the other team, etc. People probably wouldn't imagine you'd become a coach. How have you adjusted to being a coach, having to be maybe a bit more calm or more cerebral about the game? How have you how have you found it? I mean, the personality I had in game that uh, it was always like why should I be scared playing of, like video game? Like if, if he always went to the game, I mean everyone in Moscow was someone like something like this. Uh, besides the moments later in the into the years, we would go and why would be scared to play a video game? We were always playing aggressive. This was like our main thing. We would we were not scared to play. We were not scared against like who we play. I mean, what happens right now in as well in uh, big tournaments? Like new people go, oh my god, I'm playing against Gumayusi, blah blah blah. Like uh, this gets into people's head. In, in in reality, they just play against the same champion they play themselves all the time. So I think the aggressiveness was just uh, I would say Russian mentality thing. Uh, but I was always kind of guy who would um, gather all the information and keep it. I would remember all the stuff. I always helped in my teams. I think after we, I went to LCL in 2016, I was always and player and coach at the same time in every team because there was no coaches in in Russian league at all in Russian scene CIS. Oh, okay. So I was always doing and coaching stuff and manager stuff. I was booking streams, coaching, reviewing. Playing in the same time, so always had this thing. Uh, I always like leader personality. I had this always. When I was younger, I couldn't do it because uh, I had like people who Genja, Alexic in my team. Genja was seven or eight years older than me. When I was 18, he was like 26 or 25 or something. So I couldn't really do it in this, in this team, obviously. But yeah, I always, when I grow up, I always had this leader mentality inside and outside of the game, and it helped me a lot to 
uh, going to coaching and at the same time I finished university, uh, master and bachelor degree. Uh, psychology, so it kind of helped me as well. Wow. Okay. The joke is, obviously, after being in Moscow five, he's like, I better fucking learn about this psychology thing because these guys are fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that even reminds me, people are wondering what he's saying there. In his team, Alex Itcher is like a leadership figure. He's not the natural leader. People don't know. He's like a perks. You just, when he's in the room, he has a natural leadership aura. And Genja was absolutely the guy where he's like the stern professor in like an old movie. He was like, "What? Well, you're, you're late, Banks. What about the test of that? And so if people don't no, I remember an amazing story that I heard, right, about Kenji, which was this. Like, if you were his support player, this is what I heard from the supports that replaced you, Edward, like Voidal and Darker later. Okay. Like, so they kicked you out because they thought, oh, you, you left or whatever, because of this beef between you and them. And these other ones came in, and this is where I learned that a lot of it was Kenji, not just you, mate. Because they told me in that team, Kenji wouldn't just tell you, like, oh, by the way, you know, in the game, you pinned a bit too aggressive, and I'd like you to sort of back off and just zone them off, but don't engage. He wouldn't say that. What he would do, they said, was he would say nothing, but what he would do is he would just walk and face check brushes and just die. And then basically, the, that was you were supposed to learn when he died like that like oh you were meant to actually like ward that for me or like stop like he would just teach you using pain yeah. essentially he was on some like old school like prussian system i guess like <laughs> was he a tough there, guy there, to play with there was actually one game i remember we were playing official game uh it was i don't remember who was exactly but i remember it was diamond me and genja still in the team and uh genja told us in russian i think we had already like mixed english team we had oh, maybe okay. kubon or something um, in the LC, LEC, LCS. And Genja told us in the game, official game, oh, Diamond Edward, you guys don't know how to work. I will show you guys during the official game. And he went to work and he got caught hot and died. And me and Diamond just started laughing <laughs> during the LCS game. It was so funny. But he would do this like, overall, yeah. He was, he was very hard to play with. Uh, but at the same time, it was kind of fun because he was always performing very good in, a, in good moments. Oh, for sure, yeah. Was there anything about this particular roster that, because it, it just seems like such an unlikely group of people to get together in terms of personalities and besides kind of ignoring the nameplates and, and not like getting psyched out by any particular opponents, what was it about this group of players that was able to make all these magical runs? Like, what do you think your greatest strength was? I think uh, personalities outside of the game don't matter as much unless people are complete mental or something that they can't hang out together or they can't like associate at all uh, i think this is kind of uh, not as important as the mentality you have in game uh, i think most common thing we had always in all these five players we had it was we just want to win no matter what like we uh all, all we were thinking it's league of legends how to win game how to play together that's it we had like this few things uh, going on in our heads and that's legit it nothing else uh, and right now i don't know it's it feels like right now every everyone is trying to get these super teams which is never working and i don't know what's the deal I mean, the the other problem, to be fair, Edward, is back then players made the team. You know, they picked who's in the team and who stays, etc. Now it's obviously done by like someone in the organization. That actually ties into a topic though, that people might not know about, which is if you're a modern day CSGO fan and you know that Cloud9's CSGO team is a Russian squad, well, they actually have a Kazakhstani player, and they were one. They were when they were Gambit, they were actually the best team in the world. When we were on the internet, we didn't have lands. The person who's the coach of that team is Groove Konstantin yeah. Pilka, who was an old school Counter Strike pro, who was actually the manager of Moscow 5. He was actually with these guys in Gambit. So who is this guy? Because obviously he hasn't done many English interviews. He can't speak English, but he just doesn't do them. Who is Groove? Who is he? 
Because I heard he played a good role in sort of like keeping the team together or something, right? I would say if we go to this day reality, I would say he's a real-life coach. He was kind of a real-life real coach for us. He never played league until maybe season four and... Okay. Uh, he just leveled up account, level 30, no, and he would just Monty, play. Monty, they, when they were in season two, we Groove had never even played League of Legends. This <laughs> guy's so a wild. fucking chad. Go on, keep, keep going, keep going. I mean, I, I think he only leveled up at level level 30 account, like 2014, playing with his uh, like family guy or someone, and we would just play as well sometimes to have fun. But he really never touched League. He was obviously a pro player before and CS 1.6. Yeah. He was a world champion, blah, blah, blah. Like, all this stuff is, like... Not a lot of people know. And he was not even supposed to be our manager. We were picked up at Moscow 5, and then we needed the manager, and then suddenly he he had to beef us. And then after we won IM Kiev, he was like, okay, I like this team. I see a lot of potential. I will like beef you guys uh, as much as I can. And then suddenly this, I mean, all this story happened with Groove. Because I heard uh, the Groove. story, which sounded genius, by the way, is in Groove's team, when he, it was really old school Russian team, it was actually the team Virtus Pro, believe it or not, that now obviously has a different yes. association completely. But this was a team where back in the Russian scene, they used to be notorious for if like you had one bad tournament, you just kick whoever in the team you think played bad. And so in his teams, they were the ones where they just kept cycling players, but they'd come back two years later, you know, you'd change players till eventually there was no one left. You'd bring that guy back and then you'd have almost the same lineup again. So I heard basically he told these guys when they were having like internal issues, but they were still a really amazing team like i said bad tournament would be like semi-finals he basically just told them like don't break up like don't change players just because you're having a dispute like keep the same team together because it's like actually it's more than just players right it's like the the specific set of people you have together that makes you good in the game right edward yeah i think he was the main reason we, we were together as much as we were like uh, in terms of like distance uh otherwise maybe me or alexic or maybe someone else would just leave uh the team way before uh then we left, so he was he was keeping us together for sure. And by the way, guys, he's still uh, very active. So uh, as as Thorin said, he used to be a Counter Strike player. So it was remarkable that he came over to League of Legends. It was such a core piece of this lineup, and was part of you know part of this team basically through the Moscow Five uh, and then the the Gambit era as well. And then what he was doing most recently was he was with Gambit's. Um, counter-strike team when they were performing very well and he now works for cloud nine so he he basically has signed on and i know from talking to jack that jack re regards him extremely highly and you know thinks of him as like a key part of the the european arm of the organization right now so this grooves grooves legend continues basically to roll and uh he's still super active within esports Edward, yeah, just for the sake of anyone who knows the old episodes when we first did them, I have to ask you a question, though. But how you okay. answer it is totally up to you, and you will choose how <laughs> you answer it, which is everyone always talks, right, about, like, where teams are based. So if people don't know, it might seem weird because you think of Fnatic and you think of, like, League of Legends in Sweden with uh, Reckless or the Counter-Strike team from Sweden for years and years and years. But famously, it's always said, because they have a headquarters in London, that the team is registered in the UK. So technically, Fnatic's like a British org, right? Well, the interesting detail back in the day, people might remember on the show was, they always said that Gambit Gaming was a British organization as well, even though I never, ever knew anyone. I'm from the UK. I never knew anyone in UK <laughs> esports who was involved in, in any context or knew anything about it. And they had this like mysterious Pringles sponsorship, which has never <laughs> existed again for about 10 years in esports. And famously, I asked Edward, like, who, what's going on with that? Who does own them? Like, why can't, if, they, if they're already in Britain, which at the time was in the European Union, 
that's how long ago this episode was, nine years ago. That Back <laughs> then, I was like, how could there be a problem with visas even? It's a British organ. Edward famously didn't want to answer. So I'll ask... You know, in the modern day, can we get any kind of hint? What, what was the deal with Gambit Gaming? Is there anything you can tell I mean, us? I for sure know Gambit, uh, the organization was registered actually in UK. Uh, but there were obviously, there was no like a lot of UK, I mean, not UK people working there. But Pringles think it was like complete fake back then. We... <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> there you go. I wondered. I always like, wondered, mate. I think we were sitting at I Am Hanover or something. And we're, we're like all eating Pringles. And we're like, okay, let's uh, let's do... Let's do a sponsor, like put the Pringles on our t-shirts or like jerseys, whatever it is. Oh my and then, why, God. Why is this team like a fucking James Franco and like <laughs> Seth Rogen make a fucking, like make an esports team movie or something? It's what? ridiculous. I know, it's mental. Did, did Pringles like send you a cease and desist? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, and then we, I think, I think group wanted to contact Pringles and actually we, in the same time we contacted Pringles and wanted to like work with them. Uh, but I think it never, never ha happened afterwards. Here's my Didn't dream, Monty. My dream is this is what happened, is that I like to imagine that even Pringles with their global empire has a similar problem, actually, that the Soviet Union had, which was when you send information from the central headquarters all the way out, obviously it can all get fucked up by the different people it goes through and their motivations, right? Oh, so yeah, what I like yeah. to imagine is this what happened, Monty. Someone did go, wait a minute. Come, is this the uh, is this the is this the Moscow headquarters of Pringles? Yeah, um I you guys have sponsored this team Moscow Five and like that? And like uh, you you sponsor Moscow Five, the team that's winning a league. Yes, yes. And you got that deal with them signed. Like what 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 is it worth? Like almost nothing. Like good luck. Gosh, like, and then some guy just took credit for it, I want to imagine. Thought, yeah. yeah, that is such a mad because that's what he says. You'd think you'd just get shut down immediately, wouldn't you? That shows you how small it's I fucking love it. You know, you know the the ir the irony of all of this is that uh one of the sponsors that has been interested in potentially sponsoring our shows has actually been Pringles. Like that's been somebody who's been oh, talking oh, to was it just actually Edward <laughs> pretending and calling Monty? What did the guy have a bit of a dodgy accent? That's all I'm asking. I got connected to Pringles' uh, Russian marketing division. There I thought it was strange. There, but... there you go. It was just Darian the whole time. The, the, pr the prank went out of control. <laughs> Edward, are there Pringles in Russia? Can you buy them? Yeah, of course. I think. Okay. I mean, I think like 95% of brands yes. uh, left. I think you still can find Pringles, but already everything got changed. Like Everything is like oh, uh, of the either from Russia... Yeah. yeah, but right. it looks, it's legit the same thing, but uh, maybe different name. As far as I know, what they do essentially is if you have the factory and all the ingredients, you just make like a knockoff version sure. while you're not allowed to make yeah, it yeah, famously, yeah. you know, so I assume they just yeah, do yeah. that. By the way, you actually mentioned Gumayushi there. That you actually watch it, were you watching MSI, Edward? Are you watching nowadays? Yeah, I do watch all the events. I mean, obviously okay. I'm coaching right now. I, I've got I, a question it's... then. What do you think of Carrier from T1, the support Ooh. player? Hmm... I think he's really fucking good. You like uh, his style? I can't say like he's the best or not best because so like last few years it's it's really hard to say like who is the best performing individually blah 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 because it's such a team oriented game. But in reality, like he's for sure one of the best support players uh, happened in the last like five years. Uh, he's a special guy for sure. 
Don't you watch, though, when they play support now, Edward, and think, like, when you played, the support was, like, five levels below everyone else. Wards <laughs> only. Like, maybe you complete one item, and, like, you're just, you're just poor, and everything's for the ADC. Everything. When, you, when you see out, like, dude, there's games now where I've seen supports of, like, they have, like, the most damage, or they just heal everyone in the whole game. Do you, don't you think support's way more powerful now than it was in your day? Yeah, I think I think uh, game is so much more shit right now compared to what it was before. Like, Supports have to do like support job, but now it's like it's so like you can play uh, I don't know eighty carries on supports and be useful and be the best champion yeah, in the true. game, like which which yeah. makes no sense for me. Uh, obviously, uh, it's still fun to play. I mean, it's I think it's more for people who to play like uh, solo queue and stuff like this, like for fun players, because uh, no one I think originally support was like the least people played this role, right? Yes. It was like least popular, so I think they just tried to make it more fun to play. Uh, but for competitive, I think it's just unfun, in my opinion. Like, you can't see the actual true supports, uh, who is very good. Well, Unless I think... <laughs> Unless you're curious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think, I think that a lot of the, like you're saying, a lot of the balancing has just been to push more people into certain roles in solo queue. And having no money and no items and potentially dying instantly was not thought of by, as fun by many people. Um, but I do agree that it it changed. Getting a bunch of items for free basically did change the nature of the support role pretty profoundly because it made it more difficult to discover who the really good supports are and also who the good macro teams were in terms of clearing out wards yeah. and vision control. Oh, wait. That just reminded me of one other story we cannot go without saying because this story involves one of the worst moments in Dom's entire career which is when he played at the IEM final in Kanavitsi the one that Moscow 5 won the Hanover event oh, the Hanover sorry not Kanavitsi yeah, Hanover not when, when you play this one that was when remember now it's standard Monty that a support will roam on a certain timing and plays vision or go and skirmish at the time support stayed in lane with the ADC but in this final when Dom's Dignitas team was playing <laughs> made the beginning of the game because they picked Urgot for Genja and he could just 1v2 the lane. Edward was just roaming and they just catch like, was it Dom that they actually caught? They just caught him in the, was it you and Diamond caught him in the jungle or was it the support you caught? What happened in this game at the beginning? Like you guys went and just fucked him up in his jungle like level one or something, right? Yeah, I think we killed uh, Dom on red buff and then we ganked the mid lane, killed uh, Scar, I think. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, but this this is not a good example. It was just an A team. Like even before it was an A team. <laughs> So. No, but imagine being those guys. Like, imagine being Dom. Like, oh fuck, I'm at my first huge slam. <laughs> like, teams popping off. Five boys doing a good game. Maybe I can win this motherfucker. Like, level one <laughs> of the game money. Well, just get my buff. Do, 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 do. Edward just comes out of a fucking brush with everyone in on him. Then they go skank, gank Scara. Game's basically fucked. Like three minutes in, it's like, oh but well, that's good. <laughs> the the funny part about this strategy is that we came out with this strategy with uh, Genja playing Urgot one v two. With me and Genja fighting together, and then, like, during the screams or whatever it was, like, practice. And uh, he said, like, fuck you. I said, like, fuck you. And then I said, I'm not going to lane with you. Like, okay, I just left the lane. He suddenly won 1v2 before God. Then I suddenly killed people on mid lane and with diamond, and then we say, okay, can work. Then we start trying this uh, intentionally, and then it just worked out as a strategy. This is another scene from a movie. This is not real. <laughs> this never happened. There's no way that that team could. There's no way a team could operate this way, Monty. Like that again. We all thought like, oh, it's genius. They understand that like, you know Urgot can absorb the pressure, <laughs> but it allows like this. But <laughs> it's none of that. It was at the end of fight. Well, fuck you. Well, fuck you. I'm not learning with you then. What's the final tomorrow? Don't care. See you there. You're gonna be in the run. All right. See you then. Fuck you. What? I mean, that's, that's that's what I'm telling. Like, even though we would like, for example, fight, we still would 
care about the game a lot and we would, wouldn't give up, you know, like we would just keep playing even though we, for example, in, we didn't want to play that exact game together, but we still would try hard and try our best in any game. I mean, this was just the best. Like right now, people are so tilting so much. I think it's just getting out of control. Like, especially this young generation of yeah. League of Legends players, it's something special. Like, holy shit. Yeah, they're all in their feelings, mate. They're all just like, oh, I'm having a bad game. Oh, I feel, I feel bad. It's like, mate, you should go back in time and play like old solo queue yes. where they weren't even banning any from chat restriction. Motherfuckers are just typing novels about how your family's going to die. Like, oh, well, you were just like, well, I might. And you, if you want to win the game and you're the jungler, you still gank their lane because they're playing fucking Nazis or something. So that's what it was like back back in the days, boys. You just I mean, I, that, that was the Russian advantage because they have a, a long history of writing novels about how your whole family's going to die. There you go. Shout out to <laughs> that's actually too fucking funny yes <laughs> what was by the way what was groove doing during all this because you said that the, you know you think the team might have broken apart sooner but when this kind of stuff would happen how was he interacting with the team mm, you mean during the n5 times yeah like times? yeah yeah like when 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 you would have these disputes what would he be doing what would he be saying to you guys I mean, I don't really remember like specific things, but basically, uh, he would he couldn't be always doing uh, working with us because he, in same time when he was like our manager, he would also have like visa agency. He was working there. Like sometimes, he, sometimes he wouldn't be with us. But uh, every time we had like super heated arguments, we were like we were very close to fist fight or whatever it was. Uh, he would just we would just call him Groove. It's time to come, and then he would just come and fix uh, fix all our shit. <laughs> It would happen like maybe once a week or twice a week or maybe once or two weeks, whatever it was. Uh, but yeah, he was just a guy, basically a psychologist for our team, I would say. By the way, that thing you said earlier as well, I also agree with. Because that's one thing coming from Counter-Strike. I was so disappointed with people where you would play and they were scared to go in in case they got shot in the game. It's like, you know, it's only in, we're on the Matrix now where you feel pain. Like, it's a fucking video game. Just go in. It's why I always play, like, entry roles myself. Like, just like fucking video games, mate. Like, yeah, maybe you actually need to just get your ass kicked on the way home one time. Then when you get home, you'll go, oh, this video game compared to that. It's fucking awesome, <laughs> isn't it? No one even hits me in it. It's just, just all fixed in my mind, isn't it? Because I always thought the main reason Edward, why your team was doing so well against the Korean teams. It's actually what you were saying. It's like you were one of the only ones that weren't afraid. Everyone else went in the game and they already thought, like, oh, they're so good, or like, oh, they'll probably win, or they're just better than me. You guys used to just essentially just go up and just punch them in the face, sort of. Yeah, I think uh, every player in our team always fought their best in their role, like by far. Like, they, no one ever thought they have anyone to compete with. And I think it was my mentality as well. So I think that, that helped as well. Like, Maybe it's a fake confidence, or I don't know what it's called, like what, what you can say it, but they were all super confident in ourselves, in each other, so it just worked out together. Right, well, we're going to have to move on because we've got a lot of people coming on here, but we thank you for coming on here, Edward. Thanks, Edward. You've, it's been you've great. You've lived up to the legacy you, brought to the show. We even <laughs> did find out something about Moscow 5 slash Gambit after all these years. The Pringles, Pringles thing. Our Pringles were fake. I love it. All along. All along. <laughs> all right. I'm happy you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Switch to next right. Joining us now, our next guest is going to be Chobra, who obviously the old school OGN Legion will be familiar with from back in the day. Because when Monty came to Korea, this is one of the people he was commentating. Well, it wasn't just Toa, because everyone has to remember, like the workload even back then was mad. And obviously, then there was OGN Masters and stuff. So there was so many oh, yeah. matches to commentate. So Chobra actually even used to live with Monty. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shared apartment together. Yeah, way back when. <laughs> and now if, if people don't know, he's now doing actually VCT stuff in Pacific region, which is where yeah. T1 and DRX and the Korean teams play. Yeah, yeah. So kind of found my way back into the arms of Riot. And now, now with Valorant, obviously haven't done league, league stuff in a while. But yeah, it's it's been good. It's been good. It's been a long time. I want to ask you something, though, Chobra. Obviously, you know, I'll be delicate about this because I, I, okay. I don't know how much stuff people want revealed. But when I came to Korea a couple of times, and Monty would always just do this thing where anyone Western that you knew would come in, he'd just be like, ah, oh, just stay at my place. You know, you can, like, sleep on the floor and, like, chill out. We'll have a sort of a cool vibe. And Monty, his his whole thing literally was like, you know, me casa, su casa. His door would always be open to his room as long as he wasn't sleeping, you know. He was generally being, like, quite gregarious and outgoing. He'd be good out for drinks with people, meeting people. You knew all the scene. But then... Like I said, Chopra lived there, bro. I'll tell you, it's about the first two times I went. I think I saw Chopra for about two times ever. Like he would be out either working all day long, but then when he came back, he would just go straight into his room and lock the door. And like he, I think even in his room, which wasn't like a kitchen area, he could like cook noodles and he wouldn't even have to come out to eat noodles. <laughs> and I was just like, is it just me or something? But I think were you just were you more of an introverted person back then, Chopra? What was the deal? Oh, no, I, I gen- I'm really bad about this actually. Um, generally, I'm actually very introverted. Um, um, so, I mean, I'm sure Monty get a test to this, which I've always appreciated how open Monty was. But then even though we lived together, Monty would always try to, like, bring me out, even if it's just like the two of us, you know, like, just go grab a drink or grab a bite. Like, my default always just like, nah, like, I just gonna sit <laughs> in my room and, like, play video games or, you know, do whatever or, like, sleep or whatever. And um, I, I still actually... I've gotten a lot better um, over the years, but even now, I mean, now I, I also kind of, I live right outside of Seoul for the time being, so I live a lot, you know, far further away than a lot of the other English casters that are still out here. Um, and some of them, like Achilles, will sometimes be like, "Oh, you know, like you're always just like hanging out on your own, like you're never hanging out with us." So it definitely wasn't a you thing. Um, but <laughs> I, I think, I, yeah, I don't know. It's because it, it's like once I do go and it's not like I don't enjoy it right so like i kind of just need that like extra force to like really pull me out by the way i will say you still have uh, like a lot of people who are casters the voice quality goes up and down i mean the joke everyone knows is tasteless that's actually got better from getting ruined somehow i don't know how that makes sense but it did he got more gravelly and fucking sick yeah he he blew out his vocal cords and his voice actually sounds better better. but you actually still have the same you have you have a great voice for commenting i think you've got a great voice show bro Thank you. Thank you. No, I've, I've always tried to really like keep it in good condition. I think that's like the one thing I've, I guess I, I'm always proud of is that I've always been very like conscious of it. And then, so for instance, like even this time with VCT, just cause we had so many days of casting. Um, and even, even like last year, cause I was doing both the Korean and English side. Um, like during the season, you know, like I wouldn't go out drinking or I wouldn't hang out like afterwards. I'm just like, listen, like I'm, I'm happy to hang out afterwards, but right now, like I just need to not talk. Like I get home and my parents are like, Oh, how was it? I'm like, it was fine. And then I just like, don't talk for the rest of the weekend. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'm I mean, when, go on, Monty. Yeah, go on. I just, to, uh, when, when we were, uh, when we were casting masters together and I was doing champions and masters at the same time. So I was doing 10 best of threes a week. So five days. Um, I, and I was doing summoning insight and I was coaching CLG all at the same time. I like literally couldn't talk at, outside of work. Yeah. You know, I, 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 my, my throat hurts so badly. And so I would have to drink like throat coat tea all the time with honey yeah. and I, I, with like lemon juice. And I would, I would actually just by the end of a, a week of casting, 
my throat would hurt super bad. And so I would just have to sit there and just make sure I didn't say anything outside of like summoning insight, the, the broadcasts and anything that was absolutely necessary that I couldn't say in text for, for coaching and stuff like that. It was bad. <laughs> I also noticed as well, Chobra, that this is how in some ways, I know obviously there's that awkward thing where if people don't know, if you're like ethnically Korean, but like you live most of your life elsewhere, then you go back. It's like you're, you're sort of between the two at that point to Koreans at least. Like they'll never yeah. truly take you as like, you can, like, I think you once told me some mad story that like you went to like Columbia University or some really good university in America. But when you told your grandma, she was like, it's not Seoul University though, is it? And you're like, what the? Like, well, I guess it's not, but like, you know, it's pretty good. Like she made it sound like you were going to like some community college or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think I, I've gotten a lot better with it where now I'm just like, like, whatever, you know, okay. you, you know what I am? Like I am now. an American citizen, like whatever, you know, I'll just live yeah. with that. That's fine. Um, But yeah, when I first came back to Korea for OGN, like even my relatives as well, because the big thing then um, more so than the school was, um, it was just the fact that I, I hadn't graduated Oh uh, college, right, right. And yeah, so they're like out. Yeah, so oh, so right. yeah, the result big, is like social stigma, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, so it's a social stigma. And then the funniest thing actually was I don't, I don't know if I've told either of you guys this, but during the three years at OGN, they would keep telling me, like they would keep asking me, when's my internship gonna end? Because oh, they yeah. just didn't want to accept that I was like working without a degree. Oh, right. And then once I told them I was going to produce at ESL, they were like, oh, a producer. Well, that's uh, a real job. Right. And I was like, okay, okay. like okay. this this, this <laughs> is where this is going. So I was going to say, though, the way in the sense, here's the way that you have actually, though, I'll actually give you the honorary award. The reason you are truly now a Korean esports figure, Chobra, is because, as I just mentioned, you've done a million fucking games now. Like, if people don't know, if you work in the Korean scene, like that legendary woman, I forget her name, um, basically you just have to do like 10 games. You do cart riding, yeah. you do whatever world cyber games is. And they just, yeah, young sorry or whatever her name is. Like a, the very legendary female um, host that mm -hmm. people don't know. She's been around a long time. Still looks yeah. fucking fire now. Amazing professionalism, right? Basically, that, that is part of being in the Korean scene, right? Is you just, you take whatever games are coming to you. Like you were doing Overwatch stuff when that was out in Korea, right, as well? Uh, I didn't get to do Overwatch. I had left oh, okay. right as right before it released, but obviously, well, you, you know, were working when, with ESL on an Overwatch event that was out there. But yes, yes. So, and then yeah, because I also went to you know the the other company that does like literally every game on the planet. Yeah. So, you know, I did like Heroes of the Storm. I did Overwatch stuff there. Um, obviously, you know, CS. Did you like Heroes um, of the Storm, then, by the way? Hmm. Did you like Heroes of the Storm? You know, I I liked it when it I liked it when I came out, and I thought it still had legs in terms of like broadcasting. But like the game itself, I mean, I think it's obvious why you know it just couldn't get as big. Like there's there were so many technical problems with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I liked it in the beginning, and I thought I thought I'm um, working on the broadcast side of it. I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, and then you know once I came back to Korea, like I've done. You know, now with mobile games, like I've done a couple mobile games now. And yeah, it's just there's there's also so many like Korean centric games. Right. And they just kind of have to go through whoever has has experience because they don't yes. want to risk it. And then on top of that, if you're English speaking or if you can translate, that's just like, a, OK, well, there's just not too many options. So, yeah. 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 So, I, I mean, think, obviously, I I'm think thankful. Talk about how you got into esports because it's still such a crazy story. Oh, I know, I know oh, no, the people, best part of this, by the, the way, first time I met him. <clears throat> I'll just set this up. Here's the only downside of this story before we start is your 
you're all going to listen to this and go, see, people telling you to be realistic are idiots. It's like, Chopra basically did what they do in the movie, but in real life just wouldn't work. But go on, sell us up. This is so yeah. ridiculous, this story. Yeah, I, would, yeah, I would suggest, like, do not try this at home. This is a trained professional, yeah. all that stuff. So go on. Yeah, <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah. hold on, hold on. I have to, this is also my first League of Legends land. So it was the MLG yeah. Summer Arena in 2011. 12, 2012, 12, or early yeah. 2012. This is very early 2012. 20, that's right. And um, this was the first time a Korean League of Legends team had ever competed at a LAN in the West. So it was yeah. what what had just become a Zubu Blaze. So they were MIG Blaze before this, but they were Zubu Blaze at this tournament. They had fancy new uniforms. It was a four-team event that had – it was actually Reckless's team, I believe, uh, Team Black – Oh my god, was it? It was yeah, I think it was reckless. Yeah. Oh yeah. My god. Um, so Curse. it was Reckless's team, uh, Curse and TSM. TSM. Yeah. TSM, yeah. Um, and by the way, this was a very unique event because this was, as far as I know, the only time where coaches were allowed on comms for the entirety oh, okay. of the game. Oh, yeah. So it was a very it was they were they were. It was also Svenskeren was on Team Black, by the way. Yes. Um, and yeah, this yeah. is the curse roster with Poe Belter in top lane, St. Vicious, Nijackie, Cop, and Elements, and then Dyrus, the Odd One, Reginald, Chaos, and Special, kind of the classic original TSM roster. So this was, and then, by the way, Reaper, who you guys probably know is you know, famously a coach in NA, he was the top laner. This was the last event he played before he got kicked off of the Azubu Blaze roster and replaced with Flame. Um, and then it was Helios, Ambition, Captain Jack, and Lust Boy. And so people were anticipating, you know, oh, there's going to be this big match with TSM. 2-0, of course, uh, in the finals, Azubu Blaze. Uh, also 3-0 during the group stage. Uh, very easy <laughs> clap uh, for the Korean roster. This is the first reality check on North American and especially TSM mm -hmm. fans. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting because they would allow coaches. So I, I remember very distinctly that for Curse, Liquid, uh, who's now the CEO, so Steve Aronset, um, he was on like on the headset that entire game with Team Curse. Because remember, he also used to be a professional player in League of Legends. Oh, yeah. Um, I forget who. I think it was uh, on air. The the Korean manager who yes. was on comms for yep. Azubu Blaze because mm -hmm. he was at that event as well. Um, yeah. And I I don't remember if TSM had anybody. Who I don't think they had anybody right. who was, uh, you know, uh, on the comms. But yeah, very interesting. So anyway, that that it was at MLG's headquarters, which was in a skyscraper in Manhattan in New York City on on Park Ave. So anyway, you can now tell your story. This is setting up everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's very important to remember because obviously that's so long ago. And we don't we just don't have events like that anymore. Um, but yeah. So for those who don't know, I mean, back then I was also just another fan. Like I was literally on Team Liquid's IRC chatting with other fans during OGN matches, like during Korea's matches for League of Legends, like talking about the players and being like, oh, like this is cool, like this player's cool. Um, and then MLG, uh, so I heard obviously that the Summer Arena was happening, so I'm like, okay, that's cool. I used to live in New Jersey, so just right across the bridge. Uh, and they, MLG was running the sweepstake. So MLG obviously partnered with Dr. Pepper like all the time. And Dr. Pepper was running this sweepstake of like, uh, show why you're the, you're the biggest super fan through like content. Um, and then if you win, you, you will, you'll win a trip to MLG rally. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, like I should try to do this cause I have this opportunity. And then I thought back and I remembered one of my friends from college cause I went to college in New York had met, um, 
some of the StarCraft II players when they were there the year before for an MLG arena. Like they just ran into them in Koreatown. So I just figured, well, okay, there's got to be like Koreans are they're all going to go to Koreatown or somewhere like I got to be able to find them somehow. Um, it's their first time in the West. Uh, it'd be great to meet them, let them know that there are fans in America. Just, you know, find, get this content. Uh, so I think to myself, all right, I am going to record a vlog of me drinking only Dr. Pepper to prove that I am a Dr. Pepper The level Pepper of shilling fan. for this is so perfect as well. Yes. <laughs> and, and also, like, I was so naive that I could have just drank other stuff off camera, but yeah, I, like, legitimately drank it out Dr. and just taken the carton. But, okay, you're just too honest a person. You're too straight up, Joe, that's your problem. Um, yeah. So then, uh, so, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to make this vlog of trying to find the studio. Uh, but... The, the address wasn't like that easy to find. Obviously, it was like hidden out in the website somewhere, like under the business section. But it and this obviously, is before people had the smartphone with all Google Maps, guys. You had to actually right, yeah, go like to the address. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, find yeah. everything as easily. Um, and then obviously the event wasn't open to public, right? So it was just broadcasted. Uh, but then I, but then I had uh, found Saint Vicious had tweeted a view from the studio. Uh, You're trying I to figure out ways yeah. where it is. So I saw like the Chrysler okay. building. And I'm like, okay. okay, all right. I like, I kind of know the neighborhood. I'm like triangulating in my head. I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. Uh, so I, so I left in the morning. This sounds like straight stalker shit right now, by the way. But anybody hasn't yet met any of these people, or got yeah, hired. Yeah, if I did like, it now, okay, like I just get arrested good. at the wall. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call the cops so, instead. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I just I just went um, and then I like made a poster with a Korean flag and I was like, my goal is just to meet them. Right. Like if the video works out, great. But I just want to meet the the Blaze players. Uh, I find I went around. So in that neighborhood, I go around asking all these tall office buildings like, hey, do you guys know if like this is the MLG studio? And one of them goes, I think that's the next building over like the security guy. He's like, I think that's the building next door. So I go in and I see it. All right. OK, this is the building with MLG. Um, and I ask and they're like, well, obviously it's not open to public, so you can't go in. So I'm like, okay, well, is it cool if I, cause it was like the hottest day of that summer as well. So I'm like, is it cool if I just like wait in the lobby? And he's like, sure. So here I am, this League of Legends fanboy sitting with my Korean flag, um, on my cell phone, watching the games in the lobby of this like New York city skyscraper <laughs> that's filled with offices for other important things. Um, and I wait until the matches are over. So then one by one, the teams come down and I start to meet all of them. Uh, but in right before it all ended, uh, Reaper and on air, the, the then coach for blaze had come down for a smoke break. So, you know, I meet up with them. I'm like, Hey, like, I'm just a fan, but I wanted to come and let you guys know that you guys have like a ton of fans in America as well. And, and people like can't wait to watch you guys more at international events. Um, and then afterwards, the rest of the team comes down. And then <laughs> this is another throwback. So Slasher was at this event for those who, who know Slasher. I forgot yeah, he was the the there. <laughs> That's yeah. right. He was there. <laughs> he was the journalist at this event. <laughs> and he sees me talking to them in Korean. Um, and he looks at me and he goes, oh, like, are you bilingual? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I had only, you know, like translated into my family and whatnot before. But I was like, yeah, I guess so. I guess I am fluent in both. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, how'd you come here? And I tell him the whole story. And some of the MLG staff come down and they they hear the story. And everyone's like, oh, like, that's really cool. Um, and Sasha goes, hey, if you live nearby, you should try to come by tomorrow. I'll let the other guy, like the other MLG guys know that. There's this like crazy guy that tried to film this vlog. Um, he, he was just like, this is a cool story. Everyone should know this. And I'm like, okay, sure. You know, in my head, I'm like, okay, this is an opportunity. Uh, so I go back. I don't go home. I go up to my friend's dorm at school. Um, and then I edit my vlog, put it up. 
And then I come back down to the office um, and one of the directors comes down and he's like, hey, we heard this story. Uh, we'd actually love to show you around. So why don't you come upstairs and you can like just hang out for the day? And I'm like, oh, OK, is that cool? Like, I'm you know, I'm just an awkward fan. So I'm like, OK, well, that's that's nice. But I sit up there. So I'm like sitting next to, you know, some of the, like Ottawa and Reginald. And, you know, they're like all just like hanging out on their own. And I'm like this awkward guy. And, you know, they're like all Bay life and whatnot. And I'm just like, this is cool. Yep, this is very cool. Um but yeah, so I got to watch the whole event. And then afterwards, that's where I first met Monty as well. Cause the, you know, I got to go around and say hi to all the casters. Um, and I met Monty and uh, Optimus Tom. And then we got to talking and obviously, you know, Monty had heard kind of what the story was and that I was bilingual, that I was interested in Korean uh, League of Legends. And then we go from there. Yeah, and he started doing, um, you know, journalism for GG Chronicle, which is a site yeah. that I was running. And so he went to Raleigh, which I also casted and did a bunch of Korean interviews. We went to uh, season two worlds together and you did yep. a bunch of Korean interviews um, there. And then once w once I went to OGN, I, I pushed them really hard to bring you out so that we would have, you know, additional casters and, and English language content that was translated. And he killed killed it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I'll, always thankful for that. Yeah, but. But as Thorin said, I mean, even when I tell the story to people directly, I'm like, this like doesn't happen. Like I, I like hit a timing. I mean, there was luck and obviously effort, but everything came together. Yes. And this isn't something you can bank on, right? So like I always right. tell people. Well, like, I mean, that's just yeah. the way how esports used to work. I mean, the way yes. that I used to cast Warcraft three events, and this is also please don't do this anymore, guys. But you know, when I was uh, similarly when I was going to when I was going to college and I was in upstate New York, I would literally go to Warcraft 3 events in New York City, I would show up, and because I was a Warcraft 3 caster, and Radio ITG, which was DJ Wheat's uh, casting outfit, they would they would be contracted to do these tournaments, but they didn't have a Warcraft 3 caster. So I would literally just rock up to like the Javits Center in New York, which is the big convention center in New York, go in, talk to DJ Wheat, say, hey, I'm a Warcraft 3 caster. You don't have a Warcraft 3 caster. And I knew the players. So I was like crashing in their, ho like on the floor of their hotel rooms. And they'd be like, all right, get on the mic, kid. <laughs> just like casting these Warcraft 3 tournaments that I would just show up at. <laughs> also, the funny thing is, after the period where Chobra left OGN, What's ridiculous is he went and joined DSL, right? And at the time, as well as doing like StarCraft and his Storm or a daughter and stuff, at the time, I remember there was even like, I think he did like one of the events that had like Counter-Strike. And I even remember messaging you like, I can't believe you're actually in Counter-Strike, mate, because unfortunately you've picked the one person I can't work with right now. Because that was like, if you remember 2015, 2014 was when I was like blacklisted. I was like, yeah, Voldemort, yeah. he who shall not be named. And I didn't come back to like later in 2016. So what's ridiculous is we actually could have worked an event together if the time That's had been true. different. Yeah, yeah, we just, yeah, it just kind of yeah. overlapped right during that period, which is unfortunate, yeah. Because yeah. it's not like in League, Chobra, where I always thought it was a little bit awkward, you know, there I am, like, veteran interviewer in League of Legends, I've done all these talk shows with Monty, Monty's working all these events with people, English language, never any invite, of course, never any sort of like, oh, maybe we get you on the broadcast, <laughs> oh, you're here in Korea, you've moved to Korea, maybe we bring you up for a week, no, never, nothing at all, what basically <laughs> happened to what Chobra was, you know, I'd worked with him for all these years, helped build his image, build, build up this whole thing, and then eventually, it's just when I actually, like, fucking took a job at, like, a Counter-Strike tournament organizer, then Monty was suddenly there, like, oh, all right, we're working <laughs> together now, mate, after all these years, like, in my game, okay, I see how oh, I see. Oh, I see, what's yours is yours, and what's mine is yours too, right? Okay. Now wow, I, the now secret I get how this dynamic I never knew works. Existed. Okay, I didn't want to bring it up, you know. 
So I do keep some things inside, Monty. I don't just let them all out. That is a good point, actually. Because uh, I used to come there, dude, and anyone yeah, else yeah. who even just arrived in Korea who spoke English, Monty, would be like, just get them on the broadcast or something. Like, just get this player in here. Like, come on in here, guy. Like, and then I was just yeah. like... I was put me in the put me in the game coach. But if you know me, I'm not the sort of person who's going to ask for that sort of thing. You have to, you know, you have to know what I'm. I'm a bit bit like a woman in that sense. You have to know what I'm thinking and then ask me. And Missed I don't want to have to tell you because you should know already exactly, exactly, Monty. Now you know the odd couple dynamic we had. <laughs> the funny thing about me too is like if you had said something, I never am uh, just me as a person. Like I'm never like offended by that or like you know. What, uh, sure. I'm always like willing to play the play the you know. Uh, to like entertain those opinions so it's like i would probably would just said oh shit i never thought about that let's do it <laughs> i will say though in line with this story though there was a thing like that that one that he did once tell me which is apparently once when they were doing all those iems and that was the only tournament if you remember in the west that was allowed to have league of legends that wasn't riot's games right because they had that poor relationship with them in fact at the time they still had like the eulcs was in like the riot studio uh, in the esl offices in cologne etc they used their place so famously what they would do is riot was smart though they wouldn't just give you all their best teams and let you do a better open circuit they would always be like right you can have like four eu teams like two na teams and you have to have like you know a team from turkey and a team from brazil and like what they would do is they sort of make it so you could only have like sort of like 70 percent as good a tournament as them so at the time carmack's whole thing when they would run these ims and they had monty there was like right let's just make it so like we essentially use like a different attitude and entertainment value yeah. so that's what i was selling point and supposedly he did ask monty once i like, did what could what could we do to make our events totally unique to riot yeah and monty because this is how monty he's such an earnest character you have to understand guys actually just straight looked at carmack in his face i think even in poland and just said to him like just yep. hire thorin to work kadavice which carmack <laughs> must have been like really motherfucker I, pick so anyone I, else in the world you know what i, mean? I think like, but no, no no okay but i did say that and i did push for it so i was gonna actually tell that story one oh, when i did push for you because what what happened was carmack came up to me and he was like you know monty i really want you to be you know spicier and we were talking about summoning inside yeah. he's like i want to make a different product to what riot has like i want to be edgier i'm like okay fine and i said you know what you could do is just hire thorin because you want this thing that we do already on summoning insight so why not just hire him and it didn't have to be katavitsa obviously i did a couple of uh i am san jose's as oh, well right. yeah true um and i think it, maybe it was i don't remember if it was at poland or i was in san jose uh i probably i mean i obviously knew what had happened at, at katavitsa for counter-strike so but yeah i think there was a real opportunity there but carmack was like Nah, nah. This is goes to show that people's personal. This is how dumb this industry is. Is that people's personal grudges actually just get in the way of doing something cool? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was like, nah, we can't, we can't possibly do that. I'm like, why? It's literally the thing that you want. Like, just do it. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I did push for you. I did. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Speaking and of. So uh... There's an alternate universe where you were actually like on the desk in, uh, for League of Legends at IEM San Jose. <laughs> that, yeah, I would have enjoyed the uh, Mark Cuban roasts. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> the second yeah. one of those. Yes. I could have had him before Shaq. Exactly. I could have got him, then Shaq afterwards. <laughs> By the way, Chauber, do you actually ever watch League anymore? Do you ever dip into it? It was a game you were in for a long time, I wonder. I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't watched any league like live in like two, three years. Um, you know, I'll still like catch up with the results of like worlds and MSI or, you know, if it's like world's finals, I might catch like some highlights if, if people say it was a cool game. But, um, at a certain point I just got, 
I think I just got so burnt out on League, like as a game, more so than, you know, whether it's working it or watching it or whatever, like even just playing it. Um, and then, you know, just because I had my hands full with other games, I was like, well, it's not like I have to play it. You know, I don't have to keep up with it anymore. So it just kind of went to the wayside. Uh, and then ever since that happened, um, I, and I think a part of it is like, if you've played it for so long and, and during that whole period, like you feel like you've been on top of it, you were always able to play like all the new champions, check them all out, learn all the yeah. new metas. And then once you like go of that flow, right, for like, you know, a couple months or a year, and then you're like, well, now to get back into it and like to get to that enjoyment level that I used to have, like, that's just so much effort. Like, I know what it takes. Um, so, so nowadays, like, there's just no drive to like get back into it, you know, in terms of like an intimate way. Um, but you know, for instance, like if the opportunity arises to like, go check it out live, like at the, you know, at the stadium here in Korea or, you know, at, at certain events or, um, anything like that, obviously like I would enjoy that. Um, obviously there's a, still a special place in my heart for the game, uh, and the community, but I just haven't been able to keep up with it. By the way, I, think, I looked it up I think... and the actual episode that you were on was number 33 and that was in January of 2015. So not bad eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> After wow. Riot killed, killed Masters, the tragic, yes. the tragic yeah. murdering yeah, the of next Masters. Year. By the way, that reminds me as well, because when I see this image here, if people remember the first year I properly lived there, I didn't just go to stay for a holiday. I was in that apartment, if you remember, I did all those videos where it was almost like ASMR. I was like, Fanatic's victory over Envious. And people were like, why is he doing that? Like, why is his voice like really low? And I'll tell you a story that if you understand this story, you will understand how bizarre Korean culture is, which is in this apartment, even though I was just in one of those like office towels where it's like, it can be like either like you, know, you can either stay in it as an apartment and have beds or you can make it into actually an office. In fact, the guy who rented me my apartment, like in the same building, he would be on a different floor. And that was his office, you know, it was like an almost identical size room. When I was in one of these, even though we would record at like 2 p.m. So in the afternoon, the, there were these foreign exchange students or something like that in the next room over. And if I talked at all, like even at this normal volume, they would like bang on the wall like this, like, and just keep doing that, right? And I kept, at the time though, I didn't know who it is. I thought like, is this like some old lady? Like maybe she gets up really early in the morning. So I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. And I remember what happened is, right? One time they came around and they knock on the door and I opened the door and it's this like Russian girl. And she's like, you, you talk, no talk. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she goes, I can hear you talk. And I was, I'm like, it's like, it's like 4 PM though. What's the problem? <laughs> and she goes like, I, don't want to hear you talk. And I was like, it's 4 p.m., love. I was like, if it was like 11 at night, okay, fair enough, I'd stop on says, you know, sorry. But I was like, it's 4 p.m. Like, first of all, I'm just talking. And then secondly, my job is I have to record these videos. So I came in, and because I believe that's just being from the North of England, that's what you do if someone came and they fucking mugged you off. You'd sort of just tell them, like, shove it up your ass, I'm going back, and fucking come see me if you want more, right? I thought the story ended there. But this part will explain to you how really interesting Korean culture is. Because at the time, I was dating a girl who was a Korean girl, right? And what she told me was this. She told me, like, what will you do about it? And I was like, well, nothing. I've told him to fuck off. I'll just keep talking. And she's like, no, you have to complain. And I was like, to who? And she goes, what you do is go to the person who is your building manager. I'm like, okay. I go to the guy who's rented the apartment, right? And that she says, and you complain to him that they are complaining to you. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I sort of got it. So I go to him, right? And I say what she told me. I'd say like, basically, like, these girls are like hassling me. Like, I need for my work to do this, man. Like, I can't afford to rent the place if I don't do this. And I just say this. Right, and I'm thinking this is going nowhere. Surely he's just going to do like you know, like oh, sort it out, and then like just let me go or whatever. And then basically he goes like, oh, I'll contact the 
the person who's renting the apartment to them. I'm thinking, what? And no joke, because this is a career, right? Because what I was doing was totally legit. My building manager now contacts the person renting their apartment to them, Monty, and says to them, don't you ever go to that person's apartment again. You're like, basically, like, you're fucking up the business and you're going to ruin this all. And this is when I learned careers on another level, guys, of expectation of what society should be like. Because a similar story from the same girl, Chopra, this, I, I can't even believe this is real, was one time outside her building, right, at 10.30 at night. I think 10 was supposed to be the cutoff. They were doing some construction work. Like, you know, someone had a jackhammer. Sure. And I'm not joking. She called up. I don't even know who. Some from like the fucking city council or something. She called someone up and complained like they are drilling at 10.30 instead of stopping at 10. And they actually, like two days later, got the fucking drilling to stop at 10. Like, and I was like, what is this? Is actually how a society should run? They're like, where's the corruption? What's going on? Like, that, I can't even believe that's possible, mate. I'm just used to living in a failed state, you know, like I can't do anything about it, whatever. What a world. <laughs> that's just, the, if people don't know the expectation in careers, people should do their job and sort of be legit, right? That it's it's funny because that's one part of it, but the other part that cracks me up is that Koreans will also never like confront the problem themselves. Oh, they will right. always you go around it. Right. Okay. Right? Like it will always go around the other way to get solved. Uh, but yeah, that is that is quite true still to this day. Um, it actually, it's funny you mentioned that because just right now in the apartment I'm in with my parents right now, there is a sign on my elevator. Uh, with photos of like a car that got kind of scratched up and it's from the overall apartment complex like management and it says uh, the person who owns this car is awaiting to report the crash uh, so it, to give you time to confess that you scratched up <laughs> oh, their yeah, car. Okay. <laughs> okay. And they're like, so they are purposely waiting, so please yeah. come forward if you scratch this car. And I'm like, what? The guilt, I love it, the passive-aggressive guilt angle, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's like there's still oh, time to confess, you know, we don't have to do this the hard way, you can just oh, come forward man. and confess your sins, who did this? <laughs> I, I know you live in this building, I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm also, you would think they would have right, security cameras or something that would uh, have caught the the incident. Yeah, yeah. That well, that's what I would figure. I mean, all the cars have their own like cameras and stuff too. I'm sure they know who it is. Yeah, but for every, whatever by the reason. way, yeah, everyone's car has uh, has cameras in it in Korea. It's like mm -hmm. now they. Well, that was actually one of the biggest changes over the last few years that I found was that suddenly all of them had traffic cameras in them. Um, yeah, where that that was that's relatively. But now, if you just buy a car, it's like. They just put a oh, they just man. put a recording device. Yeah, when I knew, in. like obviously it goes without saying, this is the era when like Samsung, etc., was still popping off and was huge and all the brands and innovations. When I also knew Korea was like on another level in terms of tech, was dude, when I was going there in like 2013 or 2014, I remember walking past a shop and in the shop, like now that you can have this, it wouldn't be that strange in the West, but at the time, it's in 2013, 2014, they had a service already where you could essentially like install like a camera thing at home. And then if while you're at work, your dog is lonely you can turn on the camera and talk to him and i think you could even press a button and like release a snack or something mental yeah, yeah. So you could just be at work and stop like oh I'm, I'm, and i think and he'd come over like oh do you think it's, how are you doing are you all right like, like release the snack <laughs> and i was like what is this some george jetson shit what the fuck is this is outrageous this country because <laughs> what was so weird about Korea is you have this super high tech on one level, but then you also can just take like a detour off the main road and you will actually see someone who looks like you've gone back in time 200 years, just cutting like a fish up on the side of like a fucking table. <laughs> and then great about it, into... man. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's like it's the, the contrast is so wild. Yeah. It's so wild. <clears throat> uh, 
do you want to do you want to talk about masters a little bit because yeah, i feel like we should probably we should probably go back to that because like i i really miss the concept of of masters and what we used to yeah. cast together because like for those of you who don't know this was killed because riot decided uh that they couldn't actually allow teams to have more than one roster and this harkens back to the way that OGN used to operate um, their StarCraft tournaments, which is that they had Star League, which was the individual competition, and then they had Pro League, which was the team competition. Now, obviously, in a team-based game, it you can't have the individual league versus the team league. Um, so they instead created, you know, had allowed the big organizations or any organization to have two teams so that basically they could create a best of three between the two teams. So, um, so this was the, at the time when Samsung was super dominant, like white and blue were the best teams in the world in 2014. Mm -hmm. So the idea was that you have these kind of like, it was the exact same system as Brood War, you, where they had three seasons of Star League, which were these kind of like, you know, big you know, spikes in the year. And then they had one kind of like very long tournament that lasted, you know, a significantly longer time, but built into an even more epic final with pro league. So masters was the tournament where both rosters would have to compete. So you'd, you'd field like, you know, Samsung white and then Samsung blue, and then you could field any mixture of players of your two teams for the third and final game and the best of three, if it went that far. So it was really like a fun and different competition. Um, and I wish it, I honestly wish it would have continued because it was great. Yeah. I, I mean the, it was fun. And also I just feel like even from the team's perspective, it's like, okay, well for one, it's not, obviously it's not the main tournament. So, you know, you can have a little bit more fun with, but at the same time you can, that's like your chance to experiment with different combinations or players can, you know, try to bond more with the, you know, players on the other roster. And maybe, you know, maybe that leads to something else. I mean, it was, it was just this concept that it just added freshness, right. To the overall scene and on all aspects. And we had fun with it. I mean, I feel like all the players and teams at that time had a lot of fun with it too. Also because like, since you could do the match where it was like, sort of like the, I can't remember what they call it, like the ace match or whatever, where you could mix mm -hmm. the rosters. You didn't just have to pick one. You actually could do the things we all used to fantasize about. Like what if Flame played on Frost or whatever, you know, you could yeah, do yeah, those, exactly. you could actually have those matches. <laughs> it was actually pretty baller. It was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and like, you know, especially it was funny too, because when good teams would pay the, play the worst teams, they would mix up their rosters and then off roll yes. in the third game. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. There was like trolling and stuff that would happen. It was, it it was honestly just like really fun narratives and it was so cool to contrast the the masters matches uh with the the kind of champions matches that were going on simultaneously and the korean audience loved it and this is why what happened after 2014 was such a shame was because you know one of the reasons why one of the many reasons why i i haven't liked a lot of the ways that riot has operated the esports scene especially by making everything the same around the world, more or less, was that OGN was doing this because they had 15 years of experience running Brood War and they had designed this formula that, that the Korean audience was very accustomed to, that was successful, and also that provided kind of maximum value to sponsors. Because you have to remember that the one of the reasons why this structure existed was because you needed to make sure that the big teams, the Kespa teams, had enough coverage of sponsorships throughout the year. So by designing one basically, you know, eight-month 
tournament or eight, eight month league, it provided visibility for like, let's say Samsung or SK Telecom, right? Because if you were in the individual leagues, you wouldn't necessarily get a lot of value um, because perhaps in StarCraft, all your players would be knocked out in the early rounds of the tournament. And by the time the biggest matches came around, you just weren't getting the same level of marketing value. So they were able to, by making this system, they were able to maintain the excitement of tournaments and then basically hedge with the sponsorship friendliness of this league. And so it provided total coverage across the entire calendar year for a sponsor while still being a unique format. And then they were able to preserve these like really high highs of having tournaments that were happening basically at the same time. Um, and that way you could run multiple tournaments a year and it wouldn't matter so much to the sponsors if their players didn't make it as far because they were guaranteed matches within Pro League or in this case within Masters. And then Riot said, no, you can't do this. They said no more sister teams, which destroys the entire format and idea yeah. of this. And then they also said, oh, no, we have to go to the league with, you know, round robin play, which was not something that the Korean like fans were really even accustomed to. No, like no. this was a, this was a this was really like an American sports league yes. model that was then foisted upon the Korean audience. And they were not happy with it, by the way. They liked the scene this way. Like there was a big controversy at the time. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, obviously, you know, times will change and, you know, people will get used to whatever they're they're fed. But. Um, and I and I think I, a lot of people would agree. Obviously, there, there's pros and cons to both, but there is that drama that. And if you're used to that, obviously, the entertainment value that comes from that kind of system. But then, like Monty explained, you have the pro league. It's I actually never thought about this. It's funny you mentioned that because um, I think it just goes to show the that it works because Cartwrighter, um, Cartwrighter League has been around for so long. Oh, Technically, yeah. yeah, the longest running because it you know Star League gets stopped in the middle, but. Um, Cartwrighter also does the same thing, right? Where you have your solo matches, but they used to only do solo matches in the first like three, four years. And then they realized, okay, how do we make this grow? How do we make sure teams can like support rosters, et cetera? So then they added team leagues, but it's like in Cartwrighter, it's like technically the same tournament, right? But they just have the solo division and team divisions so that even if your players like don't do on the solo division, you have your team division, but that at the end of the team division, the tiebreaker is always an ace match, right? And you pick on that day, depending on which track was chosen of like, all right, today we're going to let so-and-so race in the final, you know, in the final tiebreaker or things like that. And it just adds so much drama. And that's, I think, one of the other reasons why people still watch that game game you know, no matter how old it is obviously there's a new one out now uh, but because that format just adds to that entertainment value and kind of that exposure as well by the way another thing i would say is because me and monty were discussing this recently where what they do in lcs now is even though like we're so many years into the game to save money some of the splits same as lec just take place in the studio for the finals like of the split and then even though monty's angle was like yeah but you know they don't want to rent a stadium i was even saying like bro like you come from korean esports again korea all you do is you go you find an industrial park where no one's using it on a saturday <laughs> you just clear out the whole room yeah. it's all just big pillars inside or you get like a high school gymnasium in the office or a literal like, airplane yeah, hangar you put in ten thousand <laughs> plastic folding chairs literally some <laughs> unfolds those all at the beginning for three hours you all sit there you have the fan club look it looks sick from inside when it's little but if you you should see guys at the end when everyone leaves you're just inside like an empty village what the hell this seems so like classy and baller a minute ago now it is just again a, a gymnasium with a bunch of folding chairs like it's amazing how much of esports is like the magic of the broadcast show but it's a bit like people will know that 
of the StarCraft fans. If you ever went yeah. and you saw like Gorm or fucking where Tasis and that, it's just the camera angle is the genius. The camera angle makes the studio look huge. But when, what yeah, you see oh, is no, that is all the fans. Like that angle just covers all, it makes it look like it's like it's cross section of you. But it was just there were 300 people. It's just like the magic of the camera, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even the even the old OGN stadium in Yongsan, when I first got there, I was like, oh, this is like way smaller yes. and like older and poorer looking than I, you know, than I thought on camera. And then you're right, like the, the GOM TV studios, obviously now the freaking TV studios for StarCraft is, is just the same. Um, and it's just like you can do more, right? Like you can always do more yes. with the camera. And this is something that um, I had to fight for for so much at ESL for a while when we, you know, had kind of that influx of TV people that came in. And, but what ESL had was we got a couple people from reality TV. And if anything, reality TV does things even more haphazardly, right, right than like old esports. So they were also flabbergasted and like, oh, well we can't like do a show like that because it would cost too much. And everyone's like, no, you literally just need like two cameras and one light and we'll like make it happen. Everyone's like, well, no, we, we couldn't do that. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? It like literally happens on TV. Like, sure. we, have, we have proof that you can make it work. Um, so it's just a shame. And um, it's it's funny you mentioned that 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 happens in like LCS and stuff right now, because I, I was actually I had no idea. I was surprised to find out that the VCT Americas and EMEA finals were held just in this like the same yeah, studio. Same yep. And then for us at Pacific, we like moved to, you know, an actual arena. And right. just just to have that opportunity for the local fans and the local casters, because not everyone gets to go to all the international events. Not every team gets to go to the, all the international oh. events. Um it's just like a different experience, right? And it's like, yeah, I mean, yes, sure, I get it. It, it costs more and there are logistics, obviously. Like, I've, I've been on the back end as well. But it's like, but it, at the same time, the value it brings, I feel like the intangible value it brings is so much more. Okay, right. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you go up, Monty. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's easier to do in Korea, though, because there's a fan culture yes. of showing up to these yes. events. And, like, there's true. a lot more people who want to go. Um, so... I, I mean, I, and also the venues are a lot cheaper in Korea. I did yeah, do a video a like four or five years ago now. People go, look, where I told Western teams like TSM, make your own fan club and do it like Korean esports where they you, you book like tickets for them. They come to the venue, they sit together, they have group chat. Literally, people start to do it in CSGO. If you don't know in CSGO, because Brazilian fan this pump viewership massively. Teams like Heroic and Astralis have like a Brazilian fan club and they communicate with them before they go to like an event in Brazil or if mm. they're coming to like the major or something. And they sort of tell these people, because Korea's figured this out years ago. Like some of that is not organic, guys. That fan club, I, 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 they have a sort of an agreement, the head of the fan club with OGN or whatever. It's like you come at this time, we'll let you in early and stuff. Here's your section of seats. You know, it's actually very sure. cleverly done. It's a good, it's a good way to set it up before you get to the point where you're like, you know, European soccer and you can have a hundred thousand people in a stadium. <laughs> yeah, but but that is also true. Like that's the other thing that that what Monty brought up is um all that and then plus just like traffic logistics and just everyone being so condensed especially in Seoul um, which is why even in Korea like unless it's League of Legends if a finals is held like right outside of Seoul it's always kind of iffy right because it's like well that's just not where everyone is and you can't like stay there until late because the subways will end earlier etc cetera, etc cetera. so there Korea is blessed with the infrastructure as well that that is true yeah true I mean I mean Seoul, Seoul itself is bigger than some European countries <laughs> <laughs> in terms of population <laughs> it's got like 20 yeah. million people in the in the surrounding like yeah, solar a little too much yeah right well here's the thing Chobit. it was good to see you see you in another eight years we've got to go to the next guest now you can go back to your room and see you mate all right <laughs> sounds good <laughs> nice to see you with you man <laughs> all right 
Right, our next guest appeared on episode 22 of Summoning Insight in September of 2014, before I was fired from On Game. And I'll just throw that detail in there so people know <laughs> I was always spicy. You need to know that. So it's the person who either, there's two ways this goes, either he was one of the great cerebral thinkers of European League of Legends, a captain from the support position. He helped define some of the sort of side lane concepts and how wave management worked. Or he's just one of the original people that Thorin built this whole narrative out of. They got really out of control and maybe he was overrated. You decide which of the two it is. I'll just, I'll meet in the middle maybe. How are you doing, N-rated? I'm doing fine. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Still it's an active coach in the scene. Yes. Tell, tell us correct. about yourself these days. Um, I'm a coach for Eintracht Spandau. Um, it's an organization that is really based on Germany, making content and events for fans in Germany, which I think is quite refreshing comparing it to other organizations. Um, we've just recently had like a summer fest, um, which was just a little festival with a concert, with some games, um, over a thousand people. Um, it was pretty much sold out and really crowded, um, was really fine and really good. And these kind of events just happen on a regular basis with us here locally in Germany, in Berlin, in Spandau. It's our hood, um, we own it. And therefore um, we try to make the most of it. We even in contact with local politicians and so on. It's, it's a really fine thing to do. Um, besides that, um, I'm obviously still coaching. Um, I went back at it, uh, was starting again with Roke, where Freddie is head coach, um, took over Eddie's job at the time. Um, yeah, I've just been caught on the scene. I like the competitiveness and I'm still as deep as it gets into League of Legends. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I'm curious to get your take on before we dive into some of the past, because there's been a lot of, obviously, with the, the challenger scene and you're working, uh, you know, for a tier two team. And what we've seen is, as, as you're saying right now, really strong, like grassroots stuff in Europe, whether it's like Carmine Corp or, you know, the Spanish teams, you know, with these big influencers or, you know, what you're doing, which is like trying to build up a very strong grassroots scene within within Germany and, and have these events that people can get involved in, which then pushes viewership into tier two and like an affiliation for tier two. So what is what is your take on what's going on with the the North American scene because they have completely failed in in doing that whatsoever which is weird because in America you know for example college football has such insanely strong grassroots um you know support so even at the tier 2 of what we would consider the American tier 2 of sports you actually have that affinity um and can fill bigger stadiums than exist even in the NFL in some of these spots and we just don't have that at all when it comes to esports in the states. What do you think the big differences are, have been? I mean, in general, um, having the ERL scene in Europe is a really big plus. I think that's one of the few things Riot has done significantly better than any other, um, let's say, uh, producer or um, game developer, publisher. publisher. Yeah. Um, I think that is a really great thing to do. And I think NA was just not catching up on it really quick. Like the people deciding in LEC were doing a really smart job in, you know, and, and creating these uh, ERL scenes, the leagues itself, the national leagues. And then through that, obviously a different viewership develops. Um, for me, it's a thing that um, 
I see that in an A, there's a lack of talent development ever since. I think that was never a really big focus of them. And that was something they were missing out. That's also because a lot of imports were coming in and the rosters were constantly shuffled in a way that people that did really good came to NA and got a spot in their in their rosters. But it wasn't good for like up and coming talents to actually get a spot, to get a chance. Um, could have been used differently. And I think that's a really sad thing to say because there were very many chances they missed out on. Um, and I think right now what the... Um, player association does is the right thing to do i'm not sure about the demands but i'm not going to get too much into that um it's just about setting a setting an example i guess um where players actually can demand something and can get their ideas through because i don't think a lot of players are too happy with the construct they build up like in american sports league the franchising the never being able to demote um it's not a good thing to have that as a competition and it will not develop the competition further or make things go better for the players themselves therefore europe has a bit of a different style on it similar system franchising lec but the erl system itself with the sister teams that are still in place sorta they're not needed to be in place like not every single team has an erl team at this point but they're still having these because it is basically the groundwork, the grassroots work, where you get the fans from the bottom, you get them involved, you get them involved with the ERL system as well. And it's a connection that has been made and that is working for us. And NA is just a bit too disconnected there. I'm not sure if the players that are like the, the people that are actually looking at the LCS would look at the challenges uh, leagues, right? It it doesn't really matter for them. It doesn't have that much impact. They feel like the the, play, the games that are happening there are not the same level. And then you have a really big tournament like the European Masters, EMA, EMEA, that is happening in Europe, where you actually have comparable content, where the, uh, let's say the level of the players that happen in the last, let's say, quarterfinals, semis, and finals is on par with LEC play, is really strong. And then you have an actual competition happening, which is exciting. And obviously fans want to see exciting stuff. And then I think this is just a major difference where they have a disconnect between what they want to achieve and what they should achieve. If we want to talk a bit about some of the old days, obviously you were on a bunch of the old school, yeah, Fnatic, SK, way back in the day, all, against All Authority. One player I want to ask you about, because there was recently a story, right, where later on, when it was season eight, and in Fnatic, they had that thing where Soaz broke his hand and Whippo replaced him, and that basically led to Soaz leaving Fnatic, and actually his career sort of went off the boil then. This story came out, right, that like it, part of the reason he broke his hand wasn't just like for no reason. Apparently in scrims, when they would just like put like camp Soaz and he was getting killed a bunch of times. He just got really mad and like punched the desk or whatever. And like, did this. But people heard this story and they were like shocked. Oh my God, I never imagined Soaz would be like. And I was just thinking, mate, he's a friend of mine, but you have to know one, he is just French. And two, he's a mega whiner. Like, the thing about Soaz is that doesn't even actually mean it's that bad a day. He's just a guy where like his way of expressing himself just is that sort of like, oh, putain, oh, what the. F-? It's just, he just, he's, he's one of the greatest whiners of all time. What would you say? You were a teammate of his for many years. I mean, just the gestures you just made, I kind of can relate. Um, it happens once in a while. And obviously, there is you're trying your hardest and then you get camped every single game. You're not able to play the game. Obviously, there comes in frustration and everyone <laughs> is dealing with that differently. Uh, up to this point, I still uh, play, uh, act or uh, coach players. I work with players. And there are a lot of players that have a certain emotionality when it comes to this because either you're invested and you're emotional or you don't care and if you don't care obviously that's not good yes. so going against that is a hard thing uh, 
unfortunately, at this point, we have sport psychologists trying to get a handle on that or having different triggers and ways to act on it. But yeah, I can definitely relate. I think it wasn't too surprising, but honestly, hitting the desk this hard to actually break your hand is another story. I think that's taking it maybe a little too far. Sure. But um, I don't think that Zoas did that too much or on a regular basis, but yeah, episodically for sure there was some whining, some annoyance going on, but I don't think that was a bad thing to say. Like It actually just showed that he cares and that something had to be done about his current situation on Topland, right? Sure. If people don't know as well, by the way, those stories aren't just like, like the joke about some of those old teams, especially the Fnatic team with Xpeke and so on, they were the fucking rock and roll players. Like, they not only were the best in the game, but they also didn't have to put in all the fucking practice and be the best on day one of the season. You know, they were the guys that will get it together for the playoffs and we will still beat you. Like, one of the things people don't know is they think it's almost like hyped as it was a documentary. The stories about how many times Soaz would do stuff, like not even practice like a meta champion. Then just when it was OP, just like bring it out, like first time it, win the game, and then just be like, like the other team could never even know what he's going to do in draft, right? <laughs> I mean, we didn't know what we didn't draft most of the time. There we went go. in with a solid idea and then the solid idea went off board real quick and then you just have to adapt. What do you want to do? I mean, at some point there was like, yeah, if I pick Kha'Zix here, it's probably bad. Pick me Kha'Zix. And then you just won me nines. It doesn't matter. Or like the lease in some tournaments. Like it just randomly happened that in a tournament itself, we developed meta further because we were like, we need a tool to make something happen. How can we make it happen? And obviously you go down a list and some things just seem better, some things just seem bad. And then, I don't know, if Soas has like five or ten games on decent jungle, then just put it on top lane. Who cares? By the way, Monty, here's how I want to bring you into this story. Because there's one detail, and this is where the esports historian will never fail, Monty, and that journalistic instinct will kick <laughs> in. Because when I looked up the episode we were just talking about, episode wherever it was, like 22, that N-rated appeared on, and the date was September 2014. And then I look, and we're just about to, we're discussing with N-rated, like what Worlds is going to be like and what the hype is. But here's the detail that Monty didn't disclose at the time. Monty was secretly helping coach or work with <laughs> SK in Korea. Because they were in the same group as TSM, maybe. Who knows why? But you know, and uh, you've told the story before that like you secretly wanted, like if they beat TSM, you were gonna come out and reveal it or so. Because if that was the year of people don't know where the whole CLG thing went down, where Reggie was like, he just not even coach, no one can deny behind the scenes. And Local was like like fucking grimmer worms and like, yes, Reggie, yes, we will finally we will get Monty. <laughs> Yes, we will lie about him on the internet, not being a coach. And so I, this was going to be your revenge, Monty. Was this your great revenge to coach SK? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was basically just kind of asked to to be another like set of eyes in the room and offer my opinion. You know, I wasn't I, I was very I was very cautious around the coaching hierarchy that they had already established because they had a sports psychologist who was working with you oh, guys right, at the yeah. time. Um, and so he was like, hey, like, do you want to you know help out a little bit? So I was. You know, I I w didn't want to step on anybody's toes, but I was in a, you know I was in their you know practice room watching a lot of the scrims um, and like uh, you know offering my takes on things when asked and and stuff like that. So I was I would say I was more of an advisory role. Is that fair right. to say? And rated like you know just yeah. kind of I, I was chilling with you guys and and kind of giving some perspective. Um, but yeah, it was it was really interesting and. Uh, you know, one of the things I as a, a caster am kind of famous for is that I visit probably more team houses and see more live scrims than any other caster in ever in any game, probably. 
Um, because whenever there was a Worlds, I would make a very big effort of visiting all of the team houses that would have me. And especially because a lot of the teams would boot camp in Korea, even if Worlds was not in Korea, I would be there in their like, you know, practice facilities that they had rented in Korea, watching the games and like understanding their comm structure and kind of getting a sense of, um, you know, who was good. I then did this in Overwatch as well, where I visited all the team facilities that would have me kind of, you know, going to a different one every week, uh, just to kind of get a sense of the teams from the inside. It's very helpful. Not obviously a lot of teams said no, but the teams, you know, some of them, well, mo you know, I would say the majority of them said yes. Um, so yeah, I was there. And then obviously what was very disappointing about that is the, um, the things that Svenskaren said, <laughs> <laughs> Still having PTSD on that one. Especially because here's no. all I'll say about that. Even though, look, I understand why in the normal circumstances, in the modern day, obviously you'd get cancelled or whatever. I will just say the one area that's aged very poorly about that, if you're in esports, is that's happened a bunch of times in games like Dota, but if it was the Chinese person doing it, Magically, they didn't get the same kind of punishment. They just got the little slap on the wrist or don't do it again. It's like, where's this? If people don't know, his punishment was he had to miss the first three games out of the six BO1. So, like, yeah, that essentially already really made brutal. it, like, nearly impossible to qualify at that point. Like, that was a massive penalty for the team. I mean, we at first even thought it was a joke. Like, not going to lie, we right. were completely not sensibilized in that topic. Had no idea we were doing something wrong. I mean, Lucas approached us because he was approached by Riot and told us. We were at first like, yeah, that's a good one. Like, just continue. We, we, had, we had a laugh at it, but it got really serious really quick. So at that point, we also had to like, get, like, Julius in. Um, who was a rookie at the time, didn't play a proper tournament before. Um, I had him in the Dr. Pepper Cup as a as a jungler. I coached a little bit, but it was literally I forgot like that Gilius was events. a sub. That's okay. so yes. crazy, because that was before he was Gilius of today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, that's also on point, because if people know the old slogan for Dr. Pepper, like, as you're uncertain, like, this rookie guy ends up being Gilius, you'd think, what's the worst that could happen? But... Could be Gilius, couldn't it? If anyone knows the old <laughs> slogan. Yeah, keep going anyway. That was just a joke. I'm not, listen, I mean, I'm, you going. have to find someone that on a really short notice, yes. just before the events, is willing to put his career on the line, go all over it, like drop everything that he has right in that moment, next day, go into a plane, go all the way to Korea, yes. fight the jet lag, have like three, four days of proper scrimming versus Korean teams getting your ass whooped in a way that you never even experienced before, and then go on the stage with that background, no confidence whatsoever, and try to perform. I think he did an awesome job Props. for the time being, yeah. but it was still no comparison to Sven Skerin, no, obviously. No. By the way, that's also, that is Gilius. Gilius is the guy you could do. One time I yes. called him up, I called him up, he goes, hello, and I go, is this Gilius? He goes, yes. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, yeah, I can play. I go, no, do you have kick his number? Oh, so you don't, never mind. Anyway, you know, just apparently that wasn't the first <laughs> one to do that. That is a mean meme, by the yeah, way. I know, it's a really horrible joke. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, though, on those lines, though, people might not know this because they might just remember when he was in TSM or more recently he was in Evil Genius a few years ago. Prime Sven Skaren back in the day, though, mate. That was a fucking strong jungler, right? This was a beast. I think with Freddy and Sven, we had one of the strongest, if not the strongest top side from all teams in the tournament. Like, we actually played scrims versus Samsung White, Samsung Blue, where we got our ass whooped as well, especially on bot lane. But our top side actually held our, 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 our like, our, up our bargain. Like, actually, okay. the games got a bit closer because our top side was rampaging. Um, just to throw in some facts, it's like, Freddy had the highest... Um, 
forward proximity of every any top laner ever playing. Like he was actually like 70% of the time or 80% of the time above the mid lane, above the line in the middle of the map into enemy territory. He just kept pushing and didn't care. He died, he came back and kept pushing. There was no mercy. And that was our playstyle back then. So just to put it in a bit of a uh, of an idea like we were all really hard pushing when Scarron was like the counter jungler he just went one-on-one -on -one, head to head every single time tried to guess where enemies are and just played into the enemy jungle and at that point the lanes really cried for help but there was no help so that was kind of our playstyle. Dwayne said that like a sick Dwayne's movie line, amazing. didn't he? I know. He goes, they try and it's also the German accent, I can't lie, you know, because of movie history. It's like they would cry for help, there was no help coming. Just, just, just <laughs> nothing for you now. No, no, no. Oh, I love it. I fucking love it, mate. That's it. so good. And also, um, I love that that logic there, because you know, in a normal game, you're like, right, keep track of the jungler. You don't have to. Sven Skaren's fighting him in his jungle. You can just lay in. Just lay in, boys. Just yeah, lay in. And, you know, <laughs> what was so disappointing about that was that you guys, um, you guys ended up losing all the games without Sven Skaren, but you won two of the games that you played with Sven Skaren. And if you guys want, uh, you know, this, this was glorious, by the way, because they did beat TSM in the group stage. And you could see a world where if they had had Sven Skaren this entire time, that they might have gotten through instead of TSM. Um, but I, I distinctly remember that game because Candy Panda was playing Vayne. Um, Vayne Morgana. We you were playing Morgana and uh, it was so SK versus TSM. It was like a 45 plus minute banger where TSM was like killing your Nexus turrets and you won a fight at your Nexus turrets and then killed their base right afterwards. But it was like it was such a close game. It was like crazy close. It was one of actually probably the best games of that entire world in terms of excitement. And you guys came back and. Um, you know, you ended the group stage kind of on a high note, but it was one of those what if things. But I will give you credit. If you hadn't won that game, then potentially TSM would have gotten out in first seed of that group, which you means know. that they wouldn't have played Samsung White, which means... We wanted to end them. We wanted to send them versus Samsung White. Like, it was yes. already clear before <laughs> we went into the game that we played no matter what until the last teeth is falling like everything dropping we don't we didn't care about winning it was just about making them lose and that was just our our main motivation at that point because we were already halfway out like we Amazing. had our our bags already packed and we we're on the way to the airport you know and so on the way out just give them a little punch and have have a laugh at them that was all that was left like don't take that too negative as well um we were having a little fun with them we were literally like boot camping together also pre the event in the riot offices in yes in, in Seoul, and so we had a good laugh. We were going out for food. Like there was friendly banter going on. It was really nothing negative. So, yeah, us having that idea in mind, going on stage, having a big smile on our faces, was probably not the nicest thing for TSM either, because they knew we knew. <laughs> I love that. I love that you basically set up that match with Samsung White for them, though, as a result of winning that game, because it was a very memorable game for me. Because, like, obviously, I was psyched that TSM was losing. <laughs> By the way, one thing I want to ask you about is uh, when you think of players. Sometimes this happens in football, and you think, right, you know, like that. Like, for example, if someone had told me that like Expecte became a coach, that wouldn't surprise me at all. He's like one of the most genial people you ever meet. He draws people in. He's a people person. But if someone told me Freddie won. 2-2 was going to become a coach. Like, I even interviewed this guy, and he's one of those guys where it's like, he didn't talk to me until like, I was like, right, live. And then he was like, hello? And then like at the end, you know, it was like, goodbye. There's like, he's just <laughs> one of the most introverted people you ever meet. Not only was he, is he a coach at rated, but he's been mega successful. Like, he's had like about five, six seasons where his team's won 13, 14 games in the split. Like, he's actually become, what, would this surprise you that he became a coach, a head coach? 
Um, a little on the social side, I'm definitely with you. Not at all when it comes to Leak. Like, he's a very knowledgeable guy. He has great understanding of his position, his role in the whole whole idea around it and how you develop it. And I think bringing that understanding of what we did as a team into another team environment and developing it further, I, I see him there, definitely. Um, on the other side, um, obviously he's not as outspoken, but what I experienced with him is, um, I mean, he developed, right? He's still the same person as before, but when it comes to these other aspects, like taking care of someone, noticing certain stuff, um, even going into a social aspect, like clarifying problems, going at it, um, he has a well-versed coaching stuff around him as well, where he has the strings in his hand and he pulls them at the right time and sets up everything in that rogue cosmos or koi cosmos at this point and i think he does a great job at that i wouldn't have guessed so initially for sure but i can see him there at least now and after the first steps i already saw a lot of potential coming from him there's a name i feel like we have to invoke and spoiler i did look there was Obviously. a world where this character would actually yeah you're, you're all thinking it's impossible it would have happened he would have appeared on this episode but he actually couldn't he had like some problem where he's on like wireless internet at the moment and he just couldn't appear basically you had the infamous Forgiven, and you had him in his MVP split, the one where, you know, like the first eight games, he never died, and he was just a Graves God, and if he got Caitlin, all, all, everyone remembers what the split was like. But here's the key details, Guy. Even though the team did finish in the regular split in first place, and he was the MVP, so you're all thinking this must have been a great time. The infamous, like, collapse happened in the playoffs in game five, and then he wasn't even in the team after that. And then, like, as always, somehow, Forgiven gets kicked or has to leave every team. So this, in some ways, this is a microcosm of his whole career. What was it like to play with Forgiven? What were the challenges? What was good about it? Give us some thoughts. Um, he was one of the few AD carries I literally have to fight with in order to get into a common ground and basis to work on. I think initially we gave each other very much open feedback, which in this case means we properly flamed each other to the point where we did the right things at the right time. Um, that was as much on him as it was on me. Like mechanically at the time, I wasn't really caring too much because I knew I had enough stuff that I would do that would make me win the game re regardless of how I perform in lane. Um, his primary focus was I want to make sure we get ahead in lane and then afterwards I kind of carry no matter what somehow. Um, we had to align that because it was very contrast at that point. So at a certain stage, we sat down and we got to a really, really good personal level where we were able to deal with each other in like character-wise and emotional-wise on a very different scale than we could have before. And at that point, he was one of the yeah, most favorite guys I was working with. It was hard work to get there, but initially I would have said it was almost un like unbearable at a point because I needed feedback and I got it, but in a way that no one else would have been able to act on it. But I think afterwards, we actually developed into a good friendship where up to this point, we sometimes write or I, I'm actually genuinely interested in his well-being. Um, I think he as a person is very polarizing. Either you like him or you don't. And a lot of that stuff also comes into the team, no matter what. Like He doesn't only bring the good stuff, he also brings the bad stuff with him. But as I said about uh, Soas, like the way he actually acts on things he sees and how he points them out is just his way of showing I care and I want things to change and I want to win no matter what. And for that, he would walk over corpses. He would literally tell someone that it's about to cry that he's doing shit and he should stop. And if the guy stops, then that's on him. And if he actually steps up, then he gets what he wants anyways. It's a 
rather difficult way of dealing with things and i am not approving of it but for him it was working out in a way where he had a lot of initial good responses in other teams and he was working through that so i can't really say too much too negative about this the initial phase was very rough but we managed to come together and make it work because both of us had the same drive and just wanted to win no matter what and arguing about how to win is never a bad thing in the first place one of the problems he had, because I knew a lot, and you're not only him, but I knew a lot of his teammates and all the different teams he was in, was he didn't realize sort of socially that you can't just hard shift between states. So when he's in the game, by the way, he's one of those people where outside of the game, he's not arguing people and having fights like this. Like He's not a chill all. guy, but the problem is in the game, he's like the mate that you don't play like board games with because they're going to fucking flip the table if they start losing. It's like that guy where you know the people who've got that streak, you just, you keep it in like, you know, the friendly, just the social thing. So what he didn't realize was this, he would be in the game, and as you're saying, to his own team in like scrims, he would be saying stuff like, What are you doing? This is, you are not fucking, you are not human. This is, the, you to let them be three kills up. This is disgusting. He would say all this, right? But then when the scrim would end, he would get up and he would think in his mind, Right, well, you know, put that down. That's the game. And he would say to them, like, Hey, dude, do you want to get a drink or something? And they'd be like, Fuck off. Like, no, like, they'd still have the emotion would still be up here. And he, he never got that, dude. I don't know. Listen, he's, I'm sure it's very different now. It's years later. But at the time, he there was a disconnect there. He didn't sort of see that like people don't just leave it in the game they sort of they need like the social component at all times they need a team morale right i mean i had a growth that i wouldn't have had without him that's all i can say like definitely at least the laning phase there was a lot of steps that needed to be taken that i wasn't taking right like i knew they were there or i could have played towards them but i didn't have the prowess to actually go for it all the time every single time reliably uh, i did it at times but i didn't do it reliably so when i did it once or twice he was kind of counting on it and the moment i didn't do it he was furious and that was obvious but for me in that time it wasn't as obvious so yeah, a really hard scrim block. Nothing really worked. We clashed all the time. We were arguing every review whatsoever. Um, we go out and he's asking, let's go dinner, whatever. It took a long time for me to actually get to the point where I could, because at that time my mind was polluted and I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. Like, give me some space. But I think that is something that actually makes a team really great if you're able to clash on a personal level, but still be able to be good on on, on like an individual level and make sure that as a group you always function. It's more like a family than a team, at least what it should be. And I think at that time we felt like that on Botlane. Like, Monty, this might shock you because it, I think it might already have even on camera been revealed in the interview I just did with Yankos on my channel. But a detail I knew is, when you know when Forgiven famously got kicked out of H2K, but then he went to Origin and it went so badly, but H2K had problems with Freeze because he had his, like, RSI. And mm -hmm. remember, they brought Forgiven back, they made the playoffs, they made Worlds, and they went to the semis, right? A detail people don't know, and this is so ridiculous, is the only conditions under which he was allowed to return to H2K, because people like Yankos were like, I don't fucking play with him again, was he wasn't allowed to be in the same house as them. He would be in a different apartment, <laughs> scrimming. He would play the scrim, then he would just go. They as four would go and review the game. And that was it. Essentially, he like didn't exist. He was like an internet like presence that would just come in the game <laughs> and play the game. So like, and all you need to know is, even before they played the semi-final of Worlds, you know, one of the deepest runs any Western team had made. I was told behind the scenes, like, look, mate, they could win Worlds. He's not staying in the team. Like, this is over. Like, so this just shows you what a unique figure this was. Because it's, like, it's the point like is, a, he's so like talented. How, you, you make you make it work if you can. Was the point? It, it's like how they keep Hannibal Lecter in prison, but he helps them find yes. other serial killers. There you go. Okay. <laughs> it's like. 
I we mean, need you. We need you, head of electric. Exactly. <laughs> that goes a bit too far, but yeah, I get the notion. Obviously. I get the notion. Yes, yeah. obviously. <laughs> listen, listen, to be fair, Henry, it is German as well. So the humor aspect can get out. I've told this story before. One time I came to the LCS in season three, right? And Yellow Pete was there, who probably is the most ridiculously stereotypical German person I've ever met. And I said to him, naively, as a British person using colloquial English and written, I go, who's going to win this game? And he turns to me, he's not joking, and he goes, how could I know? How can I know the, the probability of what can happen in the game and the draft even? I, I could not even know. I, how will I know what the bot lane matchup will be? And then what if this team is the favourite and they are ahead in the game, but then they throw at the Baron? Like, I can, how could I know who will win? I was like, I was just meant fucking, just, what are you feeling? Who's, what are you predicting me? And it was like, holy, <laughs> what I realised is a different world. Like, certain people, the certain lines, ways of thinking, boxes that were in here. So it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I mean, Monty was just being flamboyant with that example. Of course, he's not like Hannibal Lecter, of course. <laughs> if you did that to me, the German in me would have literally started to analyze every there single match up, exactly. no matter what I have to do. Like, yeah, exactly. That's just how I would handle it as well. Like, let's exactly. be real. There you go. Um, so I want to talk <laughs> about uh, like a very interesting tournament because this was when we still had um, the the international events, and this was when you guys were on your hot streak in uh, in 2015. Because I, well, you and I talked a lot at this event. I remember us hanging out at IEM Katowice, and. Uh, when when we were like to put this in context, guys, it happened in the middle of the LCS season. So it wasn't called LEC back then. It was called a ULCS. And they would have these international events and the leagues would actually take a week off to send teams. So you were 11 and three. So you ended this split in first place in the regular season. So you were 11 and three, like the pride of Europe at the time. You guys were absolutely dominating. As, as Thorin said, you started off with this eight and no streak. Then you lost, uh, you know, a few games, but then you were bouncing back by the time this tournament started and you ended the season after you came back winning all of the rest of your games. So you ended 15 and three overall. So you guys were, in what was genuinely a very hard group um, at IEM Katowice, because you were there with Cloud9, the GE Tigers, and the Yoey Flash Wolves. And Flash Wolves had Carsa, Maple, and Sword Art at the time, so some really legendary players. And unfortunately, it was a best-of-one double elimination. And so you you beat Flash Wolves, but then you lost the Tigers, and you lost the loser's bracket match to Flash Wolves. My question is, like, how was that event for you? And when you came in, how confident were you? Because you guys were legitimately, I think, a very world-class team at that point in time. Um, I don't think necessarily confident in the sense of we're going to rampage all through and they have no chance. Um, it was more like, hey, we want to actually see how we match up versus these Eastern teams, these Asian teams, no matter what. Um, we want to give it our best and see how we can actually, like, claim a throne there, right? Um, for us, it was more like we proved ourselves through uh, EU games, but we weren't really matched in the sense of laning, at least. And so going into that tournament, it was very interesting to see, hey, how does Cloud9 do? How does Flash Wolves do? How can they match us? And how can we actually play versus them? And the GE Tigers at the time, they were first in Korea, and they were a real powerhouse. Like, they were actually what Samsung White or Blue was before the Worlds where they won. It's like, they're actually someone that you have to look out for and you have to actually prepare all your draft and the way you're playing the game towards them otherwise you will have eventually problems to play it so we're going in and we knew g tigers that's a rough one we knew flash wolves um yeah we can beat them but it will be hard as well and cloud nine yeah we said we stomp any um so besides <laughs> that we will have we will have at least two enemies that are actually meeting us face to face and that's something we weren't used to so we're not going into like very 
relaxed, knowing that we're going to run through, but rather a bit tense. And then um, everything went really well, like even scrims and everything we did went super well. Like we didn't even think we would do that good. And going into the tournament, playing the first official matches, we obviously had confidence because we knew that we had the capabilities of actually playing the game on that high of a level that enemies can't match us. When we went uh, versus GE Tigers, though, they did something no one else did before. And that was actually the downfall, which led to the season not ending very well. Um, they just put three bands on bot lane. No matter what the meta, no matter what happens, they just kept banning our stuff. And if we don't have the right tools, I mean, you can try to screw with a hammer, but that ain't working. So <laughs> from that point on, we actually said or expected our top side to take over because they were not banned targeted whatsoever. And that didn't happen. And that led to us actually having intense discussions, intense, annoying talks throughout the whole tournament and it also led to us to coming to the conclusion that we couldn't play exactly with the same roster in the next split which was mm. a really sad thing for me because i had the feeling this was the best team i've ever played with and we actually had an insane amount of talent and knowledge combined um it was really sad for me to see this this uh, team fall and crumble but in the end even as a person inside of that construct i wasn't able to contradict anything that was happening like the discussions didn't really come from me but i just tried to facilitate them anyhow i could in the end it just didn't work out at all and people just clashed so much on a personal level that working together was just not endurable i mean this was also the era of people don't know where even though you'd have like coaches they weren't like the people had authority like now they don't it was more like a manager almost back then right yeah, I mean, we took a spot psychologist. So as Monty already mentioned in Korea when we were boot camping before, um, we had our spot psychologist that was kind of rather doing a facilitator job, enhancing the conversation, trying nice. to feel that, hey, I going to that direction, too. isn't that better? And it's just someone that has no idea about League of Legends standing beside you and trying to argue about the way you argue makes you argue in a more productive way. And that helped us in the long run. Because back then, we had too much knowledge on us and we knew no other coach, no other player that is not currently playing um, has a chance of actually coming to us and telling us something about the game and getting the knowledge through. Like, we were fond of our knowledge. It was something that made us who we were. And... Going there and getting someone to just randomly tell us, hey, you can't play it like this does not work. Um, we, I, have a, I have an example from Monty, by the way. We got him in because he was one of the guys that we were respecting at the time, which was very rare. Um, remember the split push conversations we had? Uh, uh, the the lane swap? Lane swap? Oh, yeah. Um, we, um, <laughs> you I mean, basically went for the European lane swap was invented, yeah. <laughs> Not exactly. It, it was a bit before, but we refined yeah. it a lot. At that point, uh, Monty com comes in with the idea of, hey, Koreans play it like this. This has to be the optimal way. And he was trying to argue at first about how we did the lane swaps. And then we told him, hey, look at several games, look at how we're doing it, and try to see our point. And we elaborated, hey, if Freddy dies there, we don't care. He delays them enough for us to get bot and be on top before they could do anything. And that was something no one else did at the time. So mm. it was very hard to grasp at first. But seeing it over the course of like 10 scrim games, 15 scrim games, and it came to the same result every single time, you obviously had to know there's something at it. So yeah. there was a lot of parts of the game that we just redeveloped into something completely different and enemies couldn't adapt to it because we adapted to what they wanted to do. And that was just happening constantly. So it was very hard to find someone that was actually a coach that we would respect. Yeah, fair enough. Take, give, take his input in the first place. And even with Monty, we were arguing about stuff that, in another note, we would probably just have swallowed and tried to adapt to. 
Isn't that one thing you 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 mourn the loss of Monty stuff like lane swaps or even the possibility to do things? Like I mean, that? I I think it was. I, I look. I, I know it's a controversial opinion, but I really enjoyed that era of League of Legends because I thought it was really interesting from a macro and strategic perspective, and it brought a different dimension to the game because it wasn't like you had to lane swap. It was just another way to play, and so I think it increased champion diversity because it allowed you to hide kind of losing lanes um, by lane swapping, and it was really fun. I enjoyed it. I know the fans didn't like it and Riot certainly didn't like it, which is why they nerfed it into oblivion. Um, but I thought at least at the professional level, it was, it was very cool. I mean, we still have Cyan running into bot side, not caring about top lane until <laughs> Wait, the, minute the, the, the remnants five, are still there. Just you know? <laughs> diving bot no matter what and just making sure, hey, AD carries are broken enemy, AD carry doesn't play the game, we win, woo! Yeah. And that just keeps on happening. Like There's certain champions that can still do this, but the diversity has definitely been decreased for no apparent reason in my personal opinion but i guess viewership and longer games were not really what riot wanted in the long term by the way yeah, imagine being a sports psychologist figure you're in one of your earlier assignments and you're you get given forgiven right all i'm going <laughs> to say is if anyone's ever read the graphic novel watchman i imagine it's like the, the like criminal psychologist who comes to him in prison and then trying <laughs> to explore like uh what's his name fucking rorschach's mind it's one of those like don't stare into the abyss because the abyss stares back into you it actually <laughs> unravels the psychologist's mind and he goes back to his wife and he's sort of like all shaken at what he's learned you know i imagine it's like that or he just wrote a book he just just wrote a whole book about him. One of the two. Definitely one of the two. By the way, since you've been a coach, actually, there's some there's a player I want to ask you about. People won't know this, but a few years ago you were coaching Nuclear Int, now Knock, who plays obviously for BDS, who almost won the LEC. So what can you tell me something about him or what you thought of his career so far? Uh, I think he was promoted a bit too early. I think another year in, in ERL. I mean, I told him that. I told management that at the time. Um, I felt like he has such an insane potential that pulling him up too early will actually decrease his chances of staying there, being there. Because a lot of times in LEC, you get one shot. And if you fail in the first split, you might not get another one. But he's a very consistent player. I think mechanically he was insane at the time. He was doing things on his own that maybe from previous coaching and video coaching he got that. But it was a lot of things, a lot of champions that he played significantly better than anyone else on a certain level. Um, he had very good understanding of when he should move, when it's in his favor to move, and when he really shouldn't and shouldn't care about side then whatsoever and just push his lead. And I think he is a natural talent where he rather doesn't think about stuff, but feels it. And I think that's a very, very understated quality of players where they get a really good feel about how the, play, how the game should be played and how you can gain your advantages in the best way or pull them off or like develop them further whatsoever. I was very, very, let's say, fond of him having him on mid lane. And even afterwards, when he was promoted to the main lineup of Schalke, um, we got Swyro in. And I think if you compare those two players, even Swyro winning your Masters right before, um, he is a very, very, very good player also individually. But I think if you make a straight-up comparison, Nuclear End is a standalone talent that probably in the next years will still go further. Something like Caps ERL going into Caps LEC. Um, you need to give him time. You need to let him develop even further. I think he's not at his pinnacle just yet. But he definitely has the chance to be on top for a very long time if he does it right. Right. Do you have like one last story or something from the old? I have. I have a very important hey, question, Thorin. I have a very important. Story. Can you show us the sponsor on your shirt, please? Is that real? Not real. 
that a real sponsor? By the way, our our slogan is here is real. There you go. There you go. So you you have the real Pringle sponsorship because Edward yes. told a story earlier. I don't know if you heard it, um, but Edward told us a story that Gambit. You remember how Gambit used to have the Pringle sponsorship? That was fake. I know. <laughs> I know, but we get crates of Pringles. Like our office is stacked, so don't worry about that one. That's the real one. Okay. Can you think of one last story you can give us? Maybe something from the old days, or about some player that we might know, some legendary figure. You've been around a lot of great players. Hmm. I mean, now I have to dig, right? Is there maybe an Expecte story, or a Cyanide story, a Yellow Star, or Reckless? You had a lot of great players around you at the time. Um. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, Paris Games Week. There was um, not really Fnatic itself, but we got Hikubot from SK in and okay. who else was playing. I'm not sure, but we had to make sure we had three French players. So we had Yellowstar, we had Soas, and we had Hikubot. And Peke was there as well, and me. And the night before, uh, Meltdown, the bars, actually opened. Or had, this like, was an grand esports opening. bar, people don't know, yes. Yeah. So we got invited to like the first back a VIP area thing where we go there, have the first drink in the bar before it was officially open and went out with the casters, Chips and Noir from um, LFL, the ERL. Yeah. Um, so we went out the night and we took it way too far. And that was the only tournament I ever played drunk. So I barely saw anything. I went on stage. It was only the final match to be played. And I went there and we played this and I shot caught for the life of it. It was like almost the best game of my life, even okay. in hindsight. I played I played out of my life and I couldn't see colors on the screen. I wasn't even there. Okay. And in hindsight, okay. afterwards, I'm like, did we win? Okay. <laughs> the, the joke being, that was just a normal day for Soas. No. The other one is, if people don't know, there's actually a famous story, Monty might know about it from like 1960s, where there was a famous baseball player who claims he was on LSD and he pitched a no-hitter. I mean, the joke must be, as he was throwing the ball, he was probably seeing all like civilization growing like fucking like humanity <laughs> you know you can imagine but yeah apparently he claims that was the greatest game he ever played too so there you go basically I don't cross playing Stefano apparently well done you went to barely, bar, got pissed drunk and won the game awesome barely alive but never did that again well, sometimes I think the weird thing about that in terms of human psychology is like you almost go back to just muscle memory at that point in time. Yes, completely. And you don't overthink things, right? And sometimes it can come out really well. <laughs> yeah, if I was playing versus someone that was messing with me and actually knew that I was not in the best state and they started to shift stuff around that I couldn't really read, I think we would have lost that. But it was very one-dimensional, streamlined, let's, let's play okay. it down, you know, and it was an easy go. I will say, Monty, one of the reasons why I actually totally understand that, like, people in league are toxic. I've told you a story before. It's the only time I play league nowadays is because I'm really, really high. And I won't lie, one of my biggest problems when I play is if someone in the on the other team is playing a champion, I play a lot. Sometimes in the team fight, I do accidentally think I'm them. And I think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm doing awesome. And I realize, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm the janitor this time, not the bike or whatever. Oh, fuck. And I'm thinking, oh, it's sick, yeah. I'm going to go to him as well. And then it's like, oh, bloody hell whatever. <laughs> so basically if you queue up with me i won't tell you my name spoiler i just lock pike in immediately no matter what but bad luck if you queue up with me bad luck bad luck for you they should they should have just picked the champions i was playing in the game before and maybe they had there a chance maybe there you go, there you go. exactly <laughs> right okay well thanks for the time obviously yeah, thanks, we enjoyed really reminiscing Maybe it's, uh, since you're coaching maybe we can have you on someone insight for real yeah that'd be great talk about some of the games in the modern Anytime. better that yes. was awesome man we'll go to All the right, next thanks. guest then peace boys bye 
We are back, and our next guest has joined us. He first appeared on episode 63 of Summoning Insight. It is, of course, Doa. And by the way, Doa, that does imply, and I'll just say it straight up, much like Riot Games, I was sort of cosplaying Riot Games there. You were just criminally overlooked. You'd been casting with Monty all those years. We'd had this talk show. I bet the whole time well, you were thinking like I was that thing I said earlier about Monty never invited me on Bloody OGN. You were like bros, like, you know, how's someone insight going? Like, you're looking for any guests? Like, yeah, do you know anyone, Do you know anyone who could like appear who's like a big figure? Like, I'll think if I can, but like, why did it take 63 episodes for Zoom to invite you on? It's not bullshit. I don't know. Hell? I mean, uh, you know, Re- Reggie said it, Reggie said it best, right? Carried by Monty. So I, I guess yeah, that's- That uh, is real. If people don't yeah. know, We've already made fun in the past about the riot angle where they said you didn't have the gravity, not gravitas, to do the big moments. But the Reggie one's worse. When Reggie insulted Monty, Dora came to his aid on Twitter and was sort of like, you know, that's a bit too far. And even though no no one has any reason to dislike Dora, Reggie just clapped back at him and basically told him, like, yeah, we're just carried by Monty, which is like, what? And also, you are a really good play-by-play commentator. That's such an egregious comment. I appreciate it. You come from Sarkov too as well. But you thought your Monty just carried your whole career, bro. I mean, you know, the thing is with that, so I should I should mention too, I'm I'm reporting live from the LCS offices. That's uh, that go. explains the background. Oh, yeah. So I wanted <laughs> to let everyone know that first. But the dumpster uh, fire. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Things are things are a little bit, you know, uh, uh subpar here, you can say right now. But but going back to, to that, yeah, like if I remember right, Reggie was just saying some like wildly false things about Monty, and this was during the age when the era when he was coaching CLG remotely. Like, I didn't see Monty for like months because he'd be waking up at like 3, 4 a.m. doing scrims and stuff. The guy was working his ass off like 24 7. And then Reggie comes in and says all this bullshit. And I'm like, all right, well, I, I have to say something, you know? And then <laughs> I found out I had been carried by Monty the entire time. <laughs> Who knew? But yeah, there you go. Hold on. I got, I got to get to someplace a little bit more comfortable. It's like, oh, there we go. Okay. There. That actually <laughs> looks like it could be an Overwatch map. That's right. A game you know. from a company with no controversy. Yeah. That looks like Genji could be set up there, <laughs> like the Archer characters over the other wall. You know, it's because it, it looks like it looks like a Blizzard yeah. World, the the Overwatch map, but it's from it's from World of Warcraft. This is actually the Gates of Stormwind in World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. which is it's it, which by the way, WoW is better than it's ever been right now. Okay. Uh, quick take away for that. play because it is no it is very it is very good i know no, listen I know. Um, listen for everyone else i'm sure it's great but to me that's like saying oh you should check out the new menu at denny's it's like well, you know what I'm, i probably won't but you know fair play maybe like what would you know like upgrade the eggs over my moody or whatever the fuck that shit's called like, yeah, what about this then In, we can't despite- help what we love Despite people claiming you were carried by Monty, I'd actually argue at times in your career, you were dragged away from perhaps better aspects of your career. Like, for example, wasn't Monty the one who came to you, someone who totally, like, integrated in Korea? You'd spent years practicing your career and talking to every cab driver, leveling up, you know. You even eventually married a native Korean. And Monty was like, hey, I've got a brilliant idea. Let's move to L.A. and hitch our wagon to this Overwatch thing. Trust me, bro. This is going to be so good. Hey, hey, hey. There there are some caveats. There. Go First on. off, sure, sure, yeah. We were not planning on moving to Los Angeles. Oh, that okay. was not part of the original okay. pitch, which Fair was it's very crucial yeah. to mention that because neither of us wanted to live in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. we also, because the original pitch for Overwatch League was it's going to be like WWE. It'll be in a new location oh, every week. I so see, you can right. live wherever yeah, you want, right. which was actually very attractive, yeah. right? And it wasn't, it was only after we signed our contracts that they were like, just kidding it's in los angeles and we're like what what yeah <laughs> and, that's, they told, that's and to be fair to them they did tell us we could live anywhere but then we would have had to fly literally every week to los angeles so it just mm-hmm. wasn't worth it in the end 
like we people a lot of people don't know we signed our overwatch league contracts at the end of 2016 because the yeah. league was supposed to begin in 2017 and uh then uh basically what happened was it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back you know we were talking to blizzard and we're like well, when should we come to the u.s and they you know it kept getting pushed back and we finally came out in may because they were like well come to the u.s um because consulting was part of our contract so like you can you know be in the offices helping us prepare with the league and all that kind of stuff so we we did that and then um and then they were like well i guess we need to have something this year so we're gonna have that big world cup which world cup 2017 was was probably my overall favorite time in Overwatch. I mean, the first year of the yeah, league was really, was really fun too, but that World Cup was great. And the hilarious thing with it was that Monty and I had worked into our contracts that we would get business class flights for any intercontinental travel. And Blizzard was like, all right, sure, why not? We're probably never going to, to use that, right? And then <laughs> this World Cup so thing much. happened. So we literally <laughs> circumnavigated the globe in, in business class, and uh, we never thought we'd get to use it like that, but it ended up working out really well. Which also should be standard. It should be standard yeah. for casters, because the expectation a lot of time for casters is that, you know, we're going to fly you in as late as possible, and you're going to have to perform in one or two days with, you know, mm -hmm. a 12-hour time difference. And yeah. so it really does make a big difference when you're able to sleep well on a plane to acclimate, acclimating and, like, putting on your best performance so really I, did, I mean honestly. yeah yeah and i think you also have to understand the conditions that were happening like within league of legends at the time so first off riot was encroaching very heavily on ogn they had they had tr as we had talked about earlier with chobra they had mm -hmm. basically switched um the way that the league had operated where they they forced out ogn's format into their new garbage format by 2015 um, both of us had started on Blizzard games casting, and we loved Blizzard. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was really exciting to see this new potential esports title. And also, you know, we had boycotted MSI because they were they were doing bullshit with rates. As we said publicly at the time, and this was true, Riot had the lowest rate among seven different esports. It was not industry standard. And when we tried to confront them about it, they basically said, that's not the industry. We're the industry. We are the industry standard. Said, which we're just like, okay, there's... I'm like yeah, really? yeah. Really? that's and your, they were the biggest yeah. yeah they were the biggest game in the world and so you know it really didn't look like and we knew eventually that riot was likely to take league of legends in-house which they did in korea yeah. which means we would have to work directly with riot when we worked for ogn and we both of us were already doing other games with ogn like i was doing vainglory we had both done starcraft 2 we had cast starcraft 2 together with them doe was doing hearthstone so we actually really you know, in terms of pay and what was going to be good for us for our careers, it was very difficult to see a future where we could actually make more money and have a more successful career than we were having at that point in time. And indeed, that's held true because Riot has a monopoly and they basically capped caster rates and there is no growth as a caster mm. unless you move into, you know, streaming. So co-streaming is a new thing. But remember, that didn't exist at the time. That wasn't possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think. I think if you go back in time, it's hard to argue making a different logical choice because Blizzard was treating us very well. Yeah, and I mean, it, and the, there was a lot of exciting things about what they said they were going to do with the league. Now, how many of those things actually came to pass is a totally different story. But, you know, what we were sold going into it would turn out to be very different from what reality ended up being for that. But at the time, you know, and there was also just a matter of capping out, too. You know, like where, you know, we, we love casting League of Legends in, in Korea, but there wasn't really any more advancement beyond that there was, and i think both of us have always been very interested in 
finding new ways to try to make the industry better you know the industry overall better that's that's important to us uh, as much as getting to have the fun of being casters and things like that so i think we saw it as an opportunity to go back to na and really try to like hopefully push the industry forward and you know well, it, it push the industry in certain ways but uh but yeah do you miss no, those so. days when it would be the split final and you would go and do like the spring or summer and it would be the big files it'd be in like a could be in pusan could oh, be yeah. in like korea like could be in like big whole gymnasium or something you'd have those ten thousand fans and there's another thing there's a lot of like reporting on how many fans go to event there would be for real ten thousand fans there and people lining up all the way around the block like do you miss those days of the massive finals Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, who who wouldn't, right? I mean, just yeah. uh, doing the whole season, having the storylines leading up to it, and then seeing you know these players put in this intense, extreme pressure situation and seeing who performed. You know, I mean, that's it's it's the it's the best of sports, right? Where you have screaming crowds and players doing everything they possibly can to perform at their peak, and you know the the action is great. Like, I mean, it's just yeah, you can't recreate that atmosphere anywhere. And and you know, I we we miss that. I got I feel like I got a bit of a taste of that. Again, finally, last year at the Charlotte Major for Rainbow Six, where we had, okay. you know, a venue for the finals and we had, you know, about three, four thousand people there. So, you know, it wasn't as big as the OGN days, but there was still a little bit of that. So, yeah, definitely miss that. You need a minute, Monty? Uh, no, my, my wife wants to say hi because she wants to be All on right, the okay. 200th yeah, episode. <laughs> Bring her on. Hi, Susie. Hey, I figured I knew that you were coming on next. So I figured I'd just. Oh, hi. Hello. How's it going? Good. We we miss you guys. We just see people don't know. Uh, before until very recently, uh, Monty and Susie and my wife and I only lived about twenty minutes apart in L.A. So we would we would hang out all the time. It's not like the MythBusters where they like actually don't like each other in real life and want to get as far away as possible. No, we actually like hung out. So uh, about a month ago, my wife and I moved up to Minnesota, uh, which is why I have no actual office background because it's still in progress and all that. But so we haven't been able to hang out in person as much. Very By sad. the way, Susie, I will point out you were an episode. You were actually on somebody inside before door was. You were on episode forty. And what's funny is if you ever go back and look at the comments, right? Because at the time your relationship with Monty wasn't public. I'm a bit cheeky on the episode and sort of make some like slight as I want to do, make some you know slightly over the line like remarks and sexually related things. And what's hilarious is all the comments are just people like, "Wow, well, what a dis disgraceful thing." She's obviously so uncomfortable. It's like we actually <laughs> didn't know, you know, she didn't just come out of, the, out of the thin air like. So yeah, that, it wasn't well I received. Hey guys. There you um, go. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Doa, we miss you a lot too. I mean, I think we were saying how I think we've been living near each other for 10 years. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Uh, something like that. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely family. Like to to get real for a second. Like I've spent more time with Monty and Susie in the last decade plus than I've spent with anyone in my actual blood family. So Aww. so yeah, that's 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 absolutely <laughs> true. So uh, you know, when it's it's only it's inevitable that you'll move up to Minnesota at some point and, and then we'll be able to be close. We'll be close-ish. I don't know if we'll make it all yeah. the way to Minnesota, but um <laughs> but anyway, um yeah, summoning insight has been a big part of my life as well. Um <laughs> and um yeah, I'm really glad that everyone has been enjoying it and that it's already hit two hundred episodes. That's incredible. So um yeah, I'm gonna go. I think I have a phone call from Max's school actually. So okay. bye oh, guys. Nice. See ya. See ya.
Oh boy! What's Obviously, he, what's he the, up to the, now? the next level has to be. We have to get maybe it's five hundred. Have to get to enough episodes that one day Max appears as a guest on the show. <laughs> at which point in time, like the Meta Barons, he obviously has to fight Monty to the death, and then he inherits the throne and becomes the right. co-host of Somebody Inside with Me. That was always his destiny, you know. Which which Meta Baron is Monty most like? That's a conversation that I think we need to have. That would be fine. Think, is it Steelhead? <laughs> he's more he, yeah he's more like the one that like had got that like head of a point put onto himself if you remember the one that you're talking about but that was the way he like it's been a while since author. i read it but yeah <laughs> that comic is crazy it's i'm mega, sorry graphic. Yeah, so I, good I, in it as well I, i'm gonna i'm going to enjoy yeah. that my son will absolutely hate esports and video games just because <laughs> i'm a part of it i'm actually just poisoning yeah. the the entire i you know it's 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 kind of amazing he won't be able to like any of the things his friends like as long as i'm involved with them. oh it's great <laughs> I, mean, my, I, saw my today, too. I don't think she's gonna get into it we'll, we'll i see. saw on on uh, reddit there was a story like this where there was some kid who like is apparently like super good at league or something it's like a streamer and they asked him something like like well you know what do what do young people think about league like are they into it and he basically said like oh none of my friends really care about league of legends in fact among the young league is sort of a meme for me that you're a loser who doesn't get any mm -hmm. girls it's like oh god they're on to us guys <laughs> they're on to us I mean, Zuma generations well, figured it out <laughs> Like, seriously, though, the play versus deal hurt League of Legends in the high school level so much. As somebody who's worked in, in high school esports for a few years now, there is like a black hole in that age group's video game consciousness when it comes to League of Legends. Because, like, for instance, I, I in Wisconsin, they went from like 100 teams playing every year to zero because no one wanted to work with play versus. Minnesota was similar. Uh, so kids just stop playing league and not too many are picking it up again. And, and that's a big problem that people haven't been talking about a lot with league of legends in North America is that this play versus deal really damaged, uh, that game at the high school level, which is where all your, you know, your viewers, your prospective pro players, you know, the two or three of them that are in LCS are going to come from someday. So, you know, that's, that is a, a, a thing to talk about too, I think where, yeah. That, yeah that and it, in, a, in a way, like, I agree with you that one of the demands from the LCS players association should be around more robust high school, um, high school esports as well for league of legends, totally. because uh, as we've discussed on previous episodes of summoning inside the problem with play versus is that riot was an investor in play versus, mm -hmm. and then they gave exclusivity over the high school thing to play versus play versus then charged very exploitative fees uh to yeah. potential high schools which then drove them all out from participating within league of legends and here we are and i do well, agree with doa that that's been a core part of the lack of talent development people want to point fingers at academy but academy can't field good players if they have nothing if they have no coached players at the high school level to choose from the other thing to keep in mind too is that the, the with play versus it wasn't just the exclusivity and the money those are big things but also from what i've heard from people who have used the platform was that it was just bad and uh they they had statistically the highest forfeiture rate of any high school esports platform which means when two teams are supposed to play each other one doesn't show uh so that is kind of you know damning as well in that they had this format that, that this uh platform rather that people just didn't seem to want to use too um, and that matches that were scheduled weren't even happening. So even the teams in the schools that were part of it weren't following through and actually, you know, seemingly playing very many of their matches. So that's a, yeah, it, it, it was a, a huge mess and, uh, it's good. It's finally gone. Uh, but I don't know if we're ever going to really get high schoolers interested in league like they were before that deal, unfortunately.
No, I think it's also a product of the game becoming so complicated with the number of champions that have been added that the entry point, yeah, you know, and I think that's that's why the the actual coached infrastructure is so important to the game, because even getting a fundamental understanding of this game without your friends or a coach helping can be quite difficult at this point in time because the barrier to entry is so fucking high off of 160 champions in the game that without mm. some level of outside assistance, it is much, much harder to become, you know, invested in playing the game competitively, at least. It's possible that 200 years of design experience is too many years. Design experience. Might wanna, well, I, I think the issue is like, you know, Valorant, I, I can see the same future for Valorant because when you create a, a monetization model that is based off of releasing new characters, basically, you know, the cycle never stops. And then you ended up with an extremely bloated game. Whereas a game like Counter-Strike is still, you know, it's just a it's just a skin system, right? So it's much easier right. for people to get into the game because it's all aesthetic and not to do with expanding gameplay. I mean, I actually well, suggested oh, years ahead. ago why I thought the solution was, which I'm amazed more people like LS is in this world. Why is no one else recommending it? It's to do the, the method of Magic the Gathering door. Like, why not make sort of like sets? Like you decide, right, here's like the 45 yeah. champions that are in this season. And, you know, then you could sort of like put some favorites in, take some out. And the idea would be like a new player who's, who's like the up and coming rookie. He doesn't have to, know 150 champions or whatever you know the crazy mm -hmm. old school shit like that he's never played before like a team or pick or something so i i think an approach like that could work surely like that's already a, it's actually a staple of like i say magic the gathering except the idea that you have a yeah. limited set or you can only draft certain things right it would be so much easier i think to balance too you'd need a, a so many less interactions to worry about etc there you know i don't need to go into it it's it's pretty obvious but i think if you look at another riot game team fight tactics they they do that type of thing. Oh, right. There are yep. sets that come through and they don't have every champion from league in every set. It's something like usually around 50-ish, if I remember off the top okay. of my head. Um, and sometimes they'll bring a champion back from a previous set, but give it like a different ability because in that game, each champion only has one ability. But I do think it is a way to do what you're talking about where it's easy for a player to jump into teamfight tactics compared to League of Legends, because if you're jumping in for at TFT, at the most, you're like five months behind uh, because they rotate uh, twice a year. There's like two sets a year, basically, right now. Um, and you look at card games as well. There's maybe like three to four expansions for good card games uh, per year, which gives players a chance to play, to learn, to adapt to it, but not to have it get stale. And there's not enough, there's not too much product coming out that it gets too complex. I mean, Magic, unfortunately, is, is a rough example for that right now because they're releasing way too much stuff. But uh, that's a that's a different topic entirely. But yeah, I agree. This, this is actually similar to what I was saying about Overwatch way back in the day where uh, I, I said uh, in a lot of meetings that I would love to see Overwatch be more like a fighting game in that you had a roster that came out and then maybe add you know, four to six characters over the, you know, over a year or two, right? A couple little DLC, quote unquote, type things. And then you do a big swap over where you have a true Overwatch 2, where you have uh, some characters carry over, you know, your Ryu, Ken equivalents, that kind of thing. Uh, and then you add a new chunk of characters as well. So you treat it more like a fighting game, right? Where there's a smaller roster and the emphasis is on mastery over just adapting to whatever meta it is and whatever patch it is. Uh, that's way more fun, I think, when you when you can look at someone who's a true master of their particular niche in a game. Um, something that StarCraft had. You know, that you know one games thing, by the way, I've always thought actually was so brutal about the timing of when you were at your peak in League is because back in the day, obviously, 
the people who played support had no fucking items and didn't do any damage. And if they did fight, it was like yeah. a hilarious sort of like <laughs> with purses, like slapping each other. So obviously you invent the support all combat. Like yeah. the modern day it is the fucking support all combat, mate. People are killing each other in lane. Like this would have been your era. The, the bloodthirsty <laughs> support is a thing now. It's just yeah, a I thing, guess, isn't it? I guess, uh, you know, I look at that and I guess my, my first thought is we won. You know, we we, we always knew supports. Okay. We always knew supports with the true damage dealers, the true kill takers. You, you know, and and finally, Riot has admitted that. You know, other games like Overwatch, they admitted it too. You know, yeah, true. So I do miss those days to a certain extent, but you know, it's I kind of feel more like Conan the Barbarian sitting on his throne. You know, that he's conquered everything, and it's a bit melancholy, right? Because there's nothing more to conquer, but you got the job done, so you've got that at least. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Support will combat forever, yeah. Bloodthirsty support. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, the the casters still use that line. I hear it all the yeah, time. I, know. In the, I mean, I know that'll sound crazy. Accurate. Spoiler, there's actually a skit you can watch on our channel. It's called like the Riot Wreck Machine or whatever. Basically, <laughs> believe it or not, yeah. guys, even though Riot sometimes wouldn't hire people like Monty or Dua, they don't <laughs> mind just taking all their jokes, memes, skits, ideas, and using it as if it was their own, you know. Imagine that. Imagine that. Well, then again, I'm saying that the guy who made Dota All Stars is like first time. First time bro. I mean, exactly, the, the yeah. person who made all the IPs that yeah, they exactly. copy. You know, like True. you know, the Predator guy looks at, is like looking at Rengar first time. Alien guy looking at Kha'Zix. <laughs> Have they ever had an original idea? I mean, they even design champions that are possibly the most boring conceptual things in fantasy, like. Think about this for a second. What the fuck is Garen? He's just a guy with a sword. Oh, yeah. He is He's just a I guy with it, a sword. See, he should be the going back to our early smaller roster, you know, talk. He should be like the Ryu of League of Legends, right? Yes. Where it's like, yeah, have a cast of smart characters, but bring Garen back every time because he is the generic sword guy. <laughs> and your game kind of needs a generic sword guy. So, you know, change him up a little bit, give him a little bit of backstory between games like Ryu has, slap a beard on him once in a while, you know, and, and you're good. <laughs> I, I think they need a, a Ryu type like that. Yeah. Garen could be that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just I just love that it's just every genre slapped together within one game with no cohesion, which is why the, the intellectual <laughs> property just doesn't work. Right. Like it, it's also so jarring to see the difference between representations of the characters like the difference between Heimerdinger in Arcane and Heimerdinger in League of Legends. They're not even the same character, but they can't be because they fucked up yeah. Heimerdinger in League of Legends because the tone is not internally consistent within League of Legends. So you have to have all these different weird interpretations of, of the universe. It's, it is interesting. And, and I, it makes me really wonder if that MMO is ever going to come out because like, it has got to be well, in, Ghost Crawler left, man. Yeah. So I, I know. know I saw that. So I, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I want this MMO to come out because I love MMOs. I've always loved that genre of game. I've I played. I haven't played every single grindy like Korean MMO that's come out because there's a new one every month. But like I, every other big AAA MMO that's come out, I've I played at least a little bit. I love that genre. So I would love for it to come out, and I would love for it to be good. But but yeah, how do you reconcile League of Legends? with you know sort of like putting it in a cohesive world like there has to be so much like retconning and changing again you know but will you this know, be i, I wish it was all like arcane out? like i think they did a very good job with arcane, arcane. great yeah I agree. um yeah i mean but that's but, what maybe, but it's not that's the that's problem is that do. yeah game to game it's inconsistent and by the way guys yeah. if you're holding out hope for the riot mmo let me just run through this thought process with me 
one of the biggest MMO veterans in the history of MMO game development, who is Ghostcrawler, famously came from, from World of Warcraft, was then working at Riot for a long time. He was then selected to head their new MMO project. Remember, Riot has infinity money. So if you are an MMO guy and you are given infinity money to make an MMO, why do you think he would leave? Because there's nothing new to do in the genre. <laughs> like it would have to be or the most revolutionary it's not going MMO great, ever. Right? Right? Yeah. No, it's I not mean. going great. Like, well, yeah, because you make an MMO <laughs> and then you realize that there's very little to do to really truly innovate the genre right now, unless it's something no one's ever thought of, right? Um, so yeah, I think it is a kind of a it does and feel like a just want to play classic instead. People want to go back to the yeah. old days. By the way, I've got a story I can tell actually about Riot that people might not know. Monty was there, but I don't know if he even knows this. Last time we when we did all those summoning insight episodes in LA in that like fucking NFL inside the red studio, red zone studio, whatever the fuck. When we had local there, we did the nines, summoning insight, if people remember. And we oh, had yeah, like, Dawn, yeah, yeah. I think we had Dora on an episode. When we were there, yeah, there was local, a night yeah. where Loco, because Loco always knew loads of people within Riot, got us to go to like a party where it was in someone's like backyard, but it's almost like it's almost like a oh, right. type scenario, remember? And it was like there was loads of people drinking beers and there's loads of Riot employees there. And I don't know almost any of them, right? Like I only know like my secret sources that I have. But aside from that, I don't know a lot of like the rank and file or the big names. And I wouldn't I wouldn't know the developers or the balance team by sight. And so what happened was when I was like talking local or whatever, and then he was talking to some girl. Imagine that local just sniffing around all the girls. Oh, hey, Sue. Hey, hey, Jenny, Sue, Mary Sue. What what up? <laughs> I'm loco. Like, doing his fucking act. Like, somehow he just mumbles around there. One of them just accidentally, like, shows she likes him or something. I don't know what his fucking <laughs> game is. It's, it's, but it's, so he won't be doing a pickup artist course anytime soon. <laughs> so during this, right, I thought, whatever. I'll, you know, ingratiate myself with the crowd. So I see there's a group of people there. And one of them looks over like, hey. And I'm like, all right, what's up, mate? And he goes, do you want to do you wanna play this game with us? And I go, what is it, though? I don't know what the game is. And then they were playing some sort of card game. And he, and you'll know this game. It's a college game. He goes, oh, it's this game called like, King's Cup. Where it's one of those ones where you play like a game. And I think the idea is something like, you know, you all put alcohol into a big thing and that someone drinks it at the end. It's one of those like you're drinking oh, games. Yeah, yeah. So we're playing one of these games, right? And as we're playing it, I've been playing it for like, you know, 45 minutes or something. Everything seems to be going fine. Everyone's being quite nice and amiable. And they're all like playing. Oh, so who are you? Uh, and what? This is the thing I'd already like let the guard down. Like, oh, I'm Duncan, you know, I come from the UK. Well, I never said I was Thor or any of that stuff. And I'm hoping, right? Maybe they just maybe maybe they just work in Riot and they have no idea about esports. We'll just all have a cool time and have some drinks. And some guy walks past, right? Like, and then he just does like a mad double take, like, and then he looks to one of the guys there who invited me in to play this game and he goes, dude, is that Thorin? And then the guy goes like, uh, yeah. And they're like, sort of like, like nervously looks away. And I'm like, what? And then he just <laughs> says to him, like, holy shit, does he know who you are? And then he's like, well, well, no, we're just playing the game, whatever. And I was like, whatever, mate, we're just playing. And I never yeah. actually asked, right, who it was. But as far as I uh, can tell, for real, the, the implication was, like, if I knew who it was, I'd go mental or something, right? So I assume it must have been for real, like, Medler or Ghostcrawler or, like, fucking the guy who made the Neonomicon or Morello or whatever. It had to have been one of these fucking guys. So all you need to know is there is some, like, crazy story where it's possible I actually, like, played a game with them without knowing and then they just pretended not to know who I was the whole time. So. See, this sounds like a, a great, right like, games, a, yeah. this is like a great movie or sitcom yes. setup where it's, like, Thorin and a prominent rioter end up crashing on an island together. They don't know who each other are. And they have to learn to like live together and they there grow really close. And then one day during a deep personal conversation, it comes out and then yes. there's this great rift, you know?
It's all like an esports enemy mine, if people know the reference. Yeah, that's a great sport. movie. Nobody yeah. knows about that movie. But it's that too is old, a great isn't it? Movie. It's too old. This is a great yeah. movie. It's a very unique plot. If people have never seen it, check it out. We won't yeah. give a spoiler. Give you. Yeah. Just imagine me and a riot doing that. Basically, <laughs> I, I could, I could see that. Which one would you be though? I'd be the Dennis Quaid character, the human, obviously. Oh, They'll okay. be the alien so. character, you know, quite, quite adapt to my world or whatever, because, you know, metaphorically You would have to riot, take care it? of their child later in life, though. Maybe, Maybe you, we'll see how that turns out, you know. Well, that's the joke. In, in the end, they make Valorant, and I'm actually Spoiler the one alert. who has to come and save Valorant, obviously. <laughs> so the theme, it all checks out. I was from Counter-Strike anyway. There you go. I always knew, yeah. But do you have a party, say... by the way, oh, do you have, ahead. like, a parting story for us or something? You've got, like, one last tale you could tell um, us or something to reminisce about? Well, let's see. I mean, there's been there's been so much stuff over the years. I'm trying to think of something that like hasn't been said. Is there a good Monty story no one knows about? Put it this way: the statute of limitations. Oh. A lot of this stuff's passed. So, <laughs> is there a good Monty story about behind the scenes or something well, ridiculous so, about him? So, I'll tell you something. Maybe I said this on stream before, but this is this is something about uh, whenever uh, you know. I I don't play a ton of games of League of Legends with Monty. And uh, and uh, I, I never really have. But whenever I do, it always goes the same way. I always pick like Blitzcrank or something like that. One of the hook champions. I always pick some sort of bloodthirsty support or whatever. And the game always goes with me trying to make these. Him and I are in a lane together or something. Or he's jungling. Usually he's jungling. And, and uh, you know, I try to make all these plays. And, you know, sometimes they go great. Sometimes they, know, got, not, they don't go so <laughs> great. But at one point, every single game, I just hear in, in comms, Monty just goes, can we just start playing seriously now? Yeah. <laughs> every single, okay. every single right. time. Okay. There's like a limit. Okay. He hits right. his limit and he's like, all right, I actually, okay. I, no, the I'm too competitive. Over, I have to win yeah. this game. Okay. So Monty's that's, that's that guy of League of Legends with Monty. Okay. Okay. Like, guys, <laughs> we just get serious already. There's LP on the line here. Like, <laughs> okay. Exactly. Right. This is a serious well, game of okay. esports competition. In that case, bear in mind the story I told earlier. Good job, me and Monty never played together. We connect the two there stories. It would be the worst of all, wouldn't it? It'd be the worst possible scenario. It was always a ton of fun, but we don't we don't play a ton of games in league together anymore. There you go. <laughs> no, we just played Deep Rock Galactic and Sea of Thieves. Yeah, or and Diablo Four. We're definitely going to play the crap yeah, out of that. We played sure. a ton of Diablo Three. Yeah, here's There's, the yeah. thing. I got to tell you about V Rising, oh, by the way. It's a vampire uh, survival. Oh yeah, that one's game. fun. Kind of... Yeah, yeah. I start. We've got a server. off to off to get you in there. Okay. Anyway. What I will say is this: as people will know from last year, when Monty did all those streams, they had the couch stream, and door was there. Like, mm. depending on what's going on with our company, we do have plans in the future to do league related things, watch parties. Look, if we can ever get core stream, we would do it. It's just spoiler. They won't give us that because the ultimate <laughs> revenge would be that Monty and Door really core stream. Oh right. Well, the, okay. though you you don't have co-streaming automatically if you're in the league partner program. You used to, but they changed it to make it very limiting. Um, and it, this was right after I had Monty on my my first co-stream I ever did. I don't know if that's Wait. connected. They said it that's wasn't, but works. anyway. Uh, so I don't know if I actually can, but I am still in the league partner program, which they might have forgotten. But I but I am currently. So we'll see what we can do. So I can, can tell you at some point you will see Door again, potentially in league related. At a minimum, oh, you'll well, be on LFM. What, what, what I will say is that, you know, we've been teasing this for a while, but I think this summer, uh, Doe and I are going to start a nerd culture show on mm -hmm. Blast Free Nation. So that's going to be tracking, like, basically whenever a new season of whatever garbage comes out, Rings of Power, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, whatever sci-fi so or fantasy shows. House of Dragon. <laughs> yeah, get House of Dragon. What, what else is coming out, Doe? You know better than I do. Uh, I mean, we're we're in a little bit of a drought for a while now because all the be stuff some more has Star Wars stuff eventually, out, right? Like, 
Yeah, there's a Shoka coming out at some point. There's a skeleton crew. Uh, I mean, Picard season three would have been a good one to talk about. But the new stuff, season you know? of Strange New Worlds is coming out too in the middle. I of I mean, June. and also like we would we would both watch Fast X and give our our opinions on that. I just saw <laughs> Fast X last night and it was amazing. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. Don't give me that look for him. You know I love that series. It is <laughs> it is a great series. It's a great series. Anyway, uh, the the point is is that uh, we're, Doe and I are going to do a show together soon where we're going to start talking about that. As we said with Last Free Nation, we want to do non esports content as well. So yeah. we've been talking about doing this for a long time. It will probably go with me getting super angry, Doa trolling me to make me more angry, <laughs> and then Doa being Only a ridiculous apologist for whatever <laughs> whatever is going it's on. Just my perspective. But uh, we will have to go back and rewatch. And I don't hate everything. Like we didn't do one on Andor, but I quite liked Andor, for example. I yeah. actually liked Worlds as well. I, I enjoyed season one of that. It Picard's wasn't as good as the three Picard was good too. It was all right. Yeah. Picard so. season one and two were brash television, but season three was great. <laughs> so we will we will start doing that. It's just been in the pipeline for a while, but uh, I think now is now is a good time to get rolling with that kind of content as we continue to expand the network. So. We'll Absolutely. we'll let you guys know. You know, one of the advantages of of having our network of shows is that when we start this stuff, we'll just tell you about it on all the other shows. So you'll you'll hear about it, and we'll probably start a new YouTube channel for that one. So just be aware that that'll be coming. And if you want to see it, leave a comment on the video and tell us how much you want to see it. That'll help us yeah. do it faster. <laughs> yeah. And you do want to see it. You do. Yeah, and also give us Twitch Primes now. That all helps to contribute to these things. Subscribe <laughs> to our Discord. That's Free Nation Discord. We get a nice cut yep. of the money. Basically, these are all things you can do. If you want to see, it's like a hostage scenario here. If you want to see Dora again, healthy and doing <laughs> games you like and topics you like, give us the money. Otherwise, you know, maybe there's less of him next time. Exactly, exactly. Maybe it all goes up in flames at that point. Maybe Monty has yeah. to burn the whole thing down and get the insurance money at the end. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, it's been yeah. fun. Congratulations to you guys on your 200th episode. That's that's, right. that's a, a a mark that not a lot of shows in not just esports, but I feel like any of the podcast sphere has has to hit. So that's pretty huge. So thanks for yeah. Having me on. I, I, it's, I, it's, I also don't know like how many how many views we've gotten, but it's just like it's insane. Probably you hundreds know, of millions, just, like, three or yeah, four. Yeah, at least. It, like, yeah, millions, millions and millions and millions of yeah. viewed hours. Million. I mean, this is regardless like this is the biggest esports podcast of all time period you know so it's fun it's fun to be able to get here all Indeed. right yeah thanks for having me on there thank we go. you go to break right we're gonna try the tag team format here by having two people <laughs> at the same time just the schedule of when people are available we've obviously got amazing here who actually appeared on episode 68 of summoning insight back in february of 2016 think it through on the timeline so he was in tsm in 2014 like this is basically when enough time and distance had been put in the past that amazing came out of his ptsd from like seeing summoning insight streams go up and you know oh and what about tsm the this week once and basically you know at that point in time he'd been in origin enough he chilled out he'd obviously let him let out of all of his aggression with the fight club that was happening with him and mythy every fucking practice session apparently and then after that you know he, he yeah. came to jesus and finally we, he brought the prodigal son came back Look, to european by, legend special by the way i Did have you? i just i just saw the headline of that um of your latest you know that reflections interview and i haven't had a chance to listen to it yet but i th i feel like there's a good tie-in here about what the were you were you 
you fighting with Mithy? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, like, I mean, no, 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 no. Me and Mithy, we're, okay, we're arguing really loudly, right? So, like, we're just, like, people just left the room at some point after, like, half an hour. They're like, um, you know, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I don't need to listen to this. This is not productive. But we never fist fought. I, but, uh, actually, I don't know if I, if, I, if I could even say this. There was never a fist fight, but there was someone that uh, might have punched a table before he punched the table another time. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> you know. That's why the joke is, when I heard that story about that certain French player who doesn't like connect on, I just thought, mate, that's just a dead in the why. What are you talking about? It's fucking Soaz, isn't it? We all know who he is. That's just who he is. Like, he's a sick player, you know. There you go. That's all you need to know. Basically, and then the other guest, oh, of course, like is Yamato Cannon here, who actually, I will say, a travesty is, even though he was in European League of Legends all these years, didn't get to appear on this show till something mad like 2020. That's how long it took before. Wait, we really? Fuck that, yeah. man. Maybe he might, he might have been on like one of the predictions episodes. Somewhere. I will say this, though. Congrats to Yamato Cannon, because people are going to think, what are you talking about? He's jobless at the moment. He's doing No, because actually his girlfriend, Tifa, just won a League of Legends cop the other day. So at least yes. within the family, there's still some success there. There's still some, some championship mentality, you know. There's some there's something going on there, mate. Okay, okay. I can't hate on that. I'm her biggest no. fan, so I can't hate on that. Yes, no. FIFA, let's go. And all, I'm, and all I'm gonna say is just like everything else you've ever done, you might oh, big fan of your work. Well done. <laughs> I keep it real, mate. You know, I have it. Keep it real, mate. I keep, yeah, I man, keep I'll it take real. it. I'll take yeah, it. You said it. You said worse shit. Yeah, you know. Obviously, he was a huge fan of Final Fantasy VII, I guess. Who knew, right? You know, we all we all fell in love, right? Let's oh, wait, 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 wait. I want to get this. I want to get this straight. Tifa has actually won a title before you did. Yeah, it was nice. like a cop, but yeah, sure. <laughs> you know. that's rough. That's I won amazing. some go for lows in my yeah. days. You know, you some go for lows, some four PLs. Against me, he actually won a cup against me. With Heimer Dingas Colossi. What I'm going to say is, to be fair, she does play in a team that is literally called G2 Hell. And I'm not talking about the contract prison people like Mickey X used to be in. (laughs) (laughs) That's for another day. That's for another day. He's still on the team. That's all good. It's all good now. It's all forgotten. Water under the bridge. That's true, actually. People forget back in the day, Yamato. Here's the one part about your character that I can't believe you've gotten away with, mate. People obviously said, like, you know, he's just got the voice or he's just doing the speeches. Why do they never bring up that? You were part of some of the most infamously toxic groups of players <laughs> to ever play League of Legends. Like, were you? Re- you must have been spicy as fuck back in the day when you were a top player, mate. Come on. I think, honestly, I was very spicy, but I was clever about it. You know, it's okay. like I made sure there was no screenshots left behind. You know, it's like, there you go, right? Okay. It was all in the team speak rooms. Okay. You know, he deleted the evidence. Yeah. He, he he learned how to deal with lawyers. Yes. It's like you never write the email; you always yeah. make the phone call. <laughs> yes, indeed. It was just it was just a part of the vibe, you know. Back then, it's so it's like you just had enemies in every team back then. I, yeah. it was just it was just a part of it. Like I, I, mean, the- I mean, amazing. I had enemies on fucking talk shows. So fucking, they're just everywhere. <laughs> Every, you know, enemies everywhere. It's like, I remember, amazing. You were an Acer, right? Acer? Yeah. I hated yeah. your top lane. I don't remember who it was, but I hated your top lane. I don't even know why. I, yeah, I just, uh, we were enemies. He hated me, probably. Nice I hated him. <laughs> it was just, just enemies, you know? It was just part of, part of the game back then. You know, someone writes some shit, someone ints you, and then you have enemies. It's like there was endless and shit back then. Like, I remember there was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Linak. He had me on his end list, and every oh, time I was on his team, 
He picked Randu, he would walk up to me, he would pillar me while I'm laning, and he would write Dildo in all chat. And I, <laughs> he would just do this every fucking I game. I love he it. Was just, he would just pillar me it. and just write Dildo in all chat. And that was, I love it. That was my punishment, I guess. Was just, uh, fuck. This, this is why esports was more fun back in the day before the, the chat police came to, to destroy every game that you had. By the way, if you, if you guys didn't know, this was before the Trundle rework, when his base skin... Um, was like it was like it was called Pillar of Filth, but everybody just called it shit dildo. Um <laughs> yeah. Pillar of Filth sounds like a fucking black metal band as well, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it was so gross that everybody just called it shit dildo so that they turned him into an ice champion later to uh to stop the the disgusting <laughs> trolling that was happening to Yamato. Yeah. By the way, Yamato, I've got a question for you. Look, I don't so, want to put you on the spot, but I'll put you on the spot. I saw you did that brilliant fucking like speech that you did the hype up speech for Cloud Nine or whatever oh, it was yeah. during the MSI. <laughs> so what I thought was you don't have to do one of those, but can you just give us because you've got the voice for it, you got the you got the on camera presence. Can you give us sort of some hype for the fact it's that we've had two hundred episodes of of summoning insight, the ultimate <laughs> trash? Hey, let, let, let me pull give up. Me let me pull up Chat GPT right now, yeah, man. Come let me, on. Let me, come on. Let me, Sorry, I need Yeah, you. You figure it out. You figure it out. Let me marinate something while you guys just continue. I'll marinate something. So amazing. You know, back in the day when I would make videos and post tweets, and what would happen is people would just like not only misconstrue what I was saying, they'd read the worst intentions into it and they'd think I was a villain or a bad guy just for some tweets. Out that age, out that age then. Are you you feeling me? Isn't that the world you live in right now? Isn't that the last few years for you, mate? Isn't people hating on you just an occupational hazard at this point in time? I think my Twitter is so dead that I don't think people even hate oh, on right. me anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's like the opposite of love is indifference. I think that's yes. where they're at. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, Fair enough. <laughs> no, it's it's interesting, though. No? Like that if if like when you when you're when you're like, like at the top of what is when you're kind of like popular, what is everything you say? Like nobody what is like. Oh man, this guy's so great. You know, it can, it can be the worst tweet imaginable. It's still like oh, people will defend it. And as soon as you're like someone in the bad bad breath of of people. Suddenly, like everything you say is mis- it's just you know, yes. like it has nothing to do with what you say actually. It has just to do with how people perceive you. And I find that I find that absolutely fascinating. You know, I don't think I changed at all. I think I've always been the same way. You know, I think you have always been the same way too. Like there's, uh, like you you might have gotten like a bit more like you know like doing this once in a while. You know, a bit more aggressive, a bit more yeah. passive. You know, but but still, you know, like going through ways and uh, it's in, it's it's fascinating. I I gotta say, you know, like but. Um, I'm happy to piss off the people I'm pissing off at this point in time. So I think you might be too. I mean, I just have the vibe. It's like that movie Dazed and Confused, the Matthew McConaughey character. It's sort of like, you know, that's what I love about these fucking League of Legends plebs. I get older. They stay the same age. Exactly. Well, also, also amazing as we see the beautiful background that you're in right now. I mean, you have more freedom because you don't, you know, your your the League of Legends professional career is now behind you. So what are what are you up to these days? I mean, he's literally jungling apparently. He's in the fucking forests, you know, <laughs> checking stuff out. You know, still open diamond proxies around the corner. <laughs> yeah, not again. No, I I mean I've I've been studying a bit, uh, a bit now. Like I've been taking taking as many classes as I can uh, to get to a psychology degree as soon as possible. We're still in taking a couple America. of years, obviously, in the US. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, it was great to come here. Like I thought about it for a long time, what I want to do in, in, uh, like after this whole debacle of the last couple of years, because of, uh, you know, I don't know, just like going from, from six figure salary, whatever it is, and then, you know, going to basically zilch. 
And uh, I don't know, like, I thought about studying and then I thought about the places and I was like, well, if I do it, I got to do it in North California, you know, because I, I fell in love with North Carolina in general. Um, so I just picked out the places and uh, tried to make it as memorable of an, ex memorable of an experience as possible. And now, uh, just traveling around for my semester, uh, what is it like, the, the end of the semester, and like doing some outdoors, camping and whatever it is. So I know, I just, it, it, the freedom that I've gained by not being in esports anymore, uh, has enriched my soul to say the least. <laughs> Here's the thing, amazing. I know how you can get the most banger thesis of all time for your psychology course. You just hit up that old Greek AD carry you used to play with. Mate, you could write a fucking, you could probably like win some award yeah, for that. Or you, you could get like a Nobel Prize <laughs> and you forgot what was going on in his mind. What the fuck he was. Like, I'll tell people a quick story from some of the insight that Yankos told us years ago. And if you know this story, you know the actual, you think Forgiven was just really good, all you fancy. He was just really good and a bit troublesome. If you know this story, you will know he was on levels of crazy no one's ever reached. So Yankos, one of the best junglers ever, was his jungler. And he would say that Forgiven would lane, and you know you always whined about being 2v3 because the jungler comes. No, no. He would say that if Yankos came to cover and counter gank, he would be like, why the fuck you come here? Like, we are, we will win 2v3. You should have farmed another camp. And it's like, if you're the jungler, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, And so like, if, if the levels he was on, mate, he was on, he was on another is, level. It is. There's no right decision with Forgiven. You know, you come down to cover, uh, you should have found another camp. You don't come down to cover, uh, you should have come down to cover, and then he's going to flame you anyway. So, like, you kind of have to be in this it's juxtaposition of, like, farm, like, farming and covering at the same time, you know? So yes. I think the crap ex being in the game, like, on both sides, has actually really helped Forgiven, you know, to kind of, like, right. uh, yes. mitigate it, you know? So yes. he's like, oh, my dog is a river. Yeah, he can come. <laughs> so he's basically like that meme of the dog where it's like, throw this frisbee and then it's like don't take don't take but throw <laughs> he's like wait for now he's like lane like gank yeah. but don't gank but farm but be ready to gank but don't be ganking because you should be farming it's like please uh, there's three other people it, in the game i'm going to deal every with game <laughs> every game is such a surprise to forgive him too that's the funniest thing about it. you know every game is a surprise to him you know like you 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 play with him, you know, he he leashes you, so obviously you're gonna be on the top side. And then he's surprised that you're not gonna be bottom level three. You know, he's like, hmm, how did this not happen? You know, he's like <laughs> it's, it's like and every time he flames the same way, it doesn't change. You know, it's not like he, he advances somebody's like, Well, this is this is now a change of mind. I should probably alter my gameplay a bit. No, 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 no. It just keeps going the same way. It doesn't matter. It's not new game, yeah. new rules. <laughs> I'll just say by the way, just for completeness, because I saw someone in the chat tried to like tag on to the joke as they always do like, I'm helping, like you're not helping shit. Someone went, and then he died 2v3. It's like, no, you moron. Actually, you've missed the whole point of the story. Forgiven was so good. He would win 2v3, but then here's the problem. He would come out of the game, and if you're the star player, you're supposed to, like, spread the love around and be like, you know, thanks, guys, help me. He'd come out and be like, well, I fucking won 2v3. What were you guys doing? Like, <laughs> so you, can, you can never win with this guy. You have to understand. It's why, in some ways, he was great, but he's also a very unusual figure. Yeah. <laughs> have you got something for Gimato? Come on, you no, must have no, something. I, I, you mean, like, the chat GP thing? I, I, yeah. I wanted to say about Forgiven... I remember I ran into him and Vander at like an after party. I don't remember which event it was. I think it was when they played like third place match against Unicorns of Love or something. Okay. And then it's like, I ran into them at the after party. They won. And then the whole time, Forgiven just talks about how he has to educate Vander on everything that he needs to do in the game. And I can just see how Vander, he oh, doesn't he react. stood there, right? Stood there, he as he said. <laughs> and he, he has accepted a long time ago that this is just what he does. Yes, yes. He's sitting there, he has this drink in his hand, and he's like, Vander, you know, I have to tell him all the time what the fuck he needs to do. He doesn't do it if I don't tell him. And Vander's like, yeah, this is just my life. It's, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> it's all mad, isn't it? Oh, man. Okay, I cooked something up. I cooked Come something on. up for you. 
Come on. Well, ChatGPT did, but I'm just going to deliver it. You yeah. know, it's like, all right. Are you guys going to cue some music or you're going to, we're just going to do it. Do we have that uh, technology? Do we have, do we have some music we can play for him? <laughs> Hold on. We're talking to a producer. Yeah. The interstellar yeah. song. Do it. Go on. No, nah, I meant yeah. more for, for the homies, for, for oh, the right. people in the, in, in the video, but make sure it doesn't get copyright struck or some shit. You know? Oh, right. Oh, it will. Yeah, true. Don't worry. We can fine. do an acapella. Fuck it. Let's do an acapella. Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed guests, today we gather to celebrate an extraordinary milestone. The 200th episode of Summoning Insight. We are here to honor and pay tribute to the hosts of this remarkable show, whose dedication, insight, and friendship have shaped the esports landscape. For 200 episodes, these hosts have guided us through the highs and lows of esports, providing unparalleled analysis and captivating discussions. But what sets them apart is the genuine friendship and camaraderie they share, inspiring greatness and uniting us as a community. Today, <laughs> we express our deepest gratitude to these hosts for their unwavering commitment and their unwavering friendship. They have poured their hearts and souls into summoning insight and we are the fortunate recipients of their wisdom and humor. Let us raise our glasses, apparently, and toast to these extraordinary hosts whose dedication, knowledge, and friendship have made Summoning Insight the iconic show that it is today. Here's to 200 incredible episodes and the lasting legacy of Summoning Insight. There you go. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Yeah. Save us. It's a cheer, It's a cheer. Score. Cheers. Cheers. Bruce. Not bad. Not bad. Thank you. Okay. Chat, robot. And Yamato Cannon. <laughs> I don't know what it feels like to be in Vitality. I'm like, fuck, I can go and I can beat all these jungles. Oh, shit, I'm Gilius. Oh, well, you know what? It was a cool speech anyway. And I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. can't do that, man. Can't do that, Listen, man. Listen, here's the thing about Gilius you guys don't know. Because I had him on a few shows. And he isn't totally like that guy. It's like He's a funny guy and he just has a bit of trash talk. Because he sort of realized early on, I'm like the final boss for him at the top of the dojo. And if he fucks with me, I will absolutely just like teleport behind him and eviscerate his soul. He just, he can take it he can take being the odd butt of the joke as long as you don't go too far like i will say there was a tweet he did like last week where he instantly i, I feel bad now because i did just a good like i did like a little raise back to him right and it was just too good so he deleted the tweet because he did some tweet where it was like oh guys like i'm gonna be streaming or something but my fucking knees are really killing me and i just replied like oh so that's how you got so that's how you get on dom's core stream then he was like bro just deleted the tweet immediately it's actually oh, shit. It's harmless fun. It's nice that he was innocent enough to tweet that without thinking of the ramifications. No, it's so you know? sad, isn't it? I thought when he when he did <laughs> it, I almost innocent. felt like just taking a little kid's candy in that moment. Like, ah, oh, this is this is at all. I love the elegance of Thorin to find a way to introduce a deleted tweet to the conversation. And yeah. <laughs> Listen, I I need to get my likes off, motherfucker. I'm putting quality material out there and you're just fucking sabotaging it. I don't think so, Gilius. So understand. I can't <laughs> jungled your ass and I'm getting this LP. Understand that? <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Bro, I just realized that me and Amazing, we were actually on a team. You remember the yeah. shit fucking yeah. you play? We played with these oh, fucking my lo- we- bozos. Jesus Christ. Okay, we, we played we played one tournament and it was for AAA in it was Chief <laughs> That's when I, we we actually like, in the first game we played against Curse Academy, I think, right? Like we 
I think we, I was I was like four zero, you were like two zero, and yeah, like yeah. everyone else in, the, in like my mid laner who was playing Anivia, he was he I don't know what the fuck he was, was doing. It Lego my ego, Lego my ego, yeah, yeah, and he oh, he, had a, he had like AD runes on his on his AP Anivia, and he, <laughs> he 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 lost by twenty CS, so he couldn't even last it with those. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was Belter on Jace. And then yeah, he asked, what yeah. the fuck do you have AD runes? He's like, I wanted to match his AD. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it's coming back. <laughs> Shit. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. You're kind of, you're kind of in contract hell at that point. Like, I tried to convince you to stay on for the tournament, you know? <laughs> and then, like, you actually stayed on for that tournament. And then <laughs> we get a free flight to London, which is not bad. We got a good hotel, yeah. too, you know, like, whatever it is. And the, the owner of AA was really nice, you know? I got to admit, you know, he was nice to me, at least, you know? Like, but that tournament was absolute dumpster fire. You know, got, you got zero, what were it, three, zero three, and we're out, basically. And then we went home. Bro, we, we lost the Giants, giants yeah. with like the th like they were like 40 years old back then. They were playing against the lost against Giants, lost against Curse. I remember we walked yeah. in and like I saw the Call of Duty guys like play the tournament like right next to the to, to us. Yeah. And I just saw how they were like standing up between us, like <laughs> yeah, you woo! and I was like, holy shit, I want to do that. <laughs> we were just like, I was we were playing against Curse sitting right in front of them, and I'm like, I solo killed what's his name. It was like this, the guy was like 14 years old or some shit. And I just stood up, yeah, fuck you up. Take that. <laughs> it was a complete fucking mess. And I remember at the end of it, it's like the owner of AAA, he brought his wife to the event, right? And like, I was like oh, 16. He, uh, he was like, he was, I was like 15 or something. And then like, she greeted us. And I was like, she was like, actually in France, you greet with a kiss. And I was like, well, I don't want to take the owner's money and his wife. And... <laughs> this was like worst comment. This yeah, was, was the worst comment to make in the moment because AAA didn't pay me shit. Like they didn't pay me. They 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 still owe me money to this day, and I think it's because of that fucking moment in time. So at least I have a story to share. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Gfinity, man. <laughs> and then, then AA actually suspended their League of Legends thing afterwards entirely, I think. Like, right after. Like, we play that tournament, they're like, oh, it's good enough, you know? <laughs> we don't need to watch it, you know, more payments. It's okay, you know? <laughs> oh, man. By the way, Yamato, have you ever actually yeah. had, like, good NA offers? Have you ever thought yeah, about doing yeah. the NA trip and going to a team? Well, back in 2020, right, when, when COVID was, like, peaking, I actually signed the contract with Team Liquid. I signed the contract Ooh, okay. in Liquid for two years, but then we basically like we agreed if I if I have to work remotely, fuck that. And it was like right when Trump was like escalating things, like closing uh, off borders. COVID yeah, I mean, was you couldn't mess. get visas at the like, time was a mess. For, yeah. for Europeans. And then, and then I was just I just pivoted and went to Sandbox, right? So that was like one moment. Like 2016, I had like a ridiculous like money offer from uh, from probably energy or something like that. I think like I think it might have been Immortals like, oh, okay. like back then like 2016 but I was like yeah I'm gonna continue in Europe with the Splice Boys and see see what happens you know uh, so there's definitely been like moments in time but I, I I think just in terms of the opportunity cost I was always always like a, a lot more careful like if that came like back in season five and I had some like fat NA offer that was like the the dream time to move over to. The, the North America. It's like the five point fucking five k meme, <laughs> you know, came from somewhere, right? <laughs> what about though the current time period? Because I've heard your name was in the mix of a couple of the jobs of like the failing big teams that people might imagine you might get brought in for, and maybe you said no, or maybe they didn't have the money you wanted. Well, should we? Will we see you soon as a coach? Can do you think? 
I think uh, like uh, I've I've definitely like I've declined a couple of offers here. Yeah. Uh, I think now I've gotten a lot more selective in where I want to work because it's like I don't want to fucking pour myself into something and get rug pulled, you know, two years later yeah. because the direction fucking shifts or uh, you know they are being being pushed from a different direction that has happened many times. So I'm a lot more selective. And it feels good to like build on my own foundation because like you always stand on someone else's rug, you know, it fucking feels like shit sometimes when you know coming into the off season that you have very limited power, you know? It's like I was in Vitality for two and a half years, right? And then they chose to go in a different direction, which is fair, you know, you did, that's that's their option. But the, the entire off season I was spending building uh, what I believed was the future of Vitality. And then I went a different direction yeah. and then it is what it is, you know, it's just a part of esports, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 a very weird juxtaposition to always be in. Like when you're when you're in the off season, like you you cannot think that let's say you have a one and a half year contract or this, and then suddenly like just literally just take it away from you, and you you're mentally preparing already for the next season. You think about oh we fucked up this season, that's what we did, and we should have adapted in that way. And you try to do that in your head, and suddenly you get like, and you're gone. You know, like yeah, very next it. day. I don't like no, it. For sure. Uh, it's, it's it's a part of the game. I, I I get that, but now it's like I'm trying to build like the floor that the fucking carpet is under, and I'm very selective with my yeah. carpet. <laughs> so it's big. well, plus I mean, well, to be fair, like the... some of the teams you were in, mate, the carpet ended up having a few bodies rolled up it that were dumped behind a fucking dumpster, and we don't speak about <laughs> some of the players that run some of these teams, mate. Some of the players that you've been within the LEC just disappear from LEC forever. Where the fuck's that bot lane gone? Where's Reckless? What's going on? Where are these people? Wonder, are you out there? Has anyone seen Wonder put an APB out? Fucking hell, this is mental. Where are they, all these players? Maybe the experience is just too good with you, mate. After you, they're like, you know what? It's not playing playing league anymore. Coach doesn't honestly, even know give a speech. Honestly, that is probably probably what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think also, I mean, you've been you've been streaming a lot, and your content creation stuff is going well, right? So you know, do you? Do you need to, you don't, you don't have to be, you can afford to be picky, I guess is what I'm saying about. Yeah, 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 no, for sure. Because like you're keeping yourself very busy. By the way, that's an aside. Here's a little story about Yamato that people won't know. Here's how I actually know he is legit. Because you all, you guys do all think he just does like they're fucking good on camera. And maybe he's even a coach. Whatever, all that fucking crap from four years ago is still a topic, right? All you need to know is this. When he had that year off where he wasn't coaching anyone, right? A lot of people have tried like hitting me up like, oh, I might do some content. Like you give me some pointers. And what I do is this. I never like give unsolicited advice. So I'll just give like a very basic, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe do your own show or something, you know. And then what you do is you see if they're going to like either put some more energy into it or they're going to pick it up and run with it and he actually was asking me all stuff like can, like what do you do when you do a show like how do you structure it what do you do like this like and i even gave him this is how you know he's legit i even gave him one of the rare scripts for thorin's thoughts but i will say part of why i did it was like this yamato because everyone thinks oh fucking hell this must be the shit when this comes over it's going to be like detailed but the reason is i i also send it low-key to like maintain dominance and intimidate other content creators because what you find when the script comes in is it's just like single words on like a thing of like talk about team play and, that. Like, and I'm just, now, and I am just <laughs> it's good though isn't it because here's yeah. the thing that you learned about with if you actually did a script you'd be reading it and it wouldn't be interesting but if you do it this way it structures your thoughts but you flow between them don't you talk between if you can talk especially you keep it rolling and you just find a way to go between so yeah no I saw immediately you, you did loads of videos so yeah you were one of the few people who actually took it to heart mate yeah fair play no for sure it's like i remember i had that conversation with you and i remember that to this day and i remember also with monty 2015 like when we were fucking doing the world stuff 
It's like, I remember we went outside for the fucking cigarettes, whatever the fuck. And you told me stick to fucking coaching. It's going to fucking pay off. And I remember those fucking words to this day. I also remember we were called <laughs> a toxic cesspool of negativity. I remember all everything that went down. By the way, that, was, that, was, that story needs to be told now. Cause that was like too <laughs> fucking funny, actually. Okay. So, so, so basically uh, this was Dash's first worlds and like it, we were in what group stages or something. And Yamato yes, and I yes. were on the desk and we were just like power shitting on all of the teams and like we were having this we were having this meeting um where it, you know just about the desk and like what we we're gonna do that day and I, I think like dash was like i don't want the desk turning into a toxic cesspool of negativity was that right i thought it was uh i thought it was riot magus that brought oh, the message yeah, to that's us right our favorite i thought he My was because cause dash was was chill you know dash was yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah dash was cool he was we were drinking and shit you know we were <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Was, yeah was this, this was dash's first world that's right so he was um you know he was kind of like feeling it out still he was he was new at the time yeah yeah yeah. so anyway yeah it was the you're right it was the riot management who was like the desk is a toxic cesspool of negativity and so like it just became a like a joke that yamato and i have now said for years back and forth like our private meme of like being a toxic cesspool of negativity dude if we ever in the future if we ever get the budget because you know you gotta have that fucking prime cheddar they fucking skrill if you want to get Yamato involved just I've heard some things behind the scenes if we ever do a show that Yamato features on we'll have Monty and him on it it'll be called a toxic cesspool of negativity and shit whatever that line is that'll just be the fucking name of the show yeah nice there you go. Oh, man. but yeah it was it was absolutely hilarious because like I, you know, I thought that desk was like going pretty well and it was funny and like everybody was enjoying themselves and it was, it was just like a really shocking thing to hear from them. Oh. And also just hilariously, it was just such, it was, it was like such hilarious hyperbole, uh, so extreme, like such an extreme characterization of people just trying to yeah. talk about the game. So right, amazing. I've got to ask you for a story because here's Bring the it. thing. I just published the second part of my Sven interview. And yeah. this one had too many quotes that could be the headline. So I used as a headline quote because it's so incredible. Everyone knows the stories the Reggie where one? Reggie comes busting in the review room like the Kool-Aid man, like, and then comes in and starts saying stuff to people. Why are you buying those boots? Why are you doing that? And famously, right, the story <laughs> in this interview, which is wild, is that literally, apparently, Bjergsen and Parth would just tell new members to the team, like, look, when Reggie comes in, doesn't matter what he says, just agree. Otherwise, it'll take like 20 minutes extra and he's just going to battle you. So just agree with it and let him leave and then he'll leave the room but apparently Sven said some of the stuff he said like one of them and this is the headline and this is amazing Monty is he actually would come in and say stuff like he'd like go around the room giving everyone all their different thoughts you know why didn't you buy those boots what are you doing and then he said for real he apparently tell, told Sven once why are you dodging Kaiser Q which is a targeted ability so I wondered does amazing that's fucking amazing by the way do you have any do you have any fun stories about Reggie it doesn't have to be a bad one do you have a fun one for us come on there must be something good you can tell us a good story um, what is what is or a classic Reggie story, you know? Oh man, what? Uh, I mean, there there are multiple ones that I I enjoyed personally. Like, I mean, it was it wasn't necessarily like just Reggie was like just from the outside it would have been situational comedy, I guess. Like just the entire surrounding, and it's like um, like what one one of okay, <laughs> okay, this was between me and Reggie. This is pretty fun. I don't know if I told the story before, but I was I was watching um. I woke up, I, sleeping issues, whatever. So I woke up at like 5 a.m. in the morning and I was watching EU Finance, right? So I was like uh, fanatic against, uh, what's what's their face? Um, Alliance. Alliance, and were, yeah. Like, 
Yeah, and I think I think Pekka was playing Kasselin, right? And I was just watching with Dylan Falco, who was our analyst at the time. He just woke up really early too, and we just we just watched it together. And <laughs> Reggie just joins TS. You know, I don't know why he's up at that hour either. You know, like I have no idea. So he joins at that hour too, right? And we're we're all kind of watching watching that that thing. You know, like and that's this one scene uh, scenario where uh, Pekke like went out or something like that in a team fight, and he sh- he could have maybe stayed in for a bit longer and aced him or whatever. And like out. And suddenly, like, um, I, me and Dylan, Dylan kind of agreed on something. Like, oh, he should have should stayed in there. And Reggie was like, no, he should have gone out way earlier. And I think that was an absolute mistake. I'm like, Reggie, that's, a, that's all I think. Um, I don't know. Like, I think I think he would have died. Like, he, uh, like something like, he would have died too quickly or something like that would have happened. So I don't agree with Reggie. And Reggie was like, uh, so you, you're saying that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm saying that. Like, and then literally that conversation, I'm not joking, from 5 a.m. in the morning till 8 a.m. in the morning, continues didn't least didn't least like an hour later right didn't least like at 6 a.m he's like uh i i gotta go i gotta go and me and reggie <laughs> he knew to just get the fuck out of dodge exactly <laughs> me and reggie just literally I, i'm i'm not exaggerating about this either three hours of arguing and i end, i end the call right and i'm like reggie i've had i've had sleeping issues it's not been good i kind of want to just go back to sleep get another nap in you know so don't mind me i gotta get i gotta get out of here <laughs> and then i just went back to sleep you know so right? when you say that i just imagine dylan falco just being one of those bad friends as well he's like oh yeah hey and sorry maurice i've got to go do that thing and you're like yeah yeah i'm supposed to come with you no no you said you could stay and talk to reggie so you'll talk to him and i'll go like it's probably one of those ones in the room like <laughs> dylan falco the worst wingman exactly exactly <laughs> I love it. No, but I, love it. No, but I, I mean, I love, I, I love me some Reggie, and I'm Like I really, I really enjoyed how he coached and what it is. But some, some things, and also to my personality, I think I might have, might have incentivized it too. Like kind of like the same thing with Mithy, you know, like, like you know, like you have like. You have like someone that's as stubborn as me and someone that's as stubborn as them, and you continuously just argue. And there's, there's absolutely no point. Like from the outside, if you're a sports psychologist on the floor, on the wall, you know, just looking at it, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? You know, like, why? Like, I should probably step in and say something at some point, but there was absolutely nothing that could be done, like, for two to three hours at, at a time. You know, so, uh, I don't know. Like, I, but yeah, he had a, in a, there was one in, one in Korea actually, it was in Taiwan. We, we just played against, uh, against Sound Royal Club and we, we lost against them. Um, and it was like the first, the third game of the first week, and we left up Bringer. And before that, we had this agreement that we're not going to leave up Bringer, and we we're not going to fuck up the pick button. You know, like we're not going to do that. We're not going to play least into it. It's too risky. Um, we do that anyway. Loco and Loco and him kind of screw up the pick button, and I was absolutely furious. And before before the meeting. I went down to the CV, CVS right there and got like two beers, <laughs> chucked them like together with, with Bjergsen and then went into the meeting. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was a good argument. That, you know, like, it was like, you guys fucked up the pick man. Why do you guys do this as coaches? And like, then the blame was shifted onto us. Why are you guys doing this? You know, you should have, should have told us that that should have been that, you know, like, and, like again, you know, two argument at like 10, 10 PM in the, in the night, you know, absolutely useless again, you know, <laughs> <Just move laughs> Like this is where people always tell me, like, oh, you must be loving like TSM never making worlds anymore, like leaving LCS. Like, you idiot. You don't know wrestling. I want them in the 
fucking game. That's the antagonist. Yeah. Like, I used to love people know this. I used to wait until the moment they got eliminated each world, and I would just go ham on fucking Twitter. Like, I remember vividly the season seven one, the one where they lost that embarrassing group of like Misfits and fucking Flash Wolves in, the one where they really should definitely have gotten out of that one, but somehow they fucked it up on like the tiebreakers, I think, or whatever. That was the one where, if you remember, I was literally, I'd already moved to Amsterdam. I was just walking around, and because of the time it was taking place in Asia, it's yeah. like, you know, 10 in the morning or something for me. And it's a beautiful sunny day, believe it or not, in actually Amsterdam. And it's the one where I did that video where I just started singing like, and yet I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And as I say worlds, almost like I had some fucking vision, like Ridley Scott or something. I turned the fucking phone and it captures the sun just as I say worlds just coming behind me. Almost like fucking J.J. Abrams, like a massive lens for like wonderful worlds. As though it was actually like professionally produced. And I was like... Mate, I could do this every year. I used to say that was like my second birthday was the day they get eliminated. I used to just look up when the schedule came out, like what day do they get eliminated What's from groups if they don't? Right, that's set the alarm. For, to, reminder in the calendar three days. You know, listen, we're gonna fucking we're gonna get cooking, baby. This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> Classic. I mean, TSM is actually important for NA. Like, I mean, even that villain that villain version of TSM nowadays. Like, I mean. They didn't always have that Sandy, but like someone has to be a bit like, like someone has someone has to almost absorb the hate in order to elevate the. In a, how do I put this? Someone has to be able to be so hated that if other teams fuck up, like and like do certain things, that it's like it's 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 not that that bad in comparison. Yes. You know? So people yes. have people have more leeway, you know, like down 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 to the negative. So yes. I think that's actually something to think about. Back then, they were just playing the villain. Later on, they just started hiring like low level criminals and people just doing stuff like, oh, just embezzling money. Like, oh, blame this. Like, and people just going, like, oh, no, Veggie's out of control. What's going on? Oh, bloody hell. Oh, shit. Like, that's when it got out. They became like, like a Batman episode or something. You know, everyone's in fucking Arkham now with Veggie and that FTX guy. Peter Zeg thing is still like, that's it's mad, isn't it? Isn't that so bad? It's so fascinating. You know? <laughs> it's all right. Don't worry about it. They're going to chase them all the way to China, dude. Once they're in China, it's it's really just a cover for finding Peter Zhang eventually. <laughs> yeah. uh, that sounds like a great fucking point and click adventure game. Finding Peter Zhang, you are Reginald, <laughs> aka Andy Din. You have gone to China where you must locate Peter Zhang, your former <laughs> team manager and you know potential embezzlement. And get Sword Art's money back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but who? who, who I mean, to, to be fair though, like on Sword Art's part, you know, like I mean. I don't want to be that guy, but he earned like three million, whatever it is a year, right? So, like, I mean, and, and, like, first of all, why does he entrust a coach to sell his car? Like, that that seems kind of like dumb, you know. Maybe whatever you can do that, you know, like instead of just doing it yourself. But like to even be, I mean, at that point, like, you earn three million, could be like, oh man, yeah, well, I guess I lost those thirty thousand. You know, Oof. you know, that's like that's like that's like half, that's less than half a month. That's actually that's like a that's like a week. Of pay. That's actually less than a week. That's literally three days of pay or whatever it is, you know, that he had to run after. So I don't know, man. It's a, it's a mad thing to be mad about, you know. Can <laughs> like, oh man, I guess I lost the payment for two days of work, you know, like of of losing losing in the LCS. <laughs> well, no, the maddest thing to me about that whole story as well is the fact that like. 
it, people also were like, oh, it must have been so tough to land. Like, Sordar, actually, at the end of his long career, think how many years he played in flash roles, mate, where you were probably just getting some, like, pittance of a salary. Yeah. You actually had to perform super well to get... Have any, he had, like, one or so two years in the LPL that probably weren't that great. He was on, like, an OK team. wasn't one of the big orgs. At the end of his career, he just got, like, one of the greatest heists of all time. He came to TSM. They weren't even good anyway. He just fucked around. Didn't even make worlds. And at the end, he just took the entire bag of, like, millions of dollars. <laughs> just fully fucking heel turn like NW da, 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 da. fuck new, new 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 world order just walked off like fucking a giant sack of like millions of dollars from idiot Reggie and all these Americans like say yeah mate, he got away with it and that's a fuck he's gonna be a he's gonna be a fuck hero in the fucking Taiwanese <laughs> esports scene forever <laughs> he came to the west and robbed everyone yeah. fucking, oh, what a legend he was like Robin Hood or something what a fucking G yeah, my, my man's still playing by the way he's still playing oh he is he's fucking still hell. playing yeah. he played the other yeah. day in the LPL he's yeah. a, just vibing <laughs> yeah because he's just sitting on the millions isn't he <laughs> like, yeah cheers and, and then the joke and, and is and Reggie's going to talk yeah. yeah and then you have like I mean like just to just to think about it, you know like he makes three million doesn't make it anywhere right like he just does, he just loses an SES doesn't even make it to words whatever it is and then you had people back in the days like even you know, like your mother were playing golf for your odds you know making 50 bucks as like a whole team you know like everyone gets like 10, 10 euros in RP you know like and they're like happy they're like yeah nice you know I'm finally I'm finally gonna buy that skin you know what it is and now it's like oh I guess I guess one day of payment is like fifteen thousand dollars you know hmm what can I do <laughs> God bless you sports man yeah <laughs> it is what it is I, I look man I have to just say that at the end of the day the bubble popping is probably one of the best things that can happen to esports for me because we're just going to go back to it being slightly scuffed and silly the way that we always yes. enjoyed it but <laughs> like, that's what was fun about it honestly so I hope those I hope we get a new round of those days coming up yeah we, we need I, I mean I, I say this all the time like we need to get like we, yeah, we really get to get back to that stupidity like, to not feel like that we're always obliged to uphold a certain standard. You know, like just going to a shitty tournament and like I don't know going to a shitty as after party. That was that was the fun part of esports. Like having having like the weirdest conversations ever with people that you barely knew. And now this is like it's everyone is just in, everyone's just like handshaking, networking. It's like I don't care about that. I just want to like compete, like have fun. And and enjoy the sport for what it is because it is it is absolutely dumb that we get paid to play video games. It's stupid. It is absolutely stupid. Like it's fine to acknowledge that. That's absolutely dumb. And we should just be happy that we're doing that and not feel like that we're. Uh, this is like taking it too serious takes the fun out of it. It's just not what it is. It's stupid by nature. So treat it as stupid. It's fun. By the way, when you say that about the days when it was like there would be the social scene in Europe, etc. If people don't know, even before perks. You could, if you just went to the bar that everyone would go to after the LEC, you could see who was going to join what team. There was no fucking poaching. There wasn't riot listening. Like, oh, magically that top laner's on this team talking to them. And then they have, they, they're a top laner's underperforming. But that's weird because he's not officially, you could just see what was going to happen. All you need to know is I remember one classic story. I won't say who. I'll keep the name secret. Maybe people can guess, but just do it privately, obviously. As I remember going to one of those and at the end, one player, who was a very famous player, was so drunk. He was like, has anyone got any weed? Like, first of all, we're in Germany, bro. Like, you don't just say that out loud on the street. But secondly, like, someone was like, oh, I think maybe someone does. They're like, why, you smoke? And he goes, no, but I want to. And I was just thinking, like, this is the moment you're going to first try. Like, you just piss drunk at the end of, like, a fucking LEC day. Oh, like, mate, this is... These, that's what it was like when nerds met reality, mate. Remember, some of these people just, like, the joke is, like, the way they actually got to be pro players is they had to, like, level up on solo queues that got them out of their bedroom to a land. Then from that land, like get into a team and not be too 
weird, get in the LEC, do well enough that you then go to this bar. That's like the first time, like, holy shit. To them, it was like that scene in the first Matrix movie where he goes to that club with Trinity, like, holy shit, this is fucking intense, bro. That was like them going to their first bar or whatever, like, oh my God, that's expected. Oh shit. Like, everyone was, was such a nerd was, back then, it was crazy, bro. There was a, there was a picture of of Frogner I think uploaded on Reddit or something like that of him like sleeping on the or sitting on the curb yes. like completely drunk and lost like at five a.m. in the morning. You know, sun is up, he's sitting there, doesn't know what's happening. He just looks at, looks at the street. You know, like all I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna phrase this very carefully, you Marto, is there's a lot of pictures of Frogger uploaded on the internet that I wish I could unsee. If I had that oh, device God. from like Men in Black, you know what I'm referring to. If I had that device, I, I would delete certain <laughs> images from my mind. You know, That is so, a deep cut, man. That is a deep yeah. cut. If you don't know what I'm on about, it's fucking I, I know. wild. Oh, my God. Actually, actually I'm, I'm, I'm I literally do not know. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. No, don't, don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. I have no intention of looking it up, too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I just remember, listen, I just remember the whole what's under my, what's under the blanket, you know, like that that whole thing was good enough for me, you know, and that was a frog. There you go. <laughs> that also. There you go. Oh there man. You go. <laughs> I was scared. All I'm gonna say is this. I'll it. just say this. There was a certain year when Frog had actually had a like uncharacteristically bad year. But if you just knew what was going on in real life, that's not really a surprise at all. Like that was the, exactly the year where you would be distracted. Let's just put it out there, you know, other things in life could get to you. Who knows? Not everyone's built for the rock and roll lifestyle. There's the other thing. I actually had to learn that for real, by the way. I used to think people like expecting that, like, oh, what the fuck? How is he like fucking around, just drinking, partying, all the girls, then he's just winning the game? Like that is a skill in itself, you know. Not a lot of people can do that. Like to actually be able to like manage that lifestyle. And than to still sort of like flip yeah. the switch when you can. Dude, there's, there's not many people who are built like that. There's a few and some of the greatest champions ever, by the way. They're some of the best. I can expect it was just John Jones singing at every yes, fucking final. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Dude, the joke is he really could have said that shit where it's like, you know, like John Jones famous, he did say to Daniel Cormier, like, dude, I beat you when I was on cocaine. Like, per basically, Expecto could just say to people, like, well, I was just, I was just fucking hungover, still with your ass, didn't I? Like, see that championship? Yeah, that was that was that one's tequila. That one's fucking Sambuca. Like, give me a break. Like, this guy's a legend. This guy's a le and if you don't know Soaz, spoiler. If you never followed his Twitter, there's a reason all the music he posts is always like fucking progressive house music. Like, like he's just Soaz is also just the guy with the collar out. Like, right where we going, boys? Like, you know. Like these are the best guys to go out with. I'm telling you though, it's the, these are the best stories. You know, they're not the ones like the forgiven story. Like so. Anyway, there's another thing that Vander does wrong in Lane. Like, bro, we're trying to have a beer here. Like, can we get a break? Come on, can we just get a break on League for five minutes? <laughs> By the way, give us one one parting thought or anecdote or something, and then we got to go to the next guest. So come on, Yamato, what have you got? Now, mind it's uh, like I, I've. Uh... I guess I wanted to bring up the fact that, you know, at one point, both of you gave me a, a advice that have stuck, has stuck with me. And uh, I, I appreciate there's not a lot of people in the industry that are damn consistent in everything that yeah. they do. And um, I just wanted to say that out loud that I appreciate that about uh, the both of you. So truly, uh, congratulations on 200 episodes. I was worried for a time there where you guys like stopped for a moment, you know, I don't know if it was a year or two, but the fact that it came back, you know, blessings, you know, I hope you guys continue for a very long time. Thank you. Going yeah. strong. Always appreciate having you guys like guests on the show too. Uh, it's great to, Thank always you. great to catch up with you. My pleasure. All right. Yeah. There we go. Good stuff, boys. All right.
We're back again, and this time we've got two guests again, two for the price of one. We've got LS here. He's one of the biggest streamers in League of Legends. He makes millions of dollars. There was that time he was the coach of Cloud9. He's working with T1. He's actually become one of the most respected thinkers and figures in League of Legends history, and locals here too. <laughs> What's good? Just listen. I had to. I had to keep it old school, Loco. I had to assert the dominance right from the outset. You know, it's all good, mate. It's all good. By the way, Loco, I've got to ask you a question to start with. Mm -hmm. Also, by the way, welcome back. We've all, we've missed you in League of Legends. Believe it or not, once enough time so passed, sad that you're not doing yeah, stuff anymore. I get nostalgic sometimes about <laughs> just going mad about everything you said and about everything you said was wrong and wrecking mm -hmm. you. But you know, in a good way. In a good way. <laughs> Dude, it's actually crazy because, like, you guys have been in, I want to say, since, like, season... How long have you guys been, like, actively creating League of Legends content? Uh, season um, 4 was when we started this show. Uh, yeah, for me, though, I started... So, I, I, the first time I played League of Legends was um, in 2009, before the game was released. I was actually... So, my college roommate was one of the first um, kind of employees at Riot. And so after I graduated college, I came to L.A. for a week and spent a week in Riot's offices before the game was released. Um, and that's when I because they knew I was from esports, like I, I had done a bunch of stuff in Warcraft three and other games. And so, you know, I had conversations with like Brandon Beck and Mark Merrill and like Tom Caldwell about would League of Legends be a good esport? And so mm -hmm. then later on, once the scene started, I started making content in like 2010 or 2011. Um, via the my website and running my own tournaments and then started doing you know stuff then um but yeah you guys are super og as well i mean ls has been in korea forever like being in the team houses yeah. from back in the early days and you were playing professionally so it's a very og early days uh league crew for i like sure. the way the monty star who saw on brand as well all, all you asked him there local was like when did you guys start creating content and monty was like well i actually uh, played league before it was announced as a game though like i was there but like, well you know what then monty i remember back in like 2004 and there was this little pleb like asian guy who's called like ice fucking dragon or something and i told him like you know what fucking warcraft shit mate like half the plebs can't even play it in macro like you should just make it like one character that you move around and then just make like oh i told me like, obviously increase the turn speed well, well if you're not gonna do that then i'll go fucking play a shit knockoff version and then what do you know something like league of legends start or whatever so you know and then i told mark merrill she's fucking pretty fire you should go talk to her mate you know get a bit of confidence no that's a joke anyway whatever <laughs> it's all good it's all good we don't talk about that local we keep that's over here but i've got a real question though local do you ever want keep in with league do you ever watch it anymore Oh, so I think LCK is like really exciting. I love this generation's uh, T1 okay. and also NG. And I think like LCK just has amazing players that are like incredibly storied. Um, it's actually really sad. Like players like Caria, players like Chovy still don't have an international trophy. And I think like Caria, just watching his highlight, I remember you were making a comment regarding the shy like forever ago where like a retired player was looking at the shy play, like just his highlight. And he's like, Oh, this guy took the game to another level. That's how I feel when I watch Caria. I think like the level of play that he's on is just so fucking far beyond. And it is criminal that someone like him doesn't have a trophy. I think he is like from like a casual, like someone that keeps up every now and then perspective, like one of the best players alive, like in the modern days. So yeah, like I'll watch highlights. I'll watch exciting LCK matches. I've watched the uh, exciting um, MSI matches, but I did not watch finals. After okay. LCK when in the LCK exited, yeah, it was not so great watching.
Listen, you're talking to my audience, not only your Monty, but fucking LS here basically almost wanted you to turn the fucking stream off when BLG won that game. Like, come on, LS, <laughs> he set you up here, mate. Like, the bit of Carrier waxing lyrical. What do you think? What about Carrier now? It's kind of brutal. He's never won an international tournament, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Carrier, I mean, I, I've had arguments with uh, many, you know, other other co-streamers and stuff like Dom, right? Especially like, uh, generally. <laughs> Dom, like Dom is committed to thinking that Carrier is not the best player in the world. It's amazing. Right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, on on the basis that he's a support player, um, <laughs> like that he just simply can't be because he's a support player, and I, I think that that I, I think that's just kind of I, I understand what his argument is, and that he has to like focus on less in the game compared to like Chovy um, or other players. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think I've held this position on Carrier now for probably like a year uh, at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with Loco in that uh, I, I think Carrier is the I. Uh, the the gap between him and the second best support is just I don't think we've seen a gap like this between two players ever in the history of league except maybe like Faker season three I think Mad like Life that. Mad Life in early season three I mean the difference between him and the next best support was enormous like absolutely enormous well speaking of that there's someone in here who not only played with Mad Life he even a, 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 appeared in what now would be a commercial that would get you fucking cancelled where they were like perverts <laughs> spying on girls in bikinis in a Korean oh, wow. commercial that's that's one of the weirdest the way, fucking things I've ever seen by here. the way Loco what's so annoying about that video with you and Mad Life like hiding in the bushes and looking at the bikini girls is that only the behind the scenes exists now and the actual video doesn't exist any longer the finished version yeah so it's that was like the era where they had a lot of pro gamers in mobile game commercials like we filmed actually yeah. hella mobile game commercials me MacNoon, madlife like all the og players like if you watch the tv ogn um after like league of legends matches like we would just be in all the fucking commercials but yeah only the behind the scenes is like live on youtube and i'm sure like the tv commercials are recorded somewhere on a korean website but it's hard to find yeah because you guys can go look it up but if you look up the mad life loco doco commercial it is very funny to see how they were filming that how, how did you like when you were there what was your experience with what they were telling you to do and how was that entire shot um i it, honestly like i was pretty excited at the start of like i think that was like the very first commercial that i did so i was very excited but we had to drive like two hours like and also a two-hour drive in korea is forever like if you live in the seoul area you never have to drive like more than an hour to do anything like within that area like so having to drive two hours to middle of nowhere doing the makeup and like filming like almost the entire day like it was just got kind of annoying and i got more tired as the day went on and i was local go on discord and put streamer mode on so it won't make that notification sound when everyone messages you because it's just feeding back it's all and if you don't mean it i'm about this close to going fucking mental so just turn that put the streamer mode on and stop the notification there you go all good, all good. thank you
he's, he's, he's completely yeah. he's gotten full boomer ever since yeah. uh ever since he stopped doing esports no no more headsets notifications <laughs> sound notifications on his stream by the way we actually did a stream local where because we had a weed sponsor for real like a bong that's like sponsoring our podcast we did an episode for 420 where we watched a bunch of cringe content and you can imagine what interview of yours we watched the one we've got bid oh mate that was fucking primo i forgot how good that one was it was hilarious because that was also where you talked like you were on meth you were just like yep and the thing about bruno i was like the way that the fucking the, the, the hydrolysis or whatever and like hoppin's just like who the fuck is this guy what's going on here like it was great though it was really good mate. it was a great you're very entertaining though, come on bro. hit us what always have been the thing is like i really fucking love and i still love starcraft it's just so hard to get into nowadays like there's still gfl and the old school players are playing again but the depth and history of starcraft is still almost unrivaled like maybe games like league csgo dota comes close to it but the korean scene back then like eight teams like a tier players b tier players on each roster like each with like full-on history like double leagues going on team league going on those were like true golden days of esports i don't think we'll ever get close that was your era right when you came up ls was starcraft broodwall that was is yeah. that game still dear to your heart um yeah starcraft i mean i will still tune in for finals of starcraft one like asls and and whatever um if i if i like catch the tweets or if i know that they're coming up um i'll still watch it and um, like I talked to Nyokin. Uh Nyokin actually comes on my stream sometimes. Um, and he still plays Brood War and like casts it. Okay. Um and Nyokin will like keep me up to date with like what's going on in the Korean scene. Because there's an there's a lot of overlap now. Because the scene it still exists, ASL. Um, but a lot of Korean pros run into a lot of non-Koreans nowadays. Oh, okay. Um, so a lot of non-Koreans get to actually play a lot of the top That's screens cool. they all get slammed yeah, getting to play like but... bisu and stuff That's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so wow there's a lot of overlap and we really literally do get to see that the absolute best foreigners will play the best koreans 100 times and win zero games so <laughs> it's it's uh it's really cool you know by the way local i was just looking up on the episode i've been saying which episode people first appeared on and somebody answered you appeared on episode 10 actually it was quite early on which if you remember was the one where you were still like coaching his alliance and you were gonna join tsm but you hadn't joined yet but here's a detail that i have to explain because the first episode ls appeared on was episode 32 and i actually remember because i have a memory like this that on this episode i made a really mean joke about local that you know some would probably think is crossing the line where what i did was i I made a joke about like TSM coaching stuff. And then I just said, that's fucked up because I'm sure what they'd really say is more like, I love you, but you're good. And then basically people immediately knew. There's the one thing I have to ask you, local. How the fuck did you coach Bjergsen when you could never say his name? You always said it like Bjergsen or something fucked up, didn't you? I was not awkward. Time I just said Bjerg. But there okay. were definitely, like, I remember when I first joined, I remember saying Bjerg and getting corrected where I did not realize the, Jay was fine. Yeah, no, yes, it's a natural mistake. It's just a Korean thing because they don't have the letter J in that way, right? I, I'm actually, I'm actually curious about you guys. Did you ever encounter each other in the very early days of League of Legends when like LS was in the MVP house and like, you were in the Mig Frost house? Because like there was a lot of grassroots stuff that was going on like way back, way back in the day, prior to when I got to Korea. I don't think 
MLF in MVP and me in MIG overlap. I did hear about a foreigner player. What is it? That probably was a left. Um, oh my god. This is, it's so fucking far back. Yeah. Honestly, my first interaction ever with my first ever interaction with Lokodoko was in Heroes of the Storm. We did we play. Played hot we played. We played no. hots together. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. We played hots together. Yeah. <laughs> you used to have the hots it. for local. Fair enough. A lot of us did back then. You used to look a lot better. You had a haircut. You had the little earring in. You know, yep. he was looking for suave. He was like a young crowd. <laughs> that was it. Dude, but yeah, oh. no, I, we, I, I don't think we ever had. Uh, yeah, we didn't have any overlap back then. By the way, I'll t listen, just in this in the spirit of fun, LS, we have to tell some old stories. I'll tell a story about LS and my first interaction with him. Because in many yeah. ways, this will tell you a lot about LS, but also about me, you know, essentially about how wild esports used to be back then. I actually contacted him when I used to work in StarCraft in like Acer back in like yeah. 2011 or 12 or something. And I just did an interview with him, Monty, over Skype, but not like as a video. There wasn't like, people didn't use YouTube like that back then. It was a text interview. Right. I did like a whole interview. It was about StarCraft. It was about his thoughts. It was about other games like card games stuff i did this whole interview it was a banger interview but it was really good it was so in depth all these stories and then what happened was like a week later or something like i think it's something like we didn't finish the interview we got like halfway through or something and then we were like yeah. oh we'll pick it up like another week or something and then i contacted him and then the next time i contacted him he was just sort of like it must have just been in a weird mood that day because he just basically told me about it he was like actually um i won't be continuing this interview and uh you must delete it and never release this interview and like i don't know why he just like we had some like mad fucking static initially so I'd, just one of the weird things about LS, believe it or not, back then, guys, I, you won't believe this now. You've, you've never seen him play Annie and Rage on stream ever in your life, but he, every now and then, he could be a bit spicy, could fly off the handle a little bit, you know. <laughs> it could happen, right? Just from time to time, occasionally, you know. All water under the bridge now, it's all good. That, well, yeah, that I, I do remember. I, I remember that happening. I, I think that was in my, my uh, break period where I disappeared from like the StarCraft scene for like a couple ah, of months. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, dude. Yeah. Come on, Towards all three of you guys, I wanted to ask a question that's been on my mind for a while regarding League and esports in general. Okay. So yeah. one thing that's been one thing that happens and why esports works is whenever a team plays, there's value created. Like there's sponsorship, there's eyeballs. But for me, the true value is when a game is played and it's watched. Users are developing an emotional connection with the game, the story, the teams, and this turns into uh, prolonged interest in the game and also a microtransaction. So like the old theory was NBA fans are worth like $300, $400 a year per fan, and then a League of Legends fan hopefully will be worth that much. But in reality, they don't spend on the eSport part as much. Like what can you do? How many jerseys can you buy your ear and what else can you spend on teams? like? There are subscription models now like Cloud9 Stratus, Liquid Plus, but it's actually the microtransactions that are happening in the game. The longer you play League, the more likely you are to spend on skins and other cosmetics. So if there is value created, Riot is capturing almost all the value, yeah. and there's so little value that is being captured by the teams and the players themselves. So that's why esport works for the developers and developers get massively rich it's not just off the franchise spots but off the prolonged interest coming from players so i think where esport is kind of getting fucked right now is the actual operators themselves 
well, there's no real tourney organizers now, it's the developers doing it, but the teams and the players and the sponsors, they don't capture the value or they don't capture anywhere close to the real value. And it's so asymmetric and they're dependent on the developers to feed them the cash. And was curious where not, you guys- Not only is it asymmetric, not only is it asymmetric, Loco, but the problem is, is that we really, nobody has any idea how much the publishers are making, right? It's not just like, oh, we can tell that they're taking 75% of the money. We have no idea, right? You know, there's a world where they're making 90% of the money. There's a world where they're making 10% of the money. There's a world where they're losing money. And this is a vanity project that probably should be killed, right? You know what I mean? In terms of a, an actual business. Now, I don't think that's the case because why would every publisher want to push these esports programs? Why would Riot, you know, do a big esports program for Valorant if the League of Legends one was failing? Like, it doesn't make any sense logically why they would do that. So they must be making some amount of money. But yeah, you're totally right. And that's the problem is that a lot of the money in the ecosystem, we we will never know what that money is. Right. So it's hard for us to make any kind of judgment call. It's just a giant fucking mystery. Yeah. So I think once really interesting is you can take a look back on StarCraft. So in StarCraft, uh, Blizzard was hands off StarCraft 1 Brood War era. And what can they do? Like there's a limited amount of Brood War CDs you could sell, like the Battle Chest. And they actually don't make that much because all the PC bonks, they just have like 40 copies each and it's downloaded. So they're not selling additional copies. People don't really play StarCraft at home. They go to PC bonks and play it. So they ran their league and the tournaments very tightly um, based on sponsors and making sure there was viewership there and in-person attendance. So I'm curious in the world where Riot or LCS runs almost kind of independently and it is not dependent on the value capture that is happening on the microtransaction side, what LCS looks like, like what the sponsorships look like, what the value of fan to team relationship, fan to player relationship looks like. Because right now, LCS can be run very loosely, right? And long as it is capturing some mindshare, it is worthwhile for Riot. What do you think, LS? What do you all think on this topic? The, I mean, I, I agree with what Loco is saying, right? I mean, it, it's, it's why, like, right now, um, we have the whole debacle going on with NACL, right? With the strike and everything. And I made, uh, I made my reaction to it, which was turned into a clip, which isn't like a proper video, um, which is that like the whole reason that NACL went under is because it doesn't produce anything and it has all this funding and it doesn't yep. have any attention to it. And it's, it's really weird that there's this massive outcry for this thing that went under. And I made like this analogy that there's like this, this store in the middle of this city and all these taxpayer dollars are just endlessly going to it. And this this store is like this research center and it's supposed to produce something that is supposed to be like positive for like the city. And it never does. It almost like never does. Um, and all this taxpayer money just keeps bleeding into it and nothing comes out of it. Logically, the city would not want that store to keep existing or that, rese that research facility to keep existing. Or if they do, they want it to exist in a smaller capacity. Um, obviously there's not ways to monetize this type of stuff because these people that are claiming that there's this outcry or that they care about LCS or they care about NACL 
they don't actually care because there's no clear monetary support. They don't support the players. The players stream, they have no viewers. The players tweet, now fucking Twitter, thanks to Elon Musk, we can see how many views their tweets get. Okay, their views get sub 2,000 views, right? They have no impressions on their fucking tweets. Um, they all have, uh, you know, uh, some of them uh, don't even bother tweeting, right? They have no following. They post a YouTube video, the team posts a YouTube video, sub 1,000 views. So I totally agree with what Lokodoko is saying and that there is no monetization on the esports angle. And everything that, that is happening right now is dependent on the developer. And if you see some of the pushes that the owners and other people are making towards Riot is that they want in-game cosmetics My to then be sold. But that's not even targeting the esports audience. That's hoping to target the casuals. Like the casual person who plays ARAMs and normals that doesn't even care about esports that think, oh, that looks nice. I'm going to buy that. And it doesn't matter that they don't give a shit about T1 or, you know, Gen.G or FlyQuest or Golden Guardians or C9 or Fnatic or G2. All they have to do is think that logo looks cool or that skin looks cool or that cosmetic, whatever it is, and it supports the team. That's all that they need to care about. And that's the angle that it seems like the teams want to go for. Well, I think I think it's because well, I, but here's the thing: I think it's because the teams have been cut out of the central form of revenue of of esports, which has been the microtransactions. Outside of winning worlds and getting a cut of those skins, which is a very significant sum of money, um, you know, they they haven't been able to get the benefits um, of the marketing exercise. And I think it's disingenuous because here's the thing: all of us come from OG esports, right? We we fondly right. remember the days of OGN in Brood War and in the early days of League of Legends when that was an entertainment product and it was successful on its own. We, you know, we know that there was 15 years of Brood War where Blizzard absolutely fucking hated the fact that OGN was running this tournament right. and OGN wasn't doing it with money from Blizzard and they weren't paying money to Blizzard. It was just a pirated league, basically, that was existing in Korea. And yet they made a profit from it because it was an entertainment product first and the sponsors wanted to sign on and the, the fan base was, you know, fanatical and it was a functional business, right? In the way that a sports league is a functional business. Here's the problem, guys. When, when Riot comes around and they say, no pay-per-view, uh, this is a marketing product for our game first, which, by the way, has been, I mean, in the in the league that Riot has had the most, that Riot HQ has had the most control over, which is LCS in North America, because they are the closest to LCS. It has been a massive failure in in taking the brands that were developed in the early days, so the early TSMs, the early CLGs, and translating that success and the level of fanaticism that people had for the players and teams into the modern era. It hasn't carried over. Viewership continues to drop, et cetera, et cetera. So right now, I think it's completely reasonable that the teams are like, we haven't gotten a share of this marketing exercise and you made a bad entertainment product. LCS was fucking badly made as, as something to... to attract people to the players attract people to the teams it's getting better now but is it too late and they it, all of their success was due to the fact of things that happened before lcs started it was the reginald era tsm it was the hotshot era you know clg it was the the cutie pie era dignitas right and so riot inherited all of the work that the players and the teams did with the brands fucked it up and now the teams are like well can we have some of that marketing money? Because you changed it from an entertainment product into a marketing product. I think it's reasonable. So the real winners became actually the influencers, like Skara going to like offline, like creating um, houses like that. So there's 
definite interest for online personalities. I mean, and... LS. LS has fucking made a whole mm-hmm. enormous career off it. He's been the most so, successful of any of us, mate. Yeah. Like Monty mentioned, there's so much good NA personalities that Riot inherited. And then they're like, oh, we want to be more sporty. We want things to look like NFL, NBA, yes. instead of this like grassroots, like influencer, like rough around the edges. And yeah, the product didn't Dude, turn out. Cool. You know something funny? People won't know this, but the reason why you even told me you wanted to do the Shoreless and Locos is because you were a big fan of like fucking Undisputed with like Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. And you saw that like if that, that sort of thing existed, because if people don't know, they, the topics almost don't matter on those shows. You watch for the personality and like the banter and the back and forth. Yep. Like essentially to me, I've always said the same thing on Something Insight. The biggest failure of LCS is this. How many fucking American people who have fired personalities aren't on the LCS broadcast. Like, there's a world where if they'd have asked at the right time, LS here might have been on the LS on the LCS broadcast. You could be on it local. Dom would have been on it. Fucking if Monty wanted to, he could be, you know what I mean? Like, they could have had the most insane talent lineup ever, so that even if the games were shit or the teams weren't that great, you could have had so much fun, so many skits, so many fucking iconic moments. There's so many things I think you could have done with that. Like, they could have been just a media product on its own. Right, but yeah, right, the right, right. Dropped, and then like yeah. the best streamers like LS went to more LCK focused content. Dom went to more LPL focused content. So even like the home region Absolutely. broadcasters with personalities um are not living within your broadcast. Yeah. Like they're going elsewhere. So I'm um, no hate to the current cast, but it's kind of bland, kind of dry. Yeah, not, it's often on the current cast, I don't really get the blood running through my veins and he's going, you know, it doesn't always happen, you know, I miss a dragon here or there. I, you know, I was watching that movie recently, How to Train Your Dragon, you know, I, I sent it along, but I don't know if she got to it yet, but Alice, <laughs> come on, save me. Give me your thoughts on this. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I was going to act, um, I was going to... Fuck, oh my god, I just blanked. I just blanked, I just blanked, oh my god. We talk no. about the broadcast, like the fact there could be all the NA personalities that you could have been on there. Oh, we could have had all oh these yeah, people. Riot doesn't like when um, uh, talent starts getting to influencer level. Of course not. They, they, they really like when, when yeah, talent they, are getting huge and they're still loyal to your show and you're taking yeah. care of them and they have other opportunities, they should be bringing eyeballs back to the broadcast as long as they're treated well. Why not? I, I mean, mean, why, why do you think, why do you think they treated me the way I did? They, the way they did loco. Like I was a hugely popular caster. I didn't work for them. I worked for OGN. I had the most popular podcast, like secondary content. Remember when they did primetime league and they were spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars an episode for this full studio and summoning insight with webcams was smashing their viewership and then and then i owned an lcs team i was by far the most dangerous person outside of riot because i didn't work for them outside of international events uh i had my podcast where i got to say and criticize them however much i wanted and now i owned a team in their ecosystem like that was terrifying for them so lck actually turned out really well like they have huge personalities like wolf they have huge personalities like Cloud Templar, and they're all insular to the broadcast. Like whenever they want Wolf for an international cast, he's there. I mean, Cloud Templar works full time for LCK. Yeah. I love what that scene turned into in terms of all the big personalities grew. They do other shit other than League, but they're still very much insular and it feels very collaborative where in LCS, everyone splintered off where like, yeah, you either got cut off by Riot or you went into different games and only if you fit in certain criteria are you still working for LCS? Here's the yeah, thing. I, it, 
Uh, go on. Yeah, go on, Alice. Come on. No, I was going to say, in, in Korea, it does seem to operate a little bit differently, um, at least from, like, what I've known from, like, Riot Korean employees that have since, like, uh, left the company that have told me some of the inner workings of the hierarchies that exist within Riot Korea um, and how certain things work. I think Riot Korea is its own entity um, compared to, like, LCS, LEC, maybe even LPL. Um, at least like from conversations with Dom, because LCK really does seem to care about the broadcast growth first and foremost. It, so it almost seems to only care about that. Um, which is why I think like they they don't care about the only thing that I think that anyone could ever point to where Riot Korea has done something that doesn't make sense is like when Apto offered to like donate a hundred thousand to charity, right, to get unbanned, and they still said no um like so, something like that that's like really fucking weird um but i think that outside of that there's no issues with like the influencers getting like really big and riot creators doesn't care um but i think, I think that's LA a great point regarding like apto being distant from lck but outside of apto like everyone is so insular to the broadcast where right. on the yes side there's like an undying list of people that are apto ostracized in lck versus lcs right yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and I think that I think that's the way uh, that just LCK operates, and I think that's how it should go, like I, I, in in general, right? So it, it's very bizarre because I think that this is also something that is like starting to change with co-streaming opening up, and like every like there's a change that's happening clearly with Riot probably in like the last year. Um, I don't know like what's behind it, um, but I think that. There are some directional changes that are starting to finally happen, but I don't know what I would point to. But yeah, I, th I think the general idea is that Riot doesn't like influencers getting too large. The thing that I was going to mention um, right before Thorin started uh, talking was there was an incident, and this was summer 2020, where I had uh, 49,000 viewers uh, LCS like summer finals, something like that. And a few days after this ended up happening, um, I got a call from someone that works with the broadcast and they told me that the viewership numbers caused a problem internally uh, at one of the discussions at Riot and that they weren't sure if co-streaming was going to still be like permitted um, or that like the conversation was going to have to be revisited. Um, because... they, they accidentally opened Pandora's box, LS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the narratives on all the different co-stream channels are different from the main broadcast. So this is, I mean, this is obviously almost, I mean, this is three years ago. Um, so that was, that was a really scary call for me because it was in the middle, like my whole life just took a total 180, right? Um, mm -hmm. during the co-streaming year. So, um... I remember having lots of conversations and like trying to get to the root of that and wondering like what was going on there. I mean, they By have the a way, different attitude in Valo. Like Tarek eclipses the main broadcast. And that's also because they wouldn't have that many viewership if they didn't have people like Tarek and Shroud. That like, pop, yeah. like they, they do like half the broadcast numbers if they all join. Anyway, here's what I was going to say, Loco, is I know obviously with the way it ended with listen, Loco, everyone was like disrespecting you, saying you didn't bring anything to the broadcast. Now you've come on it to get fucking C-SPAN. Like, well, actually, Monty, I'd like to talk about the economic realities of the League of Legends <laughs> scene now. Broadcast rights <laughs> are becoming a new frontier within the digital marketing space. Like, fucking, all right. So anyway, let's bring it back to a bit of entertainment here because I want to ask you this, right? On the 
first episode of Summoning Insight, you came on, as I, was my style, because I knew you were off camera, I made some edgy jokes and some naughty ones about maybe the idea local Doco was out there with all the women, you know, here and there, wheeling and dealing, fan girls, who knows what's going on. And I remember, actually, you did, after the episode, tell me, like, like I like coming on the show, but please don't ever do that again. Spoiler. <laughs> I'm not really sure I lived up to that. You know, I had, I had a few <laughs> later on. But I want to ask you, is this local is, how did you actually, who, who was Loco Doco back then? Because he seemed like a really crazy character, but at the same time, people won't know this. You have like a very, you have, in a way, a sweetheart, in a way, right? Oh, I'm, of course, I'm a sweetie inside. Uh, I think I enjoy the entertainment aspect of a broadcast and I like the attention, but I'm actually very introverted. And with people I'm close to, it's a lot easier for me to be open, but just being someone that watched a lot of starcraft a lot of shine on flash a lot of shine on jadong and where esports stars are broadcasted not as just players but as actual stars i wanted to be a star myself so i knew it was better to be flashy and better to be talked about so i played up those aspects and like growing up it was dealing with the attention and also just coming into myself as a person and growing up like that clashed a lot um yeah i guess that's a very mumbled way of saying um i enjoyed the attention sometimes i didn't like the attention as i got older i became better with dealing with it auntie what do you think you knew the young loco before me what do you think of loco back in the day I mean, I think Loco's always just been incredibly, like, naturally entertaining, and, like, he's always been a bit Often of a unintentionally, obviously, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, he plays it up. That's the okay, whole thing. Right, like, okay. You know, some of it, some of it is definitely, but, I mean, like, he's just a very, like, he, I, I agree with you, Loco, you, you can be kind of reserved, but, like, when you get going and you know you're on camera, you do like the attention, and you're, you're, you wear your heart on your sleeve a lot of the time, which I always really appreciate about you, is you're a very genuine person, like, you you know you don't have much of a filter and it's why it's so fun being around you a lot of the time and why it's so fun to talk to you on some of these shows um but yeah you've always been well considered but i think that when you when it comes to you being on camera that's been always your draw and that you can turn it on and it is very entertaining when when you bring that is you're a natural entertainer what can i say appreciate you <laughs> Along those lines, though, LS, I actually want to ask you something similar because, like I was alluded yeah. to with that yeah. story before, you were always a guy. First of all, you were in the scene, but you were more of like an isolated figure. You weren't like some big caster or something back in the day in StarCraft. Right. And then, even in the early days of League, I remember your stuff initially when we would bring you on shows. You had yeah. a lot of haters back then, dude. Everyone was like, because uh, especially because you were coming to all those spicy takes that like Rogue would beat TSM and fucking, you know, like the Gin Air Green Wings would beat G2 or whatever. You had some mad right. space. And I remember it took people years to sort of accept you. But I've always felt like I sometimes see this when you do those mental core streams that last like six hours. I, get, I, I can see sometimes that you're just like, fucking hell, how much longer is this going to last? Like, there's a part yeah. of you that isn't just always wanting to be an, an extroverted entertainer, right? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, um, so th this year, especially this is, a this is actually the most hours cause this year there's more days than ever before ah, right. for streams. Um, and then also because of the way that they did the, the, the time slots this year, like LCK has moved up to 3 PM on weekends and, uh, LCS has moved back and LEC is also moved up. Right. So basically, uh, when when all three of the splits start, I get three hours of sleep in between each region, and I only I I, I don't have a day off. So 
It's uh for like ten weeks. <laughs> fun life. Fun life. <laughs> it's it's fucking it's bad. So like yeah, do I want to be live all the time doing that? Absolutely fucking not. Especially not when it's like the same meta in three regions. No, I I don't want to be watching these players. Um, I I don't want to you know I I don't want to watch you know ninth place versus tenth place. Um, you know, and and then it's it's also it's more annoying like if you ju you just like just got done watching like uh lck and then lec and you saw the same thing 10 games in a row or like 11 right if lck went double you know best of three six games right and then you do lcs and then you see the same things and then you don't want to talk about it and then you get heckled by chat for not talking about it and then uh yeah all i'm gonna okay. say is this guys look i'm not trying to make any sort of like you know implication about who you guys are but if you're wondering why lcs is just in a trash position technically monty coached clg local coach tsm and lsa coach cloud nine so like <laughs> you know what what can i tell you what can i tell you can we talk about nafl and like what the future mean for lcs <laughs> sure um, i want to i want to i want to ask one question of ls first which yeah. is like you know, you obviously like you, you're a very serious thinker about the games that you participate in and whether it was Brood War or Magic the Gathering or League of Legends. And like, that's always, you know, analysis has been your bread and butter and like creatively thinking about, you know, problems and solution and having your own framework for the game. But I, I can just say this from knowing you, uh, contrasting with what I said about Loco kind of like being a very natural entertainer. Yeah. You are a great entertainer, but it's something that you've had to learn. So what was your process of that over the years? Because like you have your whole persona now, which is not something that existed when I met you. So what do you think were like the biggest factors in developing that for yourself? So I think like what I uncovered um, a lot. So a lot of people know this. I took a three month break this past year. Right. And I went to um, I went to a special like uh, psychiatric clinic in Korea for three months um and i got a lot of uh psychiatric testing and i got diagnosed with autism and uh, it was an autism assessment it was like a specialized autism assessment center and um what i guess it would just so one of the main things is uh mimicking right i i have an affinity for just mimicking things and i what i'm assuming to answer your question is that over time with like patterns and games or strategy or whatever the same way that I would identify patterns or like whatever, um, I would just latch on to things that I would identify as being like positive or successful or whatever. Um, and then I would just keep mimicking. Um, yeah, I've had conversations about that in, uh, in like therapy, trying to unpack like stressors in the game and um, even like the LS stream persona because it's a really big stressor for me. Yeah. Um, because it's like a, it is a different persona. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine when you your say reaction therapy clips are extremely funny. The problem is, though, when <laughs> yeah. he says therapy there, Monty, I'm just imagining like the fucking Sopranos, Anna, that she's just a woman. Like, I'm wondering about <laughs> that, Nick. Then what do you think about the way the streams is going? They're fucking, and they're not even playing fucking Ivan Mid, man. They don't even know what the fuck the matter is. The future's market. That's where it's at. Yeah. They're still fighting the fucking McHale's, bro. Like, 
Oh, it'd be amazing. I can, I, someone make a show out of that. Make a show out of Ellis's life, please. Just, it's like, it's like a, you start giving him the Rorschach tests and he's just, uh, everything is just a Morello Nomicon. Exactly, that he's, yeah. He's, <laughs> it's like, what do you see here? It's fucking B3 Renekton, man. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> oh my, no, no, no. There, there's a, if, if people Google uh, Rorschach tests or whatever, there's there's one image and I literally told the uh, the, psycho the psychologist, I saw, uh, this is Kindred. She has held up like a bunch of spots, and you were like, yeah, what, does, what does Pioshik fluke and worlds have to do with the psychiatric experiment? And then they're like, right, uh, book this guy in my clear my whole afternoon. I'm gonna need uh, more of these <laughs> I had to pull up on my phone, uh, Kindred's like mask and everything, and like explain, like, you know, okay. yeah, it's good, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Too funny. All right, Loco, what, what did you want to talk about? The, the challenger scene? Yeah, so in Korea and China, it's the upcoming players are so robust. And this is where I actually think the biggest gap is, where you don't look at the top teams every year. You look at the players that debuted every year in LCK versus uh, LCS or other regions. Like, LCK has, like, banger rookies. like. The year of like Showmaker Canyon into Caria into like Guma owner like every year there is like a new star or new I rookie mean, pays, player right pays now. Is year, yeah, yeah, where you look at every year for LCS like the new players that are being developed, then you looked at the chain, and then like you look at the future of what's to come. People in North America, I would say at least in my sphere and from what I understand, league is in a different circle than it used to be it used to be people in high school people in college are playing league right. and i feel like at least in cali at least in my circle of yeah. friends everyone's playing valo or other games and i feel like it's going to be even more so and also one thing na has to deal with is console gamers not saying console or mobile gamers are bad but there's a much bigger percentage that takes up those gamers so yeah, with NACL in the position that it is, outside of collegiate suddenly becoming a giant scene in itself, what's the future for League of Legends in North America? Yeah, good question. I mean, I'll give you a random one. Look, just because everyone's talked this topic to death, I'll give you like a, a, what I think is like a unique angle, which I actually think would be cool, which is to me, I actually think one thing teams could do, you might be able to relate to this, LS, because this was what happened in StarCraft 2, if everyone remembers, is in the short term, I don't know how you make a secondary league and I don't know how you fund it and how you can get it good enough that the player can ever be close enough to go to LCS. But I know that back in the day, when the Western teams got big in StarCraft 2, what they would do is, when you wanted to go to Korea, if you were like Thorzin or Nanawa, or someone like that, your team would just make a deal with a Korean team house like OGS or something like that and you would start Hale and what you would do is they would pay that team to let you live there and then also get you in on some of the scrims, like they give you like the practice partner to play against or if they have a pro league game, maybe you get to be like the pro toss that plays against MVP in a PVT right. or something like that and they'd let you do this and the idea was you, you would not only play like the ladder but you could level up as a player. To me I actually think in the short term if you just wanted to develop specific players Say you had a Jojo and you were like, he's pretty skilled, but he hasn't got the elements of the game. Why not do that with the RL teams? Maybe you have like a Carmine Corp type team and Team Liquid has a player they want to develop and they tell you, right, we're going to send you for a split to play in France or whatever with Carmine Corp. We'll pay them. They'll use you. They'll get to like use you to like 
brand themselves, etc. And if you get good and you're good enough and you look like if you'd been in Europe, you'd make LEC, you come back and you join the LCS team. That's I'm throwing it out there as a pure spitball because I think I feel like people at the moment haven't got any new ideas. So that's a that's a random one for you. What do you think? I think that like kind of kills the future of LCS. Like if your end goal is going to develop in another region and then going to LEC. No, I mean, come back to LCS after that. Once you develop in the RL, if you do well, you come back and play in LCS. Hmm. No, you don't count as an import player. So. You missed the part about the team. The idea is the American team would be the one funding this so that mm -hmm. then you come back and play for them, but you don't just come straight from Academy to LCS. You've had like a split in a real region where you play a final of LFL, just the crowd, you know. You get the premise? Yeah, yeah. I, I swear to God, I have a streamer mode on, and it, but it's deep. All right, so, don't worry about it, man. It's all good. Um, man, I don't know. I, I don't I honestly don't have a good answer either. But just... all right, all right. I, I, I'm done with this because no one's actually able to a answer this question. Why does the LCS need to continue to exist? Why? If it's a failing business, just let it fucking fail. I don't have any investment within the well. LCS. In fact, I welcome the death of the LCS. So, and I'm sure my friend here, Ellis, he's not going to say this, but man, sure would be convenient if he had one less region to watch. And if it was the worst region, if the, if the worst region where we have to watch these games to discuss them happened to go away, would I be sad? No, because I enjoyed watching fucking StarCraft back in the day where I just watched GSL in Korea and it was fucking glorious, right? Imagine being able to follow just one league and having all the, the 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 commentary, you know, focused on that league. I would shed zero tears if all I had to watch was L LEC, LCK, and LPL going forward. That's a what fad for LCS. It is. By the way, obviously, this is like a dodgy <laughs> topic, Ellis. So do you have any thoughts you want to say on this topic at all? You don't have to, by the way. You're not obliged to. Of course you do. So I mean the 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 so I'm I'm making a video um probably when, whenever I'm done here I'm making a I'm making a really comprehensive video like I'm talking to some of the uh, journalists and stuff and I've been reached out to like by a lot of the players and I think what some people don't know is um a lot of the Korean agents reach out to me to try to make sense of what the fuck's going on okay. like in in, yep. in some weird ass way I'm like a bridge uh between like what's going on with LCS and like it's it's really strange um. So there, there is way more fucked up shit happening right now than people are aware of. And I don't know how it hasn't broke yet. Uh, Phil Aram, am I saying that right? I think yes. so, yeah. Uh, okay, Phil Aram, like, there is, like, literal criminal stuff that is happening that I know that LSPA knows about. Um, and I just don't know how it's not breaking. So I'm making, like, a comprehensive video of, like, some of the stuff that I know that's going on recapping everything what i think's going like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about everything in this video like uh that i'm gonna make after but also there's like the korean aspect of it um because imports are just flooding the region right every single year um and so that is also one of the big things because the whole reason this whole nacl thing is existing is because they're they're always talking about any talent and any talent any talent and there's like that Tyler one clip that is circulating right now on YouTube. It's like five and a half minutes long right now. And it's really, really good where Tyler uh, talks about why NACL failed uh, and why it shouldn't exist and like all this other stuff. Um, it is really weird. My suggestion for LCS, uh, which I mean, obviously, I don't think CB Lowell would like it was was like I, I thought they were headed this direction because they 
LCS did the thing where they made an official LCS Spanish stream recently. Yeah. And then they, they basically do VCT Americas, right? And bring right, in. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they were getting ready to merge. That would be great. And that's what possibly LLA as well would be great. Right, right, right. Um, because there was, there, there was like, now they did, did, they just did this in, uh, Southeast Asia, right? They like merged some of the region, I think, okay. or they did something, um, with, with some of the tournaments or some of the regions, like they have like their own region still, but then something ends up happening. Um, I said that that was one of the directions, but now you have like disguised toast entering disguised toast made his tweet and shows that, uh, the disguised toast scheme is going to run a million dollars. $994,000 for one year. Um, it's insane. Obviously, he's lighting money on fire. Um, now, the weird thing is, Disguised Toast is just being super transparent about this. This blows in the water all of the projections that everyone else was saying that was NA Academy is 440000 Yep. Disguised Toast is literally just posting a public number that doubles that. The people um, I talked to said the minimum six hundred k at least. Right, right, right. But um, there was like notable figures saying that it was 440. Like I, I remember yep. seeing that several places. So I can't remember what Steve said in his video. Um, I think he quoted an exact number. Um, but now Disguised Toast put out the 994,000 and it's like, wow, okay. The, um, the Team Liquid woman, I don't know her name. She got a lot of flack. She deleted her tweet, I think, um, for laughing at someone uh, for saying that the n she said that the number was way higher than whatever, oh, okay. you know. And uh, she deleted the tweet and she, you know, but now, now obviously I think the disguised toast tweet vindicates that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. NACL is, uh, it's doomed. And now, and now also they canceled asset day. So Travis Gafford uh, tweeted out what, that he's expecting that Riot is going to postpone LCS now. Because they didn't do we'll like see. a media day and assume didn't bother doing right. stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because basically the asset in... day guys are for the photo shoots for the players and everything like that for all of the graphics and photos. I have one thing on to screen. say on this topic, right? This is where I have mastered Twitter in a level plebs will never understand. Like, you know, fucking Barishnikov danced, fucking Wagner wrote operas. I fucking play Twitter. I am a fucking master at it. Because I've never ever said I don't in any context, think the World Cup should happen. I've never said I think it's wrong. What I said is I don't support it. I didn't say I support it not happening. I support the opposite. What I said was I'm not just blindly going, well, players must just be right and all be poor players. Like the players make, like he just said there, massive amounts of money. Some of them make money yeah. and will never, ever be an LCS player. And they might make, oh, if they play in a few years of academy, they might make half a million dollars. And what did he pay the half a million dollars for? No one watched it. Like I said in my meme, the same people at the NPC, like NACL is vital for the development of NACL. Tell it. It's like, but you didn't watch it, so it wasn't sustainable. The fuck? It's like that's just accurate. So here's what I will say. My problem is that I think you have got the gun against the wrong person's head. As far as I can tell, the main problem is with Riot. Riot doesn't either construct an ecosystem where financially there's an incentive for teams to have the academy squad, or they don't take part of the millions they make in the side off league, as we're speculating, like Monty's talking about, and just assign it and say, you know what? Every like we're gonna change the circumstances, like Philip Aram talked about, it goes to Chicago. Or 
you can maybe be remote and you don't have to have California minimums. And maybe eventually we do get it down to 300k or 250k to run a team. And at that point in time, maybe Riot even says, here's 150k as a stipend. You can only use it on your academy team. You choose how good you want the academy team to be with an extra amount. But essentially for you, it costs 100k or 200k. And maybe then teams do it, right? My problem is this. Who is everyone mad at? It ain't Riot. Everyone's mad at the team orgs. Everyone's saying, oh, the fucking team orgs dropping the team. Even though, as he just said there, teams were costing 600, 700k, a million dollars to run in a, a team. Right. And now you're in a massive economic winter where everyone's losing money. There's no VC money coming in. Sponsors are dropping out. There's less sponsor budgets. They're all tightening their belt as all these things. Banks collapse within the fucking world. In this world, you've come along and you're telling them not only must you run this, even if it doesn't make any sense to you, but if you field players to replace us stepping out now, you, they're the biggest pieces of shit ever and you're the biggest piece of shit. And what people don't get is this. The team's agreement with LCS is I will field a team in your league that I have bought a franchise slot to. It doesn't say in the contract, well, unless, of course, you know, there's like a contract dispute and people walk out. So the weirdest thing about this to me is this isn't about LCS. This is LCS pros saying for the sake of a different league, not the one I play in, I'm going to refuse my labor. It's not just to riot, to my team. Now, the hope there, obviously, is the whole LCS gets cancelled for day one, which might end up happening. Here's what they haven't thought through. When you get a player, let's say Bjergsen, right? If you sign Bjergsen, you don't just sign him to be good at mid lane. You sign him because right. he's Bjergsen. He has a following. There's an interest in your team. You can do deliverables with him in sponsor ads and commercials. You actually base your whole year's budget off massive players like Bjergsen, Simple, Faker, these grit Arteezy. These are the names that when you sign them, they're worth millions because you can get get bigger deals, you can get better sponsorship deliverables. Now, if those players don't play, one, you better hope that sponsor doesn't notice. You will look like an absolute fucking clown. Secondly, you have to field a team anyway. It's Riot that's saying you have to field a team, and they're now making it you can field anyone. Riot is basically, basically the instead of the PA putting the gun on Riot, they've put the gun onto the player's own boss, the guy that pays him the millions, and then when the, the guy goes, turns to Riot, like, are you going to help me? Riot puts a gun on them too and goes, field the team, motherfucker. You know what way it's going. And these people are just sat between the ones who pay the millions that make these pros able to say, I won't play this day. And the worst part about this is if you know one rule about fucking business, you do not shit where you eat. You are fucking up the business right now. When you fuck up those sponsor aspects, right, you can't come back two weeks later and go, it's okay, I'm back now and we're back in LCS. No, no, no. The sponsor doesn't want to hear that, mate. There's no like, in fact, if the sponsors find out by the way, they're sponsoring teams with massive budgets who aren't even fielding the players. And now every fan stupidly hates the org themselves. They are not going to want to sponsor that team. That is going to fracture and damage the yep. relationship with the sponsors. What does that mean in the ecosystem? Because remember, the money for NACL and these people comes from Riot. You're going to go, no, no, but the revenue share, the revenue share comes from the success of the league. If you all hate on the league and the fucking teams, then eventually the money's going to go down. And now you're in a worse position. Now we're trying to make fucking a dollar out of 50 cents now. Now it's even worse for us and in no point in time have you ever reduced the costs of Academy because currently it's still in LA. That's why the worst part of that episode of Four Horsemen is no one listened. He said they had so many things they wanted to change like let's cut the costs go remote. Let's make it so you don't have to have all these players. Maybe you don't have to have certain things you have to have in California. If people do that, I'm in favour of that. I'm even in favour of the concept of denying your labour if you think it's important. But right now the approach that's being taken I actually just think it's just going to hurt the team orgs. They're the main people who are going to suffer. I think Riot, quite frankly, they 
can tank a week or two if they want. That's why I think they're trying to play hardball and test it out. Yeah, see if they really have the stones for this. So my problem is you're just putting the gun on the wrong people. It isn't people. Like, by the way, behind the scenes, a couple of massive orgs even told me, I don't actually, I don't, my orgs so successful sponsor. I don't actually mind an, an ACL. I would have kept it running. But I'll tell you what, if everyone else is bailing, especially the small orgs, I'm not just going to keep putting a million in while they put nothing in and then they buy my player or bid against me. Like, I'm going to have to drop it too. It's what we're all doing. Essentially, everyone seems to agree. Riot is the one who can fix this with the compromise and they're the only one not being bloody blamed because it's the big monolithic riot. Whereas you know Jack, you know Steve, you know these people that you can lash out at. So I just think the vitriol's misplaced. As long as it's done in the right way, I'd be on the side of the players, but not if it's actually going to hurt the league. And worse, you are fucking up the contracts, bro. The one thing we can't do right now is fuck up the sponsor money. It's, it's the lifeblood of esports. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, I think that's what's crazy about what's going on is that if they run the league with a bunch of random players, then the sponsors aren't... The, look, the, the attitude in esports right now for sponsors is they're already not getting what they paid for. And so if they are paying for a professional league and they get a, a clown fiesta, I'd be pissed as a sponsor. It doesn't matter if viewership is going up. This literally is a brand association with my brand yep. with a fucking you know, disgrace of a match. So it's a complicated scenario, basically, local, <laughs> to answer your question. But you know what? I've got some skills, so I was able to deliver it in an entertaining fashion, you know, with a bit of vitriol, a little bit of spice. Come on, then. Um, well, over I also... so I'm going to go, but can I say yep. one last thing? I appreciate you guys having me on for the episode and also genuinely appreciate like your passion and the content that you guys put out in eSport and League of Legends. It's lucky to have you guys for like almost 10 year plus now, right? And you got like, you guys did it when League was hot and you guys are doing it when League isn't so hot. So yeah, hope things turn around in League, at least in NA, and we can have you guys doing this until you guys are old and wrinkly. Well, that matters, Lord, because you're there. still hot somewhere deep in there. I know it's sort of like she's all that. I need to take the glasses off, put a bit of like gel in the hair, maybe like a little bit of bruise on the cheeks, but you know, the right, right jacket. I think you'll be fucking banging again. We'll see you in K-Town. <laughs> Later, guys. Right, he could go. We'll talk to you a little bit, Ellis, then we'll wrap the show. It's all okay. good, mate. Right, let's all actually, right. I tell you what, at the end, should we talk about some actual League of Legends? Because most of this was just stories and silly <laughs> stuff. I actually have a question for you, Ellis. Yeah. Right, I saw recently that they're doing those fucking changes to the futures market again and all the shit with the fucking Moonstone. Do you, are you brewing up some, some next level tech for us? Is there going to be some new shit coming down the pike? Uh, I mean, I think... I think there's a lot of itemization stuff i mean we, we gotta i gotta wait and see what happens with like uh pro play in terms of like what are pros gonna end up building um i mean I, I, item diversity is always gonna be a shit show right with with pro teams um i already have a pretty good idea i think of itemization for like most champions in, in game states um I don't think like too much change because it's just like the base logic of like why you build certain items at certain times. Um, I think the main war still like wages on, right? Which is like Grievous Wounds. Uh, even like that Polish <laughs> cut that I was uh, casting like recently, uh, which by the way, that that is hilarious. I don't, I don't know if you guys were seeing it, but the total- The way they did the fearless draft thing, right? The, 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 well, they did the, yeah, they did the, uh, the draft thing where if you win with a champion, you can never pick it again. Um, but the combined viewership from all of the Polish streamers, like the, the total viewer, it's like more than LCS. It was insane. Holy shit. For yeah. the community yeah. run event. Like that was, 
I haven't seen something like that. Now, then my chat was telling me that like CB Lowell has something like this with Bayano um, that they do. It's called like CB Lao or CBO Lao or something like that. That's happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just fucking crazy. Um, but that, that stuff was really cool. That was a good introduction. Now LPL started again. So we'll see. We'll see. Monty, an obvious topic I thought we could obviously discuss is where the fuck do the LCK teams go now? Like that was a bobber the way that MSI ended, right? All that, all the fucking uh, hype mean, that we had, it sort of just died out. You know, LS has, has seen, you know, all these LCK games too. And I think the biggest disappointment, and we talked about this on Power Spike, like me and Dom, is that they just didn't play the way they play. Like to me, that's that the biggest tragedy of all of this was that we never like Gen G didn't play like Gen G and T1 didn't play like T1. So it felt like we were just robbed of actually seeing their styles in action, which was a bummer because, I, you know, at the end towards the end of the tournament, they were just being very uncharacteristic compared to the way they normally play the game. And yeah, I, I don't know what it's a mentality thing when they get into these international competitions or or what it is, but I didn't get to see the teams that I had spent the last, you know, six months watching. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think LCK as a problem. So I think no matter what is going to happen, like I think when it comes to Worlds, um, I think it's just always going to be a crapshoot. I think that the Chinese teams, like especially like Knight, I think, I think he was genuinely being very honest um, when he was saying like, if drafts just go different ways, the games will just play out differently. Um, there was like stuff really fucking bizarre, like Owner. Um, in three out of four games, they drafted Zyra Khan and Owner paths away from Zyra Khan. Um, that was like, I, I, I exactly. But what's what I say? The, the team that the team with the cleanest bot dives in the world for spring split is passing right, away right, from right. bot life. It's just fucking weird. It was the weirdest thing in the entire world. And also, owners just pathing towards a lane that doesn't need to be pathed to. It, it doesn't. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and then also, I mean, they, they did get away with murder. Like one of their wins against JDG should not have been a win. Um, like the the ace in mid lane into the immediate end. Um, that 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 was a gen that was a JDG win, uh, through and through. Um, that never should be possible to be lost. I think so. Uh, for LCK, it 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 fucking sucks. Um, because I don't I don't think that any of these teams or any of these players are gonna identify uh actually what went wrong. Um, they're just gonna think it was a bad day or something. Yeah, I really think that 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 is what it will be chalked up to. Um, from like conversations that I've had throughout the years, and like um, e even like conversations like um, when Nemesis was living out here, um, and he was—I mean, he still is on Gen G, right? Um, and he would have like conversations and and stuff. That it, it, it's almost like it just falls on deaf ears uh, when you try to like explain things logically about how things work or like interactions. And you just see how slow moving the region is uh, to accept anything. Um, so yeah, I think when it comes worlds, it's just going to sort of be like a coin flip. Um, I, I just think that, that that's how it is. 
I mean, I think it, I hope that there's some reflection from the Korean teams about this because it, it really just seems like a mentality difference, right? Like the it's like what we were talking about too with about Edward with Edward at the start of the show is that he felt that one of their strengths was just the ability to go in with Moscow Five and not be afraid of everyone and kind of delete nameplates from their brain and continue to play you know as aggressively as they possibly could. And the right. Chinese teams seem to be able to do that, and the Korean teams seem to doubt or second guess themselves or try and play in like the most kind of passive way possible. And some of these, you know, draft very passively, like, you know, famously like the Jin Yumi coming out in the game five, like it's just the weirdest yeah. shit that they do. And it's like, why would you do this? Why would you not have confidence that you can hang and, and, you know, make the plays? It feels like they, they don't have confidence that they can make the play. So if anything, it feels more like a sports psychology or a mentality difference rather than anything else. Right. But I, I also think like, you know, there's there's also kind of a, a a deep expectation among some of the Chinese teams, especially JDG, about a necessity to win. Now, I'm going to say that I have heard this as a rumor. OK, so I'm not 100 percent confident in this, but it doesn't surprise me, which is that I have heard that JDG's budget is 16 million dollars. Well, OK, OK. <laughs> Don't I, I, okay. I am very right. careful on these shows. Like when I say I know something, you know I know it. Yeah. Um, I I am not entirely sure about that number. Um, I, I need to to get get it corroborated. But you have to remember that that's in a league that has the luxury taxes past the cap. Um, so LPL right. the way it works is you there is a cap, but like the NBA, you can kind of, or like the you know you kind of pay to get over that cap, and you pay right. into a pot of money that's revenue shared by the rest of the teams in the league. That would but be interesting if you had that in the in the LCS if you could do the unionization. Sure. I've always thought the same thing, Monty. If Steve wants to spend more, just have it go to the lower teams. That would even be a way to even it out, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so like this would as that number, as far as I'm aware, puts them in the most expensive roster in League of Legends history by a large margin, too, not by a small right. margin. And, you know, I think that the expectations on this roster are absolutely enormous. And we right. all knew it coming in. Like this was going to be an insane super team. Like it's, it is a beautiful team to watch in action. And the level of talent is you know, almost unparalleled of any other team that's been, you know, created in history. Uh, the question was whether they were going to be able to play together and, you know, not fall into the super team trap of having, you know, too many stars and not enough role players, but it seems to be going well so far. Yeah. By the way, it's a bit, we'll, we'll start to wrap it up now. LS, do you have any memories of, I mean, what's funny is when you first came on the early episodes of Summoning Insight, if people don't know, I was the precursor to all this let him cook shit. Because if people don't know, I knew Ellis was into all those ridiculous stories that back then he used to get hated on. But there's some of his best content where he'll tell like the story of how picking like fucking this bot lane champion is like how Ryu had to overcome Akuma in like Street Fighter 4 fucking animated movie version. And I would just be like, let let him cook, Monty. Like, yeah, go on, keep more, more. What about Digimon? Digimon in there? Yeah, he's in there. Did what Dragon about Ball, fucking Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball exactly what about the Cell Saga yeah isn't the Cell Saga kind of like when MVP turned the Samsung I used to love yeah. that shit bro I used to love that shit when you were just going off I think that's some of your best work is the fucking abstract analogy so do you have any good memories of summoning insight over the years my I mean I think the analogies were were always like the tangent I mean I just remember the Dragon Ball one right because the, the those ones were uh those ones were good um I I remember the world show from like 20, I, I want to say it was like 2014, 
2014. I think it was 2014 Worlds. Um, okay. I I, I, I want to say. Um, and I I just remember that one because it was my first time interacting with a lot of um, Western personalities. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that for the first six months that I played League, I didn't interact with the Western scene. Um, the very first like ever interaction that I think the Western scene ever had with me is like Monty had this thing called like X Machinima or some some like series thing that he did on YouTube, and we did some like interview thingy. Um, and it went out on YouTube and then, uh, I would like stream on Twitch and then, you know, six months went by or something like that. And I, I just didn't really stream League of Legends. Um, but then I joined SHC. Um, but yeah. And then, then obviously, uh, we did the reflection. By the way, when he says that he's talking about super hot crew, which began his yeah. lifelong love affair with Selfie, who he just can't <laughs> quit. I just can't quit you, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You know, you even got on. He even got on Cloud Nine. You know, selfie. There you go. Shout out, selfie. Corey, whatever you call now. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. That was a good time. Do you have some good memories of LS back in the day? I mean, absolutely. I I think. I think one of the the the. I, I think a story that's very characteristic of LS that that I love and I have fond memories of was LS like. He was like, oh, yeah, can you come meet me at my house? I was like, sure. So, you know, we go over there and we start. This is in the old rune page days, guys, um, which is like, you know, you had you you could, you know, manually put in like different attack damage or attack speed or like the move speed quints. Right. So, you know, usually there were I would say those rune pages didn't have the biggest effect on the game, especially compared to modern runes, which is a much better design system. It was basically just playing with different numbers and they were kind of more or less, you know, uh, agreed upon rune pages for every role. There wasn't a lot of difference. And he's like, but what if we took out, it's just an example. I, I forget what you said, Vic, but it was like, what if, you know, what if we took out these three AD runes and replaced them with attack speed runes? And I'm, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I have no idea, <laughs> but it's like what I loved about LS was that he was just so technical down to these like very small details and constantly trying to think about ways to like, alter the game in minor ways and so when the new rune system came out and you were like all over it all the new itemization i was like ls was built for this moment (laughs) you know what i mean he was fucking made to be like the fundamental expert on this because i was always much more of a you know team comp and macro guy yeah um and like i just love the way your mind worked about all of that and like how we sat there for hours and like talked about all of these different rune pages and like how you could swap things out it was just it was a very fond memory of mine um so i i, I remember that i remember that <laughs> i'll just say aside from the analogies i do love and obviously i like when he does the classics like the man versus machine almost like his lecture fucking series like an essay video essay about his thoughts as well as that though i actually just appreciate that you actually carved out your own niche ls that's the thing i yeah. hate when people become a broadcaster and they think right i better just be like buttoned up like everyone else you did your own thing that's why core stream is perfect for you like actually when you had to do lck you could see it, it, it atlas did his best to make it fun but at the same time there's certain things you couldn't say you couldn't be as, yeah. as critical on the core stream it's just your vibe and crucially you have carved out your own niche like you've done the whole thing with all the dark tech it's a, and by the way a spoiler just as an aside thanks for like all those six months of OP as fuck Nami support games I played when I was just rushing that moonstone every other pleb didn't even fucking know about that shit but I had the inside track because you know I've got the old fucking MS yeah. on the case haven't I it's free wins all day also, long they didn't even know what was going on mate 
Yeah, and also what I love is, you know, not only your contributions with your model and your thought to the game, but also just the entertainment. Like, the whole, like, you know, sinning thing is definitely one oh, of the funniest, mega. you know, language, yes, that's you, know, you know, <laughs> th things that you've perpetuated. And, like, it's been very, it's it's been, it's been not only informative, but very fun. And I love the way that, you know, the language you've used and the concepts you've created have framed discussion around the game in a really good way so i've enjoyed that a lot also mate when you're when you just have your grandma come on <laughs> some, <laughs> some of the mad shit she has said inadvertently it's outrageous you know did I you see what she faked uh oh yeah she had one uh, no it's not a joke monty his his grandma called in one time and pretended to have alzheimer's and not know who he is for like five minutes like hello and then he was like grandma I say you was like who is this who are you or whatever like and then after five minutes right she just goes i'm just fucking with you so i'm like amazing that's fucking insane there's one oh. as well. I can't even remember it, sadly. I, if I knew the phrase, it'd be mega. Maybe you could remember, Ellis. There was one where you just said something like, like, oh, Crowdy's one of the best bot laners in... in... No, she's... Oh, that's it. You said, you said Crowdy. She goes, how's Crowdy doing? And you go, he's one of the best AD carries in Europe. And she goes, he's one of the best AIDS carriers in Europe. <laughs> or something <laughs> mental like that. Like, what the Holy shit, that's accidental, but that's just insane. Also, I might even violate TOS. I don't even know the bloody hell. Like, that's like, she's one of the best fucking cameo appearances on that stream. It's one of my favorites right, for sure. Like how do you call her, by the way? Does she have a Discord account? No, no, I've tried to get her. Uh, so I think when I go to the States, because um, I, I have some like, uh, so I'm supposed to go to the States at some point, right? For like FlyQuest content. Um, it's it, also you in LA, man. Yeah, there you go. Right. So I'm supposed to I'm supposed to go there, and then I'm gonna obviously go to Rhode Island, and then I plan to like do like an IRL stream with her or something. Wonderful, so, love it. It'll be great. By or, the way, or, even though, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm like trying to figure out if there's a way to like have her come to LCS or something. Okay, here's the so, thing. At yeah. the end of this episode, I'll just say to yeah. LS, I, I'm glad for your success, mate. You actually genuinely are one of the people I've seen grind for years and years. Yeah. You went through all the tough times when people hated on you. You overcame it, which is the secret. you got to keep going until you hit the critical mass. And then eventually, the same idiot that would just be like, what the hell? I've heard that guy, shouldn't it? Like, they're the ones that are literally on the stream. They're loving it. They're looking at all the new information. So, well done in that sense. Obviously, to Monty, my long-term partner on this show. I'll actually tell people a little story. Maybe Monty himself doesn't know this. This will be a little exclusive story at the end. So when I actually started this show, I started it for a company called On Gamers, which was like a giant site. It was oh. one of the first ones to be a mega site where you hired all the big journalists. Basically, everyone except Richard Lewis got hired to it. And part of the reason he didn't, without going into a tangent, is because of this whole thing with fucking Travis and him and all this beef back then. It wasn't related to me. And what happened was, it was one of the first ones to try that model. You pay for massive money, you get all the hits, but the problem is you can never generate the revenue to make the money back. Oh, it's something interesting about LCS teams in there, but we'll skip that for now. <laughs> so you do this, right? And they all go bust after a year or two, because what happens is the person who puts in the money at the beginning goes, well, I'm not going to keep putting money in. They go bust, then comes ESPN, then comes fucking over, whatever that other one was, that more recent one. What was the one with their... 
What was the uh, one a couple of years ago? Upcomer. There you go. You have, they all come on Yahoo Esports. They all do this shit, right? When this, well, before it died, I just got straight fired, literally, because on Twitter, when I was just tweeting in the morning during all the Worlds games, I just called basically in a joke called Wild Turtle Retarded, which I will say I have actually apologized to him in person and on Twitter. I don't think it's like the end of the world to say that, but just actually when I met him, he's just too lovely a guy. Like, I actually felt bad in that sense. It was more like the TSM beef. Now, when I got fired, here's something Monty won't know, is he actually told me, like, oh, don't worry what we'll do is with our youtube channel where we do because i basically they agreed that they'd give me like the name summoning insight of that he said oh we'll keep doing the show and what we'll do is you can just basically take all the like ad revenue which i never did to be fair we actually waited something mental like six years before we ever took any of the ad rev from the youtube which we did a very bad job advertising anyway and then we eventually took years but here's what people what you, you won't know is he actually the next year we both got, uh, with a different company, obviously, a sponsorship related to fantasy esports, if everyone remembers the concept back then and how By The Numbers came along. And when we got this sponsorship, right, it was pretty good. It was like a few thousand a month. And what Monty doesn't know is his agent actually told me privately, like, oh, Monty doesn't want you to know this, by the way. But the actual deal was actually for Monty. And then you were going to be like a tangential part of the package. And basically, he would have gotten like the lion's share and then you would get like, you know, like a say like if he got 10 you've got three if i'm using random numbers here and he said but monty told them basically like it has to be 50 50 down the middle and thorin just gets the same amount and he doesn't want to tell you that so i'm just going to tell you it privately now and so i always actually appreciated that that monty actually basically like one of the first people to actually go to the wall for me back in the day <laughs> and obviously i will even say you actually had an amazing quote that i found i'm going to put it on that website in that quote section because it's one of the best ones ever monty said when a guy interviewed him and said you know are there any sort of you know are there any sort of like downsides or occupational hazards to working with Thorin? Monty said basically a bunch of stuff. And then he famously said this line where he said, the thing about Thorin is he can be very professional when he wants to be. And he can be very unprofessional when he doesn't give a fuck. So I just thought that was one of the best quotes of all time, really. You nailed it. Even though I only knew you 10 years, you, you nailed it already, mate. Well done. Yep. And one of the one of the greatest pleasures of my life has been working with you, Thorin, because you are incredibly loyal, incredibly principled, um, and you don't let the bullshit slide. And I think that's the glory of this show is that end of Last Free Nation, this company that we're working on together right now, is that we are, as the name says, the Last Free Nation at esports, guys, as everybody gets gobbled up by foreign governments or giant corporate entities or can't talk about certain subjects. We're hopefully the place you guys can come to for some unfiltered truth. And Thorin certainly does that, uh, you know, better than anybody and has become an in incredibly uh, entertaining person in his own right over the years from going from an off camera, fantastic interviewer to debating, you know, slamming Shaq on national TV. <laughs> it's been a very fun, uh, very fun uh, career arc for me to watch as well. And I hope we have many, many more shows of doing this show and beyond that, working together till we're, we're both old. I, I yes. would love that very much. So let's just do this. Let's just say to the next 200 episodes and then cue the Grog song. <laughs>